Captain's Log, Stardate 710.420.bong. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Captain Spencer. And I'm Kai Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes and to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where no whale has failed before. Soy Trek. The show where three Trekkies ask themselves on a weekly basis Whales? Whales? Whales. Yeah, whales. whales? Yeah. There be whales here. Whales. Yeah. Uh, today we will be watching and reviewing Star Trek IV The Voyage Home from 1986. 1986, baby! Directed by Leonard Nimoy! Again! Yes. Indeed. But yeah. first. Uh, but first, let's check in on what's new in the Trek universe. We got Trek news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got Trek news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? In Trek news this week, it was announced that Star Trek Strange New Worlds premiere back in May is now the biggest Paramount Plus debut for the franchise. Although not releasing official numbers, it's been noted that the debut had larger viewership than the premieres of any season of any of the new Star Trek so far. Seeing as how uh, even the less successful shows are still doing well into their fifth and third seasons, respectively, this is very good news for Strange New Worlds especially since its budget is reportedly lower than the other two live-action Star Treks currently in production. Well, wait, oh, wow. hold on, though. The only shows other... Well, the only shows other than, um, than Strange New Worlds that have premiered on Paramount+, mm-hmm. Plus, though, have been Strange New Worlds and uh, Lower Decks, right? Because, like... I'm not... Dis- uh, Picard. Well, I mean, oh, well, Picard. Uh, yeah, right. Sorry, Picard. Yeah, Picard, yeah, Picard and uh, Picard. Discovery. Well, and no, yeah, but Discovery the... is not from Paramount+, Plus, though. Well... Mm. But but the last several seasons have premiered on there. Oh, okay. So, it, is it not yeah. shown on TV anymore? Because I know they were trying to show it. It is shown yeah. on TV, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Who has regular I don't know. anymore? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. No. I don't yeah. think anyone does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are much, much lower. Like, mm-hmm. I mean. Right. Yeah, like if you look at TV ratings these days, they're, people are watching domestic television at like – I'd say maybe uh, at best like a third, usually though like an eighth of what mm-hmm. they were like twenty years ago. Yeah, like yeah. you used to have uh, shows that would come on and get like you know thirty, <clears throat> forty million viewers. Like that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, uh, except for oddly enough, like shows like Young Sheldon. <laughs> oh yeah, like, I there's mean, that's a couple shows that just do insane yeah. numbers for no reason yeah. whatsoever. Well, the just, reason just people the reason just is old people dying at funny. home and with the TV on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's all flyover television. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's uh you know the Midwest is the reason it does right. super well. Well, and also because it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great it's comedy. T- that's 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 TBS though. <laughs> yeah. TBS yeah. is very funny. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, moving on to Star Trek news, according to Sir Patrick Stewart, better known to us as Captain Picard, mm-hmm. he'd very much like to come back for another Star Trek The Next Generation film. Oh. Speaking <laughs> at a panel at San Diego Comic-Con last week, he was asked if he'd like to be involved in another cinematic adventure for the franchise. To quote him, he said, Yes is the answer to that bluntly. I think that would be a very interesting and exciting and worthwhile thing to achieve. Alex Kurtzman, (laughs) head of Star Trek's television franchise and co-creator of Star Trek Picard, chimed in to say, I think that in some ways season three is that. But of course, I mean, look, if you guys love it, let's see what happens. Right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It no won't. Not gonna happen. <laughs> Although filming has already wrapped, uh, the third and final season of Picard debuts on Paramount Plus sometime in 2023. Right. And finally, in Trek news, the original model for the USS Enterprise is coming back on display at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. in October. Oh, cool. Uh, taken down in 2019 and part of the Smithsonian's Air and Space Museum renovation, it was announced this week that the original 11-foot-long model from the 1966 series would reappear in its original condition, having been well-preserved and not requiring any curation whatsoever. Wow, um, 11 I, feet long? That's fucking It's 11 huge. feet long, and it's like 50 Sick. years old, mm-hmm. and it's like fine, mm, which right. is nuts. Right? Didn't like one of the Enterprise help. models, I think the one from the motion picture or something, like end up in like a private collection and then end up in like someone's yard or something? Like years <laughs> that sounds later? about right. I, I, or, I, I think it might have been one of the original Enterprise Ds or something like that. Something that like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. heard of this before. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to look into that, but uh, yeah. I'm glad that they um, preserved this one, and it's still there. For people yeah. to enjoy, to look at. We can go and stay at my brother's house in Maryland. And oh boy, like uh, I went to uh, an elementary school. I went to uh, Smithsonian had a, a Star Trek exhibit. Nice. Uh, and, you know and, what we can do while we're in DC is uh, we can play a video game where we kill the president. <laughs> <laughs> in a video. In game. Minecraft, of course. Yeah, yeah. In <laughs> Minecraft, we can uh, assassinate. President Brandon. Mm-hmm. Whoa! When we're in Washington D.C. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's 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 the good ending to the video game, right? <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. That's yeah. if you get a hundred percent completion. <laughs> I think I think I think the bad ending is yeah, we're we're shot to death in the video game right. <laughs> right, <laughs> by the right. Secret Service yeah. in the video game. Yeah, I think the best um, meme I've seen going around recently is one where it's just a screenshot of like how many people are named Joe Brandon in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Oh, and one more thing. Speaking of like Star Trek exhibits, I forgot to mention this last week, but when I was a kid, I went to the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas, um, oh, sick. which was super. I was actually insanely sick. But uh, one of the things that I saw was Spock's coffin from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Hell's yeah! And I actually touched it. It was very cool. Oh uh, wow! So yeah. I don't think I was supposed it's to like do a holy that, relic. <laughs> but I was like ten years old, so you know, kids are gonna do mm-hmm. what they do. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if, they, if if inside is like a co- of like the skeleton of a of a of a uh, was, stunt double or no, something. <laughs> <laughs> no, at this point it's like just you, Leonard Nimoy's skeleton, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you touch it, and it pop. You touch a secret button, and it pops open, and there's a skeleton in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Live long and spooky. <laughs> Live long and spooky. Yeah, it's that kid yeah. that that played young Spock on the planet. Yeah. You know, it's like he, that was his only role, and he disappeared afterwards. <laughs> no one knew where him. he went. I, I prefer if it was the kid who plays young Sheldon. 
<laughs> but he somehow went back in time and then died in the, no, in the no, Spock coffin. No, no, but we, we kidnap him and uh, put him in yeah. the Spock coffin now. <laughs> and then we okay, shoot him in, in, vid- in a video yeah, game yeah. after we kill Joe Brandon <laughs> video game version. Thank you very much. Right. I like where this is going. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's I guess that's uh, Trek News for the week. I guess that's what we got. Um, so yeah, let's uh uh we watched a film this week, we fellas. We fucking watched a hell of uh, a film. We're still rolling through the Star Trek films. Let's let's uh, uh let's get into it. Let's talk about Star Trek 4: The Voyage Home. So one week after <laughs> um, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock was completed, Paramount uh, came to Leonard Nimoy saying they were very pleased with his work on The Search for Spock, uh, as was the crew. And so he was offered to come back to make the next Star Trek film. Well, the crew, except for William Shatner, <laughs> who was like, I'm, oh, not I'm talking about back. I'm talking about the production crew, not not <laughs> the actors. The actors right, don't right, count right, as part right, of the crew, yeah. I don't think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, and Nimoy in turn invited back Harv Bennett, who, uh, he, uh, finding his experience on the set of Star Trek three, absolutely invaluable. And also they were like very steadfast creative partners at this point. So it was a no brainer, right? Um, right. the two were given more money and more creative freedom this time, uh, seeing as the relative success of Star Trek three and the two agreed they didn't want to repeat anything like the previous two films, despite their successes. The two didn't want a space opera of any sort, and they didn't want any clear villain. Uh, but their initial drafts and ideas had to be changed as William Shatner didn't want to come back to reprise his role of Kirk due to a salary dispute. <laughs> The initial idea was a prequel about Kirk and Spock where they're at Starfleet Academy, but it was rejected by fans. There were, was also the issue of the, quote, most favored nations clause in Shatner's contract, which would become instrumental in the history of Trek. During the initial 1966 show, Shatner's agents had negotiated a clause in his contract that stipulated he was to receive any perks or raises Leonard Nimoy did and vice versa. (laughs) The rising cost of movies, Mm. as well as legal issues like this, were part of what led Paramount to begin, uh, begin production on Star Trek The Next Generation, which debuted one year after Star Trek IV. They wanted cheaper actors. Yeah, they wanted cheaper <laughs> actors. They didn't want to deal with fucking prima donnas yeah. and like having to get six yeah, right. six people with like increasing demands together, seven people together every single film mm-hmm. because they have to be there, mm-hmm. you know? Cuz I don't I honestly don't think any of the Star Trek films would have worked without Shatner, without Bones and without Spock. I mean, yeah. Bones was always fine to come back. He was just like I need some cocaine money. Well, (laughs) fuck it. He did look like he was falling apart in this one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Dude, he is... is I mean, he's rough in all of the films. Like, DeForest Kelly was like... Yeah. I mean, as Bones McCoy, I think he was like in his 40s, right? And Mm. so when we get into the films, he's in his 50s and 60s. And he's just like... 
I mean, Scotty ages a lot. He's rode hard and put away dry. Right. <laughs> he's, he's, I will say, Bones McCoy is bone dry in this film. Mm-hmm. In all these films, he's one of the Dude. driest human beings I've ever seen. Like, I feel like he's just going to crumble away. I feel, away. I feel yeah, like they like needed to like point. sponge bath him in between takes in order to like re-moisturize him. Otherwise, he, just he would just like, level up. Yeah. his fingers would start just like flaking away. He like, falls apart like a loosely packed yeah, it's, ball of his <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like when they're like transporting a whale or dolphin like outside of water and they're like spraying it down yeah. constantly you know? they have to do the free willy to them <laughs> yeah 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 uh, that, that's why they had to film the last like, scene the in, the, in, the, in the ocean yeah. just like, <laughs> like just... re- rehydrate oh no there's too much salt it's <laughs> no. taking away his moisture um <laughs> Like, get my hose, you <laughs> bastards! Get the bones hose! Get the bones hose! No, DeForest, you can't drink seawater. Stop! <laughs> Don't tell me what I can and can't do, goddammit! Next you're gonna try to vaccinate my fucking sperm! Don't you dare vaccinate so, my sperm. The, the second idea uh, for the script involved um, the crew going back in time to retrieve something. But at first, it was the cure for a deadly plague. <laughs> and Bones is like, you're not going to give me right. that cure, are you? That's going to make my sperm vaccinated. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't have aged well in our no, current, no. current day. Uh, no. So this was no. deemed but, too gruesome, and Nimoy suggested whales, having recently read a book on endangered species and himself being a conservationist. Mm. Uh, well, so his, his idea with the, like, the disease thing is like he wanted to have the... Uh, the cure for the disease come from <clears throat> come from the rainforest, oh. so they'd ha- still have to travel back mm-hmm. in time. But he was like, "Man, that shit's like way too dour. I want a light." He's time. like, so. "Yeah, like I, I mean, I feel like the rainforest is where we get a lot of diseases, though, right?" <laughs> like, but yes, there there are some. There diseases. are definitely some diseases. Like anytime, like someone's researching wild animals, there's always a weird <laughs> disease involved. You know. And where are wild oh, animals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, the jungle, the rainforest. But that's also where you get those psychoactive toads. Oh, that's you know, true. That's true. Toads. But I, I've heard yeah. um, someone told me that uh, chemicals in the water are making them gay now. Oh yeah. So ah shit. But I, but you can still lick them, right? But they just <laughs> like. Them. But only if you're like Sulu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to lick them in the right place. These frogs are for me. <laughs> <laughs> so um. So now we're gonna get disease. Like that's what they say about the melting ice caps. Like. Once the uh, ice, ca- oh, ice right, caps right. melt, they're going to release uh, prehistoric diseases. That microbes. Ooh. Yeah. I want like that woolly mammoth disease. <laughs> I, want that, I want that woolly mammoth dick dick chart. We're going to get mammoth pox Ooh, now. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get the mammoth cock, baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, during the writing process, Paramount uh, was approached by Eddie Murphy, yeah. who was a huge Star Trek right. fan yeah, yeah. and who asked for a role mm-hmm. in the film. So they wrote him a part, but he read it and he just didn't like it and immediately rejected the part. Yeah. And uh, went to star in smash hit The Golden the Child golden instead. Child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like great choice. For, for Murphy, no one remembers truly. Star Trek. That, that, movie, that movie is so wild. I watched it recently. I was just like, he made this movie. This so, is- so the Golden Child, the way I look at it is it's like, uh, the poorest attempt at recreating Big Trouble in Little China with yeah. Eddie Murphy, and totally, and it's a totally serious plot. Like, yeah, it's not I think like that's a, a problem. Yeah, it's not like campy, like, no. like uh, yeah, Big, Big Trouble in Little China is sick. I, I love that movie. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. Really, like the yeah, motion yeah. picture is kind of like Big Trouble in Little China if you think about it, like Star Trek the motion picture because Kirk, uh, yeah. Kirk thinks he's like the the lead. 
Oh, okay. So like, yeah, like, yeah. Kurt, like Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, that's kind of fun. But, but uh, yeah. the other guy's doing all the work. Right, right. That is, <laughs> right, that is right. a fun part of the movie where Kurt, Kurt Russell is just like the hero, but yeah. he just sucks. He just bumbles and yeah. yeah. He's so um, bad. Yeah. But that's why I heard uh, also because like um, they, they were also making Beverly Hills Cop and like as by the same as right. the same production company. Might be so. So this yeah. was yeah, right after Beverly Hills yeah. Cop. Yeah, and like, like right after the success of that. So I think they're probably also worried. There's probably gonna be some confusion. Like, yeah, you know, just like by the same people. Well, maybe. Yeah. I bet Bones was just like, you can't have a black guy in two <laughs> franchises. Wait, you're gonna you're gonna make a black doctor <laughs> in the 1980s in San Francisco? Are you fucking retarded? <laughs> like. Whoa! They they say that in the film. I'm, they say that I'm, in the I'm, film. I'm, 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 I'm making like that Ruski there. That's what yeah, I. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Murphy yeah. was going to be a UFO yeah. expert. Like I was reading, like, and mm-hmm. he was going to see like mm-hmm. the like uh, the HMS bounty like appearing over a stadium or something. Amazing. He was going to be the only one that was going to see it. Is it during the Super, yeah, Bowl? Super Bowl? Apparently, the original idea was that it was going to they were going to fly in over the Super Bowl, and everybody at the Super Bowl was going to think that it was just like mm-hmm. a special oh, yeah, effect. Yeah. Except for Eddie Murphy, who was like, no, no, it's actually UFOs, and I love whales. <laughs> and then, like, that, yeah, somehow that was all going to link together. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, that would have like, been incredible. I don't want to I don't want to change yeah, this, this film. Rocks, I don't want to change uh, this film, but so, I do want to see that film. Um, they can, they, they yeah. can still use Eddie Murphy in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, true. Yeah, Eddie Murphy oh, yeah. can always. Co- actually, true. you know what? Oh, he did Pluto Nash. Uh, that's already a Star Trek film. Damn I was going to say oh, uh, that's, a star, that's a Star Trek yep, like yep, uh, yep, non-canon yep. film. It's definitely Star Trek. Oh yeah. And what? what so what? What yeah. period do we watch uh, the Adventures of Pluto Nash in this uh, watch series? I think that I think that comes <laughs> right before the TNG films. Okay. okay I think okay, that's gotcha. right after Star Trek right, Six, right. right before the TNG films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cr- uh, chrono- chronologically. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, the part that was originally uh, written for Eddie Murphy was rewritten to be the marine biologist and quasi-love interest, Dr. Taylor. The version of the script done by uh, Harv Bennett didn't thrill the studio, so Nicholas Meyer, writer and director of The Wrath of Khan, was brought in to rewrite it. Uh, He and uh, Meyer struck a... Or, sorry, Bennett and Meyer struck a deal where Bennett would write the first and last parts of the film... And Meyer would write the middle. Uh, just like the Wrath of Khan, they both did it in 12 days. Well, Meyer did it alone in 12 days with <laughs> the Wrath of Khan. But they did the script together in 12 days, which is pretty remarkable. Just left them in a hotel room with a bunch it of is. cocaine. <laughs> just well, like, get it done. Yeah. So, so basically... It's, especially because of like how tight it yeah. turned out. Mm-hmm. Like, the well, script is The fantastic. thing, too, is like uh, apparently, yeah. according to uh, Meyer, like his process was basically every day or every other day, he'd like do like 10 to 20 pages... And then he'd take it over to Nimoy and Harv Bennett, and they look over it, give him notes, and he'd go right back. Mm-hmm. And then, like, rewrite them, right. and then write the next ten pages. And he'd just do that every day for, like, two weeks, and then it was done. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty cool process. Um, yeah. It just, you know, it just worked for him. They really banged yeah. it out. Um, so, yeah. once again, a ton of money was saved by reusing sets, costumes... Oh, uh, sorry. One more thing. Uh, Nimoy said Meyer gave the script humor and social comment, uh, both of which the script lacked before and both of which were very welcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once again, the studio saved a ton of money by reusing sets, costumes and other production materials made for previous films. Excuse me. The interior of the HMS Bounty was a redress of the Klingon bridge from Search for Spock 
and the Saratoga was a redress of the USS Reliant model. And the Earth space dock mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. brought back from the previous film, although the miniatures of all of the interiors from the space dock had been destroyed. Industrial right. Light and Magic was brought in once again to do the effects. And interestingly enough, they're actually giving a co-production credit on this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the graphic designs were done by Michael Okuda uh, in his first yeah! Trek project. Uh, who would later become incredibly involved in Star Trek, designing a great deal of later Trek, including the uh, L-Cars computer system and uh, co-writing the Star Trek encyclopedia, which is our personal Bible. (laughs) For real. Like, the Okudas, like, their influence on Trek cannot be overstated. Uh, And finally, Leonard Rosenman, best known for scoring Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon and also the movie Bound Mm. for Glory, both of which he was uh, nominated for an Oscar, and also a personal friend of Nimoy's who had been considered uh, to do the search for Spock but was overridden by Harv Bennett, was brought in to do music. And also there's one original song by classic jazz fusion group, (laughs) The Yellow Jackets. I think there's two. Oh, there's two? Yeah, Yeah, also Market Street. Oh, shit. I think when they're... um, when they're uh yeah when, when they first get to san yeah. francisco mm-hmm. yeah which that song fucking slaps <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when that shit hits when they first enter san francisco mm-hmm. oh my god it's so good yeah so, so uh you want you want to jump into the film fellers let's do it fucking do star trek 4 the voyage home 1986 written by steve Mearson, peter Crikes, nicholas meyer and harv bennett Directed by Leonard Nimoy, music by Leonard Rosenman, and effects by Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, yeah. We began in the year 2286 on a ship moving through space. The vessel is detected on the sensors of the USS Saratoga, revealing it to be some sort of probe that looks kind of like a giant turd with the ends cut off. (laughs) The captain yep. of the Saratoga, who was the first black woman captain in Star Trek. Con- also the first woman, first female captain. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's right, too. What um, is this woke nonsense in my Star Trek? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Excuse me, women in command uh-huh. positions? Uh-huh. Is that tenable? Really? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Not Thanks true. for making it political, Thanks for making Leonard it, yeah. Nimoy. God. God damn it. Um, so, uh, the captain of the Saratoga contacts Starfleet command and informs them an alien probe is headed their way. Starfleet t- tells them to continue tracking and wait for orders. Back on earth, a Klingon ambassador to the United Federation of planets is demanding extradition of Admiral Kirk for his murder of Kirk and his crew from the previous film, watching the footage of the enterprises self-destruct which I don't know how they got video yeah. footage of. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Right. They, just, they had a copy of the Star, yeah. of Star Trek 3. And, and also it should be noted, uh, much <laughs> like the uh, security camera footage from uh, Star Trek 3, uh, from Star Trek 2, like everything is obviously on a, like a VHS tape. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah. they're like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of fast forwarding it a little and it's all grainy and shit. And it's like, why? why? And there was somehow a camera that was outside of the enterprise that was watching on the planet though <laughs> on the planet, like on yeah. the planet somehow like in the upper atmosphere <laughs> yeah. watching the enterprise mm-hmm. well it didn't make any sense mm-hmm. but whatever so uh they, they were just you know, saving some money fine. from the previous they had a film. copy of the vhs you know yeah. 
Hey, maybe, well, maybe it was from... Uh, no, I guess no, it doesn't. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, the ambassador know. goes uh, on to accuse the Genesis Project of being a ruse in order to stage the annihilation of the Klingon race. They use... I love when... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry, they no. immediately reuse the Genesis CGI video for the third movie yeah, in third the row. Time, four, so fourth time. Fourth time yeah, they've fourth used time it. Yeah, fourth time they've used it. Third, third movie, movie in a row. It's so sick. Like, yeah. why would you not? Like, that was like the best special uh, yeah, effects it, it, ever yeah. at that time. <laughs> True. Honestly, and they use it with restraint. Mm-hmm. This yeah, time. it's like it's in the like background for Spock, where they play it twice. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so it's yeah. good. So, good. Uh, but I love that when Sarek shows so, up and it's just like, no, you guys were the aggressor. Yeah. yeah. So just then, uh, so Vulcan good. Ambassador <laughs> Sarek arrives and says the Genesis Project was named for creation, and in fact, it was the Klingons who shed the first blood in the battle with Kirk. They drew first blood. It was sick, yeah. Uh, he points out... Dude, Sarek's so badass. In here, dude. I mean, he's not, a, he's, he's not a great dad or anything. He's mm-hmm. kind of a piece of shit. But... Oh, uh, you know, well, I mean, he's still so awesome. In, in here he is. In Star <laughs> Trek IV, like, Sarek uh, is cool. And in Star Trek Three, Sarek's pretty mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. And most other things, mm-hmm. Sarek's not very cool. Sarek's not great. Um, <laughs> so he points out that the Klingons destroyed the USS Grissom... The jism, sorry. <laughs> the jism. They, they, uh, they yeah, blew yeah, the yeah. jism all over yeah. and killed Kirk's son, yeah. David, which the Klingon does not deny. <laughs> yeah, so? <laughs> yeah, uh, I did it. Do you think <laughs> I've gone too far? Uh, Sarek asks uh, if the Klingons have a right to commit murder, and this inflames everybody until the president calls for silence. And I want to It's their po- cultural practices. I want to point out like how the president looks here. Like no one cares about how people look in the future, but he's wearing like this fucking awesome like pimpin' cloak robe. But he also I don't know, right. he looks like he's got the shitty he looks almost like Bernie. He looks like super mm-hmm. unkempt. Which I guess I'm okay with. Yeah. He looks like Bernie with a goatee. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad they, I'm glad presidents also, have I, beards again. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Also, I like the the representation of the Starfleet Council yeah. in this, and there's so many aliens, there are. and they all look so there's weird. A, it's very set of, Star Wars. Yeah, it's, the, uh, uh, yeah. Pat pointed that out at the end of the movie, like how all of the aliens on the Council are super Star Wars because they're like <laughs> yeah. they have all this useless mm-hmm. shit that like they never even try to explain. Like mm. a couple of the aliens are just like wearing welding masks. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you have to and wear welding one, masks? Yeah. I don't get it. There's also yeah, there's also one that looks like. It, they put like a paper mache anime head yeah. over yeah. someone. Oh yeah, like, the one that doesn't that blink. I was yeah, like, the, I was like, and yeah. her head's connected to her shoulder. So yeah. when she turns her I'm head, like, she yeah, has to yeah, turn her whole she body. looks like some like dystopian like Japanese like yeah. Olympics uh, like mascot. <laughs> I like how she's like when she's celebrating at the end, she's like doing this. She's like, I'm <laughs> she's celebrating. <laughs> just she just doesn't know what to do. Uh, like I'm so restrained in this head. It was like Hello Kitty exposed to too much radiation. Yeah, they just needed the Katina band and that, and that would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been perfect. Uh, perfect. Totally. <laughs> um, so, uh, Sarek says that he has come to represent the accused, and the Klingon protests saying it's personal bias, as Sarek's son, Spock, was saved by Kirk on the mission. The president tells Sarek and the Klingon that the council's deliberations are already done and that Kirk is facing nine violations of Starfleet regulations, which he really should for the numerous fuck-ups he's made over the past two films. <laughs> And in TOS, yeah. and, you know, he just, Kirk kind of really sucks. Uh, the Klingon ambassador says that Kirk should also be tried with Klingon crimes <laughs> and says there will never be peace as long as Kirk is alive, which is just suggesting, like, 
we don't even need to give this They're guy a trial. We we need to execute yeah. him. Like, <laughs> there's no due process here at all. <laughs> Not very good politics. And it's also, I, I wonder a lot, like, how does it work with the Federation and extradition? Like, because, of course, they're trying to be non-colonialist and, like, respect other cultures' laws. But at the same time, like, people being political prisoners for things they don't actually believe are crimes obviously shouldn't allow extradition. Uh, how, how, right. how, like, uh, like the the guy or lady or whatever who uh, who ran over someone in in uh, in Great Britain, but their husband was like in the CIA, mm. so she came back over here and they uh, tried to extradite her. Like that's wrong, right, guys? Or like uh, what's his, <laughs> or uh, what's his face? Uh, Ferris Bueller who killed two women in Ireland. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Ferris, yeah, yeah. Ferris Bueller. Yeah, what's his yeah. name? Matthew Broderick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, killed yeah, two yeah, women, totally. got a hundred dollar fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Pretty the old cool. Irish fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he yeah. was drunk driving, yeah. which is a is a national pastime. Now, yeah, so. that's, that's <laughs> a national hobby. It's, that's their national <laughs> politics there. It's after the IRA disbanded, like yeah, it's like well, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you can you point your finger at somebody, got four more pointing right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I I was told a story by a friend. Now this is. Very anecdotal. I'm not going to say I necessarily believe this happened, but it's a fun story, so I'll tell it regardless. Um, But yeah, a friend of mine said that they were in a bar in Ireland, and a guy they saw an American tourist order an an Irish car bomb at a bar in (laughs) Ireland. Oh my God, that's so cool. And the bartender... I know, so right? Cool. Chad move for sure. <laughs> yeah. But the bartender just looked at him and then poured two shots of clear alcohol, lit them on fire, and said, "Here's your twin towers." <laughs> that rules. That, that rules, dude. I'm gonna start ordering that at bars. <laughs> yeah. That fucking rock. Yeah, <laughs> can I get a twin, <laughs> get a twin tower? Twin, twi- twin, twin towers. Nine eleven, me baby. <laughs> wow. I'm never gonna forget this night. <laughs> oh wait, maybe I will. Yeah, you know that. You know, yeah, you know the Def Leppard song like Armageddon, it but nine eleven. Yeah, Ooh, I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next we get a Captain's Log. I think the only no only one in the film. Maybe I'm not sure. Captain's Log, start date eight three nine zero. Excuse me, that's what he says. Um, <laughs> quote James Quirk. Uh, we're in the third month of our Vulcan exile, and it was Doctor McCoy with a fine sense of historical irony who decided on a name for our captured Klingon vessel. And like those mutineers of 500 years ago, we too have a hard choice to make. The vessel is called the HMS Bounty. That's pretty yeah. sick. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fun, I guess. Um, yeah. So just like a, we just committed a whole bunch of crimes and we're just going to fl- fly it in your face. We're going to be yeah, <laughs> flipping about it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so down on uh, yeah it's like the we call it the uss timothy mcveigh uh, <laughs> there you go um, <laughs> the hms osama bin laden <laughs> down on vulcan kirk is surveying the crew and they all vote unanimously to return to earth to face the consequences of their actions in star trek 3 the search for spock i'm gonna be mining borite for the rest <laughs> this- of my life <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah, this is another scene that's very like star trek or sorry, Star Wars looking mm-hmm. like this. Hats, walking dude. Outside so many the, people the have ship. dumb hats and cowboy <laughs> yeah. boots in here. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the weird little yeah, like the like the set they built that looks like the it's like the bottom half of the entrance to the the Klingon. Yeah, yeah. 
It looks it looks just like the uh, you know the Millennium yeah, Falcon. Yeah, set, Although the you know? the, the painting it's and like the matte setting similar. and stuff they yeah. do right before this looks great. Mm-hmm. Like the Vulcan here looks yeah, so much better yeah. than fucking Star Trek mm-hmm. One. Yeah, but yeah, it definitely uh, looks like yeah. And that shot of I'm sorry, the, the shot of like Spock up. Oh, on that looks cool. Oh too. yeah, yeah that was cool. Rocks. I think that was actual so location sick. shoot though. But yeah, yeah, that was cool as hell. Yeah. Uh, Scotty says it should only take one more day to get their Klingon ship ready which he has renamed the HMS Bounty, as I said. Um, Everybody around them has the dumbest hats ever (laughs) and cowboy boots. (laughs) Bone says although they'll be court-martialed and imprisoned, the worst part of going home is doing it in a Klingon ship because he's a fucking racist. Yeah, whatever. It could, yeah, birds of prey are fucking <laughs> it's, cool, dude. It's like, I know I gotta go to prison, yeah, but the worst part is doing it in this black man's car. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> dude, and, and then he, like, complains about, like, the smell of the ship Oh, yeah, he stuff. does. So, like, um... The- yeah. So uh, Kirk reminds him that uh, they have a cloaking device, which was, as he says, very expensive. And McCoy says he wishes it could cloak the stench. <laughs> So that they, they, that does come up a lot. People uh, they do make uh, comments throughout Star Trek about like the Klingons being. I mean, they look pretty like they fragrant. Smell bad, right? Yeah, but then yeah. also humans smell bad to Vulcans. That's true. I mean, humans do yeah. smell bad. Like the pole uses uh, um, fl- uh, scent dampeners on her nose to keep from smelling people. Yeah. Well, now that I think of it, you never see a really That's hairy fun. Vulcan. No. I don't think. Yeah, I think. You think oh no! Care? You think of Vulcans? I think, I think they shave it off. Si- for the most si- part. Yeah, Cybok has <laughs> Cybok. a beard. Yeah, but yeah. only a beard. I'm talking about like body hair. Like, I mean, we don't see him shirtless too much. I do. <laughs> I don't also, know what fanfic you're looking at. Also, uh, also, yeah. uh, Strange New World. Spock had a beard in Discovery. He did, didn't he? Right. That was a yeah, bad he had that beard. That wasn't a very good yeah. beard at all. No, I think was. Well, I think it was his real yeah. beard, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't. There, didn't look there's good, there's yeah. a lot of people on Star Trek who just can't grow very good beards. Like the only mm-hmm. really great beards in Star Trek, we got to go with Riker. Jordy's is actually oh, yeah. pretty good. The beard that Data has yeah, that Jordy's short like, while when no, <laughs> that's a Data's fake beard. Data's, Data's fake it's the beard. fakest beard. I love yeah. it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It looks like a dude like like pretending to be Amish. Yeah, you know? he does like that kind of fake beard. Terrible. So it. Spock <laughs> is overlooking all of the crew on a cliff. He then comes down from the cliff and resumes testing to see if his brain is okay. And he does this with like ten computers in front of him. Yeah, he has the bar the bar There's trivia. Three ones. Yeah, they're all bar trivia. Three computers. And they're all just like asking and then, yeah, random just... questions. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's answering them very yeah, quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. Uh, and like and stuff like one of the questions is like, what were major historical events in nineteen eighty three on Earth? Correct. <laughs> like he typed it's it actually all in eighty seven like, then. Which is fun. Yeah, that's, I, I that's, bet he typed in as like Reagan is a cunt and then just <laughs> enter. Correct. That's also so vague. Like what like what what made like all historical events in nineteen eighty three, like what are you gonna put down? <laughs> Reagan is well, a cunt. So I told oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> The question actually is, what are two major historical events from 1987, which is the year after this yeah. film was uh-huh. made, right? And so his answer can't really be, like, heard super clearly, but uh, oh. apparently, like, his answer is... So what was actually written as the answer mm. is uh, the New York Times is the last newspaper in that before shutting its doors and computers cloned from carrots. <laughs> I could, I'm not making I, that I, up. Yeah. The, the first one, not realistic. The second one, <laughs> yeah, second. 
Definitely. Carrot pewters. Yeah, I want a carrot I mean, pewter. Yeah. You want an apple? Yeah, let me, me let me show you something even better, and it has <laughs> more vitamin A. And there you it's go. It's like the, the the tacuter from um, Tim and Eric's three uh, hundred billion dollar movie. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I I that I watched that film once with Britt. I think I'm we were sure. stoned out of our minds. <laughs> Yeah, I think we were stoned out of our minds, and I, I have not. Yeah, I don't remember it. like anything about that because we were fucking stoned. It's, it's, it's so okay. Fucking the funny. only thing I remember about that film is the end of the film because I think I was sobering up at <laughs> mm. that point. But I remember the end of the film. They're like in a mall. Yeah. They're in a mall. Like, that's yeah, the only thing. Yeah, they're in the mall the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> See, cool. that's how little cool, I remember. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Uh, although the computer says he's regained full faculties, he s- is confused when the computer asks him how he feels. The computer is just talking really fast and asking him trivia the whole time. Uh, Vulcans would fucking rule at bar trivia. They'd be they so good. Dude, they'd be so good. <laughs> That's like all, they're not like logical, really. They're just really good at bar trivia. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it. So They wouldn't they're be probably, good. They're probably monsters at crossroads, Oh, yeah. Too. So right then, Spock's mother, Amanda, enters and reminds Spock that he is half-human and he has feelings, and the computer is aware of this. And uh, Pat pointed out, and he's totally right, uh, his mom looks exactly as old as him here. (laughs) They're both, like, both actors are, like, 60. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Spock says he must go to Earth with the others and offer testimony because he was there when the events occurred. Amanda asks if the good of the many outweighs the good of the one, and Spock says it does. Amanda then says that it was a mistake by his flawed, feeling human friends for them to sacrifice their futures because they believed that the good of the one, Spock, was more important than them. Spock says that humans make illogical decisions. Amanda smiles and agrees that they do, indeed. Back in the neutral zone. The probe comes close to the Saratoga. The captain orders yellow alert, but the probe, issuing a powerful signal, begins draining the ship of all power. As the Saratoga begins to drift, the captain tries to issue a distress call to Starfleet Command. There's this dude, apparently, uh, on the crew, who's like the helmsman, and he is... Oh, I was going to shout out the helmsman! I was literally going to shout him out! Uh, if, he a, looks so Aphrosian? awesome! I, I, I had never, yeah, never seen the species before, and so I had to look at I'm like, is he, like, supposed to be Andorian, but an early one or something? But he's not. Uh, he's Aphrosian, and he looks like a kung fu master, and he fucking rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one shown as the uh, president of the Federation. Uh, yeah, that's what you said. In, yeah. In, in what, though? Uh, I think, actually, is it played by Kurtwood Smith? Ooh, I love Kurtwood Smith. Oh, my God. Smith. Well, because... Dumbass. Yeah. Speaking of double dumbass. True, true. Yeah, we're, we're getting we're into in the that right a little early. But no, like the helmsman dude, he looks so epic. Mm. He's got this like white hair and it's all like pointy. And he's got a sick like he looks, fucking kung fu goatee yeah. and shit. Yeah, rocks. dude. He looks so fucking sick. He looks like the sort of dude where like if you saw that dude at like standing outside of a bar or a show, I would be like, I want to go to that. Like whatever that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. This dude like goes at. to like weird drone. Yeah. He's the shit. president in, in uh, Star Trek six. Yeah. Oh, neat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. As the, uh, and Kurtwood Smith. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Yep. We love Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, oh, at yeah. Starfleet Command, the president asks Starfleet Admiral Cartwright, uh, who also plays Benjamin Sisko's dad in DS9. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he does. For a status update. 
Cartwright tells the president that the probe is headed directly towards Earth and that its signal is disabling everything it comes into contact with. The president is wearing the sickest fit. It's like a Vulcan cassock, kind of. It's so fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two Klingon ships have been lost, while two Federation starships and three smaller vessels have been neutralized. The Admiral then orders contact with the USS Yorktown, uh, who I think has the first South Asian captain in Star Trek in it. And their captain says his chief engineer is trying to deploy a makeshift solar sail, hoping they can generate enough power to keep themselves alive. Right. As the probe, the big poop probe, continues (laughs) towards Earth. uh, It's a big cylinder. Yes. That's for sure. On Vulcan, the bounty is almost ready for launch. Kirk comes on the bridge and asks for status reports. Uhura says communication systems are ready, and the communications officer is as ready as she'll ever be. Sulu reports the onboard computer will now interface with the Federation memory bank. Chekhov reports the cloaking device is repaired and is now in all flight modes. Kirk admits to being impressed with all the work for such a short flight. Chekhov then tells Kirk, since they're in an enemy vessel, he doesn't want to risk being shot down on the way to their own funeral. (laughs) Kirk compliments Chekhov's thinking and then calls Scotty, who tells him that they are ready to go. Scotty says the dilithium resequencer has been converted into something not quite so primitive and that he has personally replaced the Klingon food packs as they were giving Scott a sour stomach. <laughs> like, he's Scottish. He can eat anything. Like Yeah, he can eat gawk. Yeah, yeah straight he can up, definitely like, the handle Scottish, gawk. All, the, all they do is yeah. just, like, take the shittiest rotten food and fucking throw it in a deep fryer. That's what they're known and for. stuff it into other animals. <laughs> and then put it in a pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's all they fucking yeah. do. That's all the Scottish know how to do. Oh, yeah, he would have he would have made, like, gah stuff targ. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Gah stuff haggis. Never tried it before. <laughs> Quite good with a Guinness. Oh yeah, just takes the takes the. But there be in, indigestion here. <laughs> <laughs> there be diarrhea in my pants. <laughs> I've given her all yep. she's got, Captain. <laughs> I can't hold it back anymore. <laughs> Pepto Bismol yeah. now. Um, Kirk turns and tells all who's not uh, not going to Earth that they better get off the ship. He then turns to Savick, who's remaining on Vulcan, to tell her goodbye and to thank her. Mm-hmm. Savick, to answer for her crimes. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to <laughs> stay behind here. You uh, you touched a kid. You committed statutory rape. <laughs> you will now see the council <laughs> and did. be judged in, in uh, due process. Yeah, because originally also, like, yeah. she was supposed to be pregnant with Spock's child from the Ponfar. You're also right. wanted uh, in connection for felony murder of uh, <laughs> David Cameron. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like if they had gone with that like Spock young Spock pregnancy mm-hmm. plot line, like dude, surely someone at Paramount was probably like, dudes, no. So like I like to believe it's Nicholas Meyer. So it was like don't do so that. interesting <laughs> thing. Uh no, so going back to Star Trek three, actually, uh originally when they were making the film uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was one of the like main guys at Paramount at the time, watched the film in an early screening and uh, went to um, uh, 
fucking um, Herve Barrett and Nimoy, and he's like, hey, I think you should take the pawn far scene out because I think people. <laughs> Wait, do you mean Harv Bennett? Harv Bennett, yeah, sorry. Um, did I say Herve Barrett? Barrett? Whatever. Herve I can't remember Barrett? names, man. I don't care. I'm just <laughs> reading them off a list here. So, uh, so, um, Fuck, uh, you derailed my train. Oh, so sorry, so, sorry, so Jeffrey sorry. Katzenberg, who like ended up being a big wig right. at Disney and whatever, um, he told them they should take the pawn far scene out because people in the theater were probably going to laugh. And Nimoy and Bennett were like, no, no, they're not going to laugh. And Katzenberg is like, I'll, I'll bet you a dollar that they do. And uh, Nimoy gave an interview about it like in the early 2000s or something. And he's like, I don't know where Bennett's dollar is, but I've got mine right on my wall right there. So <laughs> apparently people didn't laugh during the pawn far scene, mm-hmm. probably because they I were horrified. <laughs> probably because they were like, is she going to that that kid, the kid who like doesn't have a memory? Did she? Oh, Ooh. oh, oh, she did. Uh-huh. Oh, she did. Yeah. She pawned yep. that far. She pawned it. A pawn too yeah. far, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be funny if they brought her back in a Mary Kay Letourneau type situation. Right now he's like, <laughs> she's like she, she serves her time, and then she and then now Spock's normal age. She's like, we can get married. <laughs> <laughs> he's just yep. got like Stockholm syndrome. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also, he's I wonder sending her letters in prison the whole time. But I also wonder if like that was also planning like some sort of like son of Spock type thing. If they did get follow through with like uh, Savik having Spock's child. I mean, it would make and, sense. They could have fucking probably made uh, Adam Nimoy that at that point. Yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah, it's just like uh, since you know, obviously, like they knew the actors were getting too old for their parts, so yes, they were. way to have the next generation have like a ooh, ooh, the next generation child. Um, so Savick says that she's wanted to tell Kirk how bravely his son David died, and that he saved her and Spock, and she wanted Kirk to know. Spock arrives on the bridge, and Savick wishes him a good day and hopes his journey to be free of incident. Spock tells Savick to live long and prosper, baby. <laughs> Spock mm-hmm. gets permission from Kirk to come aboard and tries unsuccessfully to get Spock to call him Jim, as Kirk is in command a command situation now. Spock also apologizes for only wearing his Vulcan robes, as he seems to have misplaced his uniform. His robes are awesome, by the way. They yeah. have these enormous fucking arms. Yeah, yeah. Got uh, big old wizard yeah, sleeves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're they're. And I'm uh, not talking about savage. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife. Ponfar. Ponfar. Very nice ponfar. How much ponfar? <laughs> Uh, so Kirk tells Spock, <laughs> my girlfriend Savick, she give best ponfar in all of Vulcan. Her wizard sleeve, very good, very nice. <laughs> On all of Genesis, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, besides yeah, yeah, the worms, besides those fucking <laughs> casket worms, those things will suck oh, you off. Like, we love the fucking suck worms. the meat off the bone, there, baby. <laughs> um, so Kirk tells Spock to take a station. A move that concerns Bones McCoy is after all that Spock's been through, he's barely himself again, much less the Starfleet officer he used to be. I don't think you've noticed, but he's not exactly working on all thrusters. That's what he says, which I really liked. It's one of my favorite lines in the film. Uh, Kirk tells Sulu and Chekhov to take the helm. Sulu and Chekhov gently lift the bounty off the surface as Savick and Amanda watch. 
with actually great map paintings and settings. The bounty heads off into the Vulcan sunset on course to Earth. Vulcan really looks like a fucking dog shit planet to live <laughs> on. It's like Arrakis, but without spice. Yeah, it's a really brutal place. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's like, it'd be logical to, for them to just like all move to Earth, right? Like fucking Vulcan bros. Pur- purge their emotions, because they'd be like, this place sucks. Yeah, <laughs> so right? they're just like, purge it, purge it. You're fine with this. Maybe that's why they purged in the first yeah. place. Yeah, they're to tolerate like, living in, a fucking, in, in yeah. the worst part of Utah for their entire yeah. planet. Hey, they got lots of bouldering there, and that's what they like to do. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, so we go to space right outside Earth, and the poopy probe has arrived and <laughs> begins the process of neutralizing the Earth space dock before they can get the space doors open and all the ships inside the dock, including the USS Excelsior, all of which are neutralized and disabled. The poopy probe then continues into Earth orbit and begins pulling water and moisture from the oceans and clouds, uh, beginning to gather over Earth as the probe continues its transmission, much like Bones McCoy's skin. This sucks up all the fucking <laughs> yes. moisture from the atmosphere. All of the moisture. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's a he is a natural dehumidifier. <laughs> yeah, like like you can if you like like squirt lotion on him, just like the, that part of his skin just like raises like six inches. If he was still alive today, people would put. Uh, if, if someone dropped their cell phone in water, they would just put it underneath his shirt. <laughs> just <laughs> put yeah, it in yeah, Bones, yeah. asshole. He's just, just like made out of rice. He's like, ah, you, t- you broke your phone. Just give it to me. And he just has a whole bunch of cell phones rattling around <laughs> under his shirt. And he's just like, ah, drying them all up. <laughs> I urinate once every three days. <laughs> I urinate on schedule with Pond Far. <laughs> this is moisturizing me. Uh, back on the bounty, uh, Sulu reports uh, planet Earth 1.6 hours away, and Chekhov reports that there are no Federation vessels on assigned patrol stations, which Kirk finds very odd. Uhura tells Kirk that the comms channels are flooded with overlapping multiphasic transmissions sounding almost like gibberish. Kirk asks, uh, She asks Kirk for some time to try to sort it all out. Just then, McCoy sits next to Spock, and asks if he's busy. Spock says that he is simply monitoring, and that Ahura is busy. McCoy says that it's sure nice for Spock's Katra to be back in Spock's head, and not his, stating that he might have carried Spock's soul, but he couldn't fill Spock's shoes. Spock doesn't get like this reference at all. He's like, he's like, my shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear shoes. I'm wearing robes and a cock ring and nothing else. <laughs> Like, come on, Spock. Yeah, I'm You're wearing half the, human. I'm wearing those Vibram five fingers toe shoes. <laughs> he would uh, wear those. Having a, I'm into bouldering. I <laughs> yeah, told you. Oh yeah. Oh my I'm god. From Vulcan, you dumbass. It's ass. a pastime on Vulcan. <laughs> that's uh, why. He got, that's how he got to the top of that peak that he was watching. Oh, yeah. He was exactly. just like using his little toes and finger and <laughs> toe shoes, man. Like, yeah, he's definitely rocking toe shoes. Hell yeah. Um, uh, Spock doesn't understand the quip, and McCoy drops it and asks if he and Spock could speak about philosophical matters such as life and death. But Spock says he didn't have time on Vulcan to review philosophical disciplines. McCoy tells Spock that he's really, really gone where no man has gone before, uh, referencing like death and rebirth, and is amazed that Spock right. can't tell him what it felt like. Spock says that they can't discuss the subject because they don't have, uh, because Bones doesn't have a common frame of reference. (laughs) 
when McCoy asks if Spock is joking, Spock defines a joke as a story with a humorous climax, which isn't a very good description <laughs> of a joke. No. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's like, much like is a way you far. Could de- <laughs> um, Humorous is a way you could describe a Bones climax. Yes. <laughs> or, or, or Savick and young Spock, if, you know, yeah, if you're nasty. You yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. even know if Bones yeah. could, because it's like... It would, that would have to it's summon, bone dry down there. Yeah, it would have to, summon all, the, yeah. have to summon all the moisture in his body like he does, and like his, his yeah. cheeks sink in. <laughs> like, yeah, he just like get, stops ooh, breathing for a second. Give me two blue like... chews and 11 gallons of water. Hook <laughs> <laughs> me up to an IV. Put Pedialyte in it. Star Trek IV, <laughs> the voyage home. <laughs> that was a Roman numeral. The voyage huh? bone. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, uh, McCoy is wildin' that he'd have to die in order to discuss Spock's insights on death. Just then, Spock tells McCoy he's receiving a number of distress calls, which McCoy doesn't doubt as he gets up and walks away. Back on Earth, reports from all over the world pour into Starfleet headquarters. These reports include weather conditions worsening around the planet, such as how temperatures in Juneau, Alaska were dropping, and cloud cover was up to 96%. In Tokyo, Japan, all power is gone and only available from reserve banks. Both Tokyo and Leningrad have 100% cloud cover, and their temperatures are decreasing rapidly. The president asks about the worldwide (laughs) cloud cover, and the report of 78.6% comes in. That is funny, like it, like it's still called Leningrad because it hadn't been cha- the name hadn't been changed to St. Yeah, Petersburg still, yet. Yeah, they're still that's that's yeah. wild. <laughs> like three hundred years in the future, there's still the Soviet Union. Why? <laughs> Why not? Why? I mean, because it's United Earth. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There shouldn't be the Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, I mean, I mean, but it's still the name of the place. Though. Well, yeah, unless unless like the but one the, world government is the communist government, which I guess would be uh, closer to utopia. So yeah. <laughs> at right. this point, uh, Cartwright orders a planet wide emergency and declare, declares red alert. He's like, all the soul food from the replicators is shit. It's an emergency. <laughs> that, um, that's why he ends up opening his own restaurant. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Just Joseph then Francisco. the influence of the probe comes over and the power begins to fade. Cartwright tells the president that even with planetary reserves, they are doomed without the sun. The president states he is well aware of that fact. Just then, Sarek enters into the command center, and the president laments that there may be no way to answer the probe. Sarek comments that one cannot answer easily if you do not understand the question. Then Sarek suggests that the president issue a planetary distress signal while there's still time and power. Still en route to Earth aboard the Bounty, Ahura tells Kirk that a signal is finally coming through from the Federation. Kirk tells her to put it on screen, and they all watch in shock as the President, in a very pixelated uh, delivery, tells all ships everywhere to not approach the planet Earth as the probe is causing critical damage to Earth, almost totally ionizing the atmosphere, which is like... One of my favorite fucking techno babble things that they say, like the yeah. ions are always doing some wild shit, man. Mm-hmm. Ions, ions be wild. Ions man. and dampeners. Yeah, ions and dampeners mm-hmm. and, and stem bolts, man. 
Stembles. Oh, yeah. Self, self-sealing self stembles. <laughs> if you're nasty. She'll seal it if you're nasty. Uh, I'm going to self-seal my stemble later, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try to stick my self-sealing stemble in my self-sealing stem nut, if you know what I mean. <laughs> stick it on my ass. Stick my penis in my ass. My big old floppy nice. penis put in my bottle. That's a Whatever. classic move. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Dick. They call it the Shulu. Uh, the president. <laughs> they, call, they call it the, the Shulu maneuver. Um, the, the, the Kobayashi maneuver. Um, uh, it's impossible. You can't do it. <laughs> you never win, but you always come. <laughs> uh, the pre- the pre- <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Well, isn't that oh winning, my. though? Like. Uh, the president. You're doing some weird jerk off thing, and you come like, don't you win? Is, <laughs> yeah. Are you not winning? No, because it like bends your cartilage and shit. It bends it all up, dog. Oh, and yeah, you lose a part yeah, of yourself that you can dick. never get back. Right? It gives you it gives <laughs> you the yeah. captain hook. You can't look at him. You can't look in mirrors oh, no. for a while. You're just like you're just like, oh god, <laughs> it's not I'm me. Ash- I'm ashamed uh, of who I am. Oh, my abuser. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. He then, uh, the president then bids farewell. Uh, the president warns all ships to save their energy and save themselves, and they should avoid the planet Earth at all costs. He ben- then bids farewell, and the transmission fades. The crew is nonplussed. After a moment, Kirk asks to hear the probe <coughs> signal, and Ahura patches it through. By the way, we didn't mention it, but basically everyone here is still wearing the exact same outfits they mm-hmm. were in the last movie, and I actually appreciate yep. that. Yeah. I-, I like the continuity yeah. there. Obviously, it was probably a cost-saving measure as well. Yeah, right, um, right. But, but, it, but it looks nice. Uh, yeah, they all, they, they all those have costumes pretty cool costumes, except yeah. for Ahura is still wearing her, like, red Starfleet uniform, which is fine. It's just, like, I wish they let her, like, do something cool here. That would have been cool if she, like, you, like wore some of the, like, the... She's looking uh, like for a, a Vulcan change. robe or something, or, uh, or the Klingon outfit. Oh, that would have been sick, dude! <laughs> like she's like, dude. Oh, I need a change of clothes, and she puts on yeah. some of the Klingon stuff. And she's like, it smells kind of funny, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Spock says that the probe signifies aliens of great intelligence that somehow are unaware of the signal's destructive nature and that he thinks it illogical that the probe's intention is hostile. How can something be this smart and not get that they're fucking up an entire planet? Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Also, since we haven't mentioned it, uh-huh. the sound of the probe is actually in part Leonard Nimoy's mm-hmm. actual voice. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's I actually him going, so he's actually doing Oh, my that. God. So, like, apparently, Leonard Nimoy invented dubstep? <laughs> yes, he did. And doing nitrous oxide to. at a fish concert? Hells, yeah. Uh-huh. Holy shit. How'd you know? He invented the wub wub It was originally called Spock so, Step. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, let's make some Spock stuff. Oh, that yeah. sounds good. That sounds logical. Um, <laughs> so, uh, wouldn't, apparently, wouldn't it be like, called he Dub was... Trek? Mm. I like Spock step better. <laughs> uh, Mine's a better pun. Uh, it is a better pun. This is a better pun. Um, so, apparently, like, he was working with the sound designers and they had him, like, with a mic for some reason. And he, they were like, hey, can you just, like, do what you think it should sound like? So, they're going to record it and, like, use that to kind of create a sound mm. and then uh he was like yeah it should sound like <laughs> and then they just used his voice they, they layered like, it with like, like whale sounds and synthesizers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just layered it with whale sounds and synthesizers and then we're like yeah yeah, yeah it works, works. Yeah, sounds good 
So cool. We love it's, that. Uh, he, he, so in the scene, he's reacting to his own voice. Oh, hell yeah. It's pretty fun. It's kind of like in a, there's that Backstreet Boys song that has a fart in it. Yeah. What? There is. Yeah, yeah one I, of the Backstreet Boys like intentionally this. farted in the song. And, they, and he, like, farted buried, on, he farted on the beat. Yeah, and they buried <laughs> it in the mix, but it's like in there still as a joke. It's funny. It's yeah. Funny. Uh, so when McCoy asks if this is the probe's way of saying hello to the people of Earth, Spock points out that human arrogance assumes the message must be meant for them. Even though, like, I mean, it's definitely meant for Earth because it's fucking up Earth really bad. Yeah, because we, we don't ever know, actually <laughs> yeah. know if there's any intelligence, actual intelligence on the probe. If it's just a probe that's doesn't even recognize the humans on the planet. Yeah, it could be like V'ger, basically. Yeah, yeah, totally. We don't, we don't know. I mean, even at through the end of the film, like we don't even know if there were whales on the on the probe, or and we don't know if the probe is just a giant turd like going through space. Yeah, yeah. Just wants to like talk to whales or something. Because it was, yeah, it was inspired by um by the book uh, Rendezvous with Rama. Yeah, yeah. You said that, right? And uh, uh. In, in that book, like, yeah, there is just a cylinder that comes to Earth, and they don't... And the first book, because there's a whole series, in the first book, you don't know what the cylinder's purpose is. Like, mm. astronauts go in, they see a whole bunch of stuff that confuses them, and then the cylinder leaves. <laughs> so Sounds like a, a sex classic, dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, but it's... A classic sci-fi uh, story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good series. I like it. So, um... I, yeah, I read part of the first book, but never finished it, because <laughs> I'm a loser. <laughs> Uh, when no um, argument here, when Kirk asks if it could be for some other life form, Spock does point out the signal is pointed at Earth's oceans. Kirk asks Sahura to adjust the probe signal to account for what it would sound like underwater, which is like, why? Why would you ever know how to do that immediately as a communications officer? Like, when it, in mean, her job have they ever been like, oh, we found a new alien? Uh, just uh, translate their voice to what it would sound like underwater, and she's like, "Oh, I have a delay pedal right here." Like, <laughs> yeah, she's, a, she's a communications expert, but still underwater. Like, it yeah. would make sense if it was like dewaterifying it. Like, they meet you know aliens on a water planet, and they're like, "Make it sound like if they were not in water." So they just she just does the reverse of that. Is, yeah, make yeah, it, yeah. Sa- it do the opposite of Bones McCoy's tech. voice. <laughs> like, make it sound moist. Like. <laughs> Sure, she has a whole Are sound. Are you making fun I'm of me over there? Over. Goddamn women! Yeah. They should have made her whole like yeah. setup look more like like a like a like a, a mixing board, mixing board like, and stuff. I think she's just right. doing live sound yeah. at a local <laughs> yeah. show. She's like messing with it, like <laughs> it keeps on being like feedback and shit. Yeah. <laughs> like get away from the speaker, you fucking idiot! <laughs> um, so uh, when she does, Spock theorizes that there uh, can be no response to the message. He then excuses himself to test the theory, and he's quickly followed by Kirk and McCoy. In the Bounty's lab, which is weird that they have a lab on a Klingon ship, because, like, it's it's made known, like, in Klingon culture that they generally don't respect scientists very much. Um, They're like, I don't want to talk to a scientist. Those motherfuckers be lying and getting me pissed. <laughs> I think Klingons would be juggalos, wouldn't they? Dude, Klingons are totally oh juggalos. They're totally jug pilled. Hell yeah, we love that. Dude, I want to. I got to make some uh, Photoshop. Dude, honestly, uh, like, no, like doing cosplay as a Klingon juggalo would be the coolest shit of all time. Dude, okay, let's all be Klingon juggalos. That would be let's the coolest. A, a, let's a go to a Renaissance fair. Klingon juggalos, and everyone, <laughs> everyone will just think that we're would, like everyone would be so confused. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> Renaissance Fair season is coming up. Yeah. 
If we just go whoop, 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 whoop. Or would it be whoop, whoop and Klingon? I have no idea. Kapla. Kapla. Wapkla. Glory to you and your family. Um, McCoy at first wonders who would send a probe across the galaxy to speak to whales. But Kirk and Spock recognize that whales were on Earth 10 million years before humans. Humpback whales, Spock points out, have been extinct since the 21st century. And so it is possible for an alien intelligence uh, to send the probe to establish why they lost contact. Kirk wonders if they could simulate a response to the probe's call, but Spock says the language would be gibberish. Kirk asks if the species could exist on some other planet, but Spock answers that they were indigenous to Earth. Right. When Kirk says they must find a way to destroy the probe before it destroys Earth, Spock reminds Kirk the probe would neutralize the bounty with zero effort. Spurk do, uh, Spurk, Spurk. <laughs> Spock yes, does say Spurk. <laughs> uh, then that they could theoretically go find some humpback whales. McCoy realizes okay. what Spock is suggesting and is about to ask Kirk to wait just a damn minute, but is interrupted by Kirk, who orders Spock to start computations for time warp. Oh, yeah. Which what, is one of my favorite lines. He literally just, says, just like, Mr. Spock, start computations start for, for time, time warp. warp. Like, Let's and it's do such... the time warp again. <laughs> They'll start dancing. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen this one many times. Um, <laughs> you ever see that? I uh, brought my squirt gun. <laughs> you, you ever see that photo of the uh, Enterprise uh, cast all dressed up in uh, as Rocky Horror Picture no, Show? No, that's awesome. It's so good. Oh, man. That sounds Enterpo- Oh, yeah. I, I wish TNG would do that. Fucking. Oh, my God. Especially- Dude, my favorite Trek cast photo, though, is the, like, really 90s one that the Voyager casted, where they're, like, holding, like, 90s computers and shit. <laughs> that one's cool. Like, the that one and the one that are the books. The best. Yeah, that one's cool. Yes. The one where they're all in black is so sick. It's so goth night, dude. It rocks. Yeah. Oh. You're right, right, right. I love that. I love that. So, meanwhile, back oh, on yeah. Earth, Earth is, yeah. Earth is <laughs> fucked. Storms and shit. Uh fucking shit going wild uh back on the bounty in the cargo bay kirk asks scotty if they can enclose it to hold water and scotty says he could and mccoy agrees that kirk is about to go swimming off the deep end Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, dist <laughs> kirk tells scott they have to go find a couple of humpback whales mccoy asks <laughs> kirk if he is seriously going to attempt time travel in this rust bucket <laughs> Uh, Kirk responds that they have done it before as he and McCoy head back towards the bridge. Yeah, multiple M- times. McCoy wonders aloud about the plan. They've never done it in a fucking no, Bird, not, of prey, not in Bird of Prey. Though, yeah. They've only done it in like a Constitution class, Starship. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So McCoy wonders aloud about the plan. You're proposing we go backwards in time, find humpback whales, then bring them forward in time, drop them off, and hope to hell. They tell this probe what to do with itself, which is a great summation of the entire <laughs> yeah. plot of the film. Yeah. Like, Bones is right. This is fucking wild, man. Yeah, what if the whales are like, yeah, they're but- killing us! Kill them! I mean, there's so <laughs> many things that can go yeah. wrong with this. It's time travel. Like, they can yeah. fuck up right. the future so easily here. I mean, they do go goblin mode in the past, so we'll get into that. They, we will <laughs> definitely get into their Dude, goblin mode. so that said, though, like, that line 
is so good in the movie because like as a viewer, you're watching this and you're like, really? Is this what they're doing mm-hmm. in the movie? Yeah, yeah and then, Bones is the fourth then, wall here. Then, and, you know, he's the everywhere. Right, he's yeah. the fourth wall. He calls it out. And then you're just like, after that point, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Th- that's what's happening. We're good. And it, honestly, it's funny. Like, honestly, really, like, totally right. Things like, it's great really well. Movie. Like, it works yeah. so mm-hmm. well. And honestly, like, after that, I'm like, okay, my, my disbelief is suspended. Fine. Yeah. Why not? Fucking, right. fucking whales. Yeah. Who cares? Let's do it. it I'm on board. It's like, it's like a much better at like way of doing like the joss whedon shit yeah. true you know where true. like it's like doing that shit in a really like good way that like well, helps the yeah. story because it allows them to engage in this really ridiculous story mm-hmm. in a way that is taken self-seriously because they've already acknowledged the ridiculous mm-hmm. well i think right? that's the the real difference of it is it's like are we about to go on this ridiculous adventure mm-hmm. uh versus well this is happening <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't repeat it. He doesn't like if they were, you know, in the past and he's like, well, we're stealing the whales now. Mm -hmm. It would suck because it's like, yeah, but it's too self-aware. But it all makes sense when, and, and the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It works in context. Yeah. 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 He's correct. Fits with the characters. Yeah. It fits with the story. It fits Mm -hmm. with everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Kirk confirms this, uh, McCoy's comments and, uh, McCoy comments that Kirk's plan is crazy. Kirk tells McCoy if he has a better idea, now's the time to tell him. Yeah. On Bones the bridge. Isn't the, isn't the idea guy. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's not. I mean, he's, yeah, he's the guy. He's the racist guy. kkk Um On the bridge, he asks Spock about the computations, and Spock is working on them in his head for time travel. Meanwhile, Kirk has Ahura open a channel to Starfleet Command. Back on Earth, a faint transmission believed to be from Admiral Kirk is received, and Cartwright orders it to be put through. Uh, It's once again super pixelated. Everything's fucked up. They can barely hear it. Uh, Kirk advises Starfleet of their analysis of the probe signal, tells them that Spock's theory is that only the extinct humpback whale can properly answer the probe, (laughs) and they are going to try time travel. And that they are computing. I love that the uh, the Starfleet <laughs> commander is like, no, no, no. He's like, don't he's like, no, get him on dare. the phone. Get him on the phone. No, fuck the fuck, 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 fuck. He's like, he's like, buck, he's like buck, more power, buck, more buck, power. Buck, we buck, need to talk buck. to them. Yeah. Don't fucking do this. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Whales? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's like the most psychotic message you could possibly get. And, and like, you're just having the worst time of, <laughs> yeah, worst like, of your life. And like, this guy's like, I'm going to go get some fucking whales and bring them here. Like, what the hell are you talking about? No. We know we were supposed to stand trial, but um, we gotta go get some whales. Like in the past, yeah, we're gonna go back in time to Bye. get some fucking yeah. whales, bro. Yeah. Later, also, like I believe this is the part where um, in St- the Starfleet like command area, like the the weather is getting really crazy, mm-hmm. and there's like this this sequence where these two guys like grab this like giant like clamp thing mm-hmm. and try to attach it to one of the many windows. <laughs> yeah. There's like a bunch of windows. Well, I mean, so- and they try to attach it. Mm-hmm. And like it fails miserably. Well, and and then then like, the window right next to it doing? breaks and it's it's very right. funny. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't they like- ha- why wouldn't they have any sort of like blast doors that would that would fall no, no. down and cover you, them? You, you had a much better question while we were watching yeah. this. Why aren't the windows made out of transparent aluminum, which yeah. they make such a big right. fucking deal about during this film? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. th- like the shit that they put on the fucking uh, spaceships. Why isn't that the glass that they're using? And, but 
They're using glass that just breaks from normal weather. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's slightly abnormal weather due to the yeah. Big, like, but so, like, they should the sky, uh, since it's the HQ, you know? they should have some blast doors that cover the windows in the first place. Maybe just right? like some kind of protection. But said they have like those weird little like those those stains on or, hand to bring out maybe, and just like suction. But no, on. they only have one. How about this, fellas? How about I don't know. A force field? Oh my god! Do they have right. those they in have Star those. Trek? They have Do they have those. force fields in Star Trek? They oh. do. Hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. What I can, they can, they put, can they put force fields around things in Star Trek? Although I guess the power is failing oh, yeah. here. Uh, the power yeah. is failing. Oh yeah, maybe they right. do have That's shields. A good point. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I can. Okay, that right. explains everything. You win I, this. You win this round, movie. Poopy probe. Ooh, <laughs> you got me, poopy oh. probe. Um. So. At this moment, uh, Kirk's signal finally degrades and cuts out. Cartwright orders the transmission picked back up and goes, fuck, 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 whales, what? <laughs> He's like, these uh, but just then the takes out a gun and shoots himself. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no coming back from this. Uh, and then right at this moment, the windows behind them shatter and the wind and rain begin to blow into Starfleet headquarters. Uh, at this point, anyone, uh, all anyone at the command center can do is wait and hope. On the HMS Bounty, Spock has completed his calculations for time warp in time his warp. head <laughs> and informs Kirk their time target Dude, is the late chat. 20th century. But uh, because he can't get into too many specifics, even though he did calculations for the time warp in his head, uh, he doesn't know exactly when they're going back in time to. He's min- sometime in the late 20th century. He got confused. He thinks it's Dune. He's a Mintat. No, there you go. That's it. He's right, a human computer. Right, right, right. Mm. Unfor- <laughs> unfortunately, he can't be more precise because of the limits of the equipment aboard the Bounty. Okay. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it, it can go. Power. It's a computer. It can go faster yeah. than light. How can you not figure the shit out? But man? they have all. But they do have a database of all the extinct animals of right. Earth. <laughs> oh, and one thing too about yeah. the ship. I should have mentioned it earlier. But this Klingon ship, like, it is all CRT monitors. Everything in the ship yeah. is showing like it's like those old CRT monitors that are only like three colors. It's like orange, white, and blue or something, and everything looks like dog shit. Like, the biggest screen in the entire Klingon vessel is maybe, like, 16 inches. Yeah, you know, maybe Klingons have, like, see, have a whole other, like, ability to see vision thing, you know? Oh, you know what it is? Is Klingons are really into, like, uh, Smash. And uh, so they're still into the old CRTs, even though you don't need them anymore, right. I guess. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Um, the, you know, so yeah, the, the, the critical, games, race <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> critical race theory. Critical race theory. <laughs> yes, precisely. Uh, critical Cathode race theory, theory monitors. Yeah. Oh my god! More um, woke nonsense from woke yeah. from woke Trek. Way to make it political, Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> uh, so, additionally, Spock had to program some of the variables from the time travel computations from memory. When McCoy worriedly recites a line from Hamlet, "Angels and ministers of grace defend us." And Spock recognizes it as Act 1, Scene 4 of Hamlet. Kirk establishes his faith in Spock's memory and has the ship prepared for warp speed. <laughs> the proof is like, no, this, I know. It's no, like, no, this, is oh. another, this is another line that I like. And mm. I like this line specifically because, like, we're coming back from Spock being dead, mm. right? And then he, like, is rebirthed into a new body and, like, had his consciousness transferred over by an ancient Vulcan ritual. It's all this shit, right? So as an as a person as a Star Trek fan coming into this, you're like, 
what is the status of Spock? Like, mm-hmm. is he going to be able to be normal? Should I expect Spock to be normal? It's this line in this scene in particular that I feel like really sets that up for him to be just like Spock. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, it's, it's just another way of like subtly acknowledging like that Spock was weird, but that he's fine now <laughs> instead of just being like, Hey, Spock is fine. They're yeah. just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, you know, Clearly, he can remember stuff. Yeah, we're, we're he remembers Hamlet. Let's hope yeah. he remembers math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like how like before, like there was stuff he didn't have time to get to, like uh, personal relationships and stuff when he was mm-hmm. on Vulcan. Um, he know. was reading reading Shakespeare, but yeah, he was yeah. too busy reading Hamlet like fifty fucking times. Like, yeah. what, dude? What are you doing with yep. your time? Well, that's that's why it's I, about time priorities, man. You know, that's why uh, Vulcans are really good uh, Shakespeare. Yeah, uh, yeah, guys, really in, good at, in, uh, uh, in bar trivia. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah, you know the fu- yeah fucking Vulcans love theater. But yeah, the but very they, logical theater. But they suck at sports. Like mm-hmm. you can't give them anything on sports. But no, definitely. Ask no. them a Shakespeare question. They got that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nerds, <laughs> nerds, fucking green blooded nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Throw <a> down football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To grow some yeah. balls, fucking green blooded <laughs> bastards. You know McCoy was pissed as hell when uh, people started kneeling during the national anthem <laughs> at, fo- at football oh. games. <laughs> You know like, that. Have like, you heard about it in the Colin Kaepernick? The <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know I fucking defended the, this flag. God damn it! With medicine. Um, <laughs> well, the American flag no longer exists. It does. You can replicate it to burn it. If you want. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Quark just has a constantly burning American flag Repli- in the middle of his bar. Replicated out of like sawdust, so it just goes. <laughs> <laughs> Rice paper. Mm-hmm. Rice paper, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, uh, Kirk orders Chekhov to raise the shields, and he tells Sulu to engage the bounty's warp drive, saying, May fortune favor the foolish, as he engages warp speed. The ship slowly accelerates up over warp nine, and then as they get closer and closer to the sun, the ship begins to shake uh, violently between the effects of high warp and the high solar gravity. A console next to Ahura blows out, but she's like, ah, I'm fine. <laughs> um, at the last moment, Kirk orders Sulu to kick in the last thruster power, and the bounty successfully performs the slingshot effect around the sun. The effects here are pretty fucking cool. Yeah, they're badass. I think they're Dude, all- it, look, it looks like a Tool music video. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it looks sick as hell, going dude. back in time. Oh, yeah. It's like, you could cut a fucking schism, or, uh, schism over that, and like it would just be... Any tool fan would be like, oh, yeah, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah. tool video. <laughs> I wonder if Leonard Nimoy actually directed the tool music videos. That'd be something to look into. That would be <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I, he's a spiral pilled motherfucker. Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't though. The guy who directed the tool videos was the same guy who did the um, the fucking green jello video for the three little pigs. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Hmm. Oh, yeah. No, but that yeah, but that scene though with the faces and everything like that's something that really stuck out to me as a kid. Like I thought it was the most insane thing I'd ever it's seen. It's really cool, and a lot of this <laughs> is like really uh, cool. like computer generated. And for yeah. eighty six CGI stuff, this looks like I mean yeah, this is held up way better than something like ten years later, like mm-hmm. the the lawnmower man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, mm-hmm. dude! Or any, mar- lawn- any current right. day Marvel, Marvel movie. <laughs> you're you're right. The uh, the lawnmower man didn't hold up. It aged like fine wine. <laughs> Looks incredible. Um, I, no, I mean, it aged like gold. Do you know how much it's worth now? 
so much <laughs> thanks to the global elite. Uh, for a brief time, the crew is unconscious as Kirk dreams of voices of the crew and their faces in a pretty visually interesting segment as a, uh, of a whale and eventually of a person falling through space, yeah. through Earth's atmosphere, and landing in a lake in a forest. Yeah. Yeah. So It's like all David Lynch shit. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it is kind of Lynchian. And it shows like water and shit. It's very like probably symbolic and shit. Like Nimoy probably was on some shit when he decided... Or maybe Nicholas Meyer. I don't know. Actually, yeah, he was, he was, was on some the, LDS. Yeah, there's sure. some LDS. We'll get to the LDS. Yeah. We'll get to the LDS. <laughs> so now we're back in the 20th century. We don't know what time, but it's in uh, San Francisco in the 20th century. We, you know, assume 80s. Everyone looks like they're from the 80s. Yeah. Kirk awakens to find the ship and crew seemingly still intact. He awakens Sulu from his unconsciousness, and Sulu finds the breaking thrusters successfully fired when the viewer is activated spock determines by the atmosphere's pollution content that they <laughs> successfully arrived in the latter half of the 20th century on earth he rem uh, then reminds kirk that they may already be visible to earth's tracking devices of the time and so kirk orders the cloaking device engaged the bounty crosses over the terminator into night which i think was supposed to be terminus right isn't it yeah. called the terminus mm. Um, I, I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Spock um, hones in on the west coast of North America. Ahura says, I am receiving whale song, which is also a great line. <laughs> that is a great line. <laughs> uh, but is confused to find it coming directly from San Francisco. Just then, Scotty calls needing to see Kirk immediately. For shots. Nah. Um, because yeah. they're successful. Here's your twin towers. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get them quick. They're still on fire. Uh, where did I go here? Um, so, uh, Scotty reports a new problem, informing Kirk and Spock the Klingon dilithium crystals have been drained by the time traveling uh, and are decrystallizing. Unfortunately, even in the 23rd century, recrystallization is not possible, and Scotty gives them 24 hours before they lose all power and become visible, and dead in the water, so to speak. Spock theorizes that because of the use of nuclear fission reactors in this time period, they could construct a device to collect some high-energy radioactive photons safely, which could then be injected into the dilithium chamber, which, in theory could cause crystalline restructure. Spock then points out that nuclear power was widely used on naval vessels around this time. It's very technobabble, and this is the part I jerked off during the film. You were here. You saw me. <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I, I love I love when they talk about nuclear reactors. You locked the doors and wouldn't let me leave. No, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, yeah. Okay, Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're canceled, Brit. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Call me Louis St for Star Trek, baby. Ooh. Um, uh, from <laughs> from his seat at the bounty's helm, Sulu recognizes San Francisco and tells everyone he was born there. Mm -hmm. Big surprise. McCoy, <laughs> McCoy remarks that it really doesn't look that different from the San Francisco of their time. Uh. <laughs> really? Uh. Kirk instructs Sulu to set yeah. the ship down. I think it's because they're like, oh, there's the bridge there still. 
Yeah, the bridge uh, is the same there, place. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, like eighty San Francisco was a fucking dump, man. Like, there's still <laughs> dumpy parts it, of San. Let Francisco. me tell you, it still is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just went there. Um, <laughs> So uh, Kirk instructs Sulu to get the ship down to Golden Gate Park. He then assigns everyone into three teams. Ahur and Chekhov will take care of the photon collection. McCoy, Sulu, and Spock are assigned to find a whale tank, which they're not super excited about. And Spock and Kirk uh, are to attempt to find two humpback whales they detected in San Francisco. So Scotty, Sulu, and Bones are doing the... uh are doing the tank and then yeah. Kirk and Spock are doing, oh. uh, did I say, yeah. uh, uh, I thought I said McCoy, Sulu and Spock or Scott. Oh, did I say Spock instead of Scott? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I accidentally wrote. It, it it's always, okay. It's, it's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. I, I always help. write Scotty for that reason, just so I don't get it wrong. But sometimes it autocorrects to Scott and I hate it. <laughs> autocorrect mm-hmm. is the bane of my taking notes. I swear to yeah. God. Dude, I it's just the bane of me trying to text people. Like I was trying to text something to somebody the other day and like, I was trying to type legitimate words and it just mm-hmm. would not believe me. And I was like, why? <laughs> this is a real word. Why do you keep changing it to a different fucking word? Yeah, the other day I was texting someone, uh, want to see my bones impression? Because I'm working on my bones impression, mm-hmm. but it auto-corrected to want to see my boner. <laughs> and it was my dad. <laughs> so oh. Yeah, yeah. So and he yeah. said yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, then you're like, oh, no. Uh, like, Thanksgiving's going to be dad. so weird. <laughs> you can't take my vaccinated cum. It's like, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Um, <laughs> moving on Kirk then tells everyone to, uh, to be very careful as most of their customs will doubtlessly be surprising to uh, everyone else yeah. as they are time travelers everyone then right. looks at Spock and Kirk and says it's a foregone conclusion none of these people have ever seen an extraterrestrial before with that Kirk, uh, Spock tears a piece from his robe and wraps it around his head like a headband which covers his eyebrows and ears he tears Kirk. the most pe- most perfect little piece of mm-hmm. perfectly cut fabric out of yeah, his that's, robe. Yeah, that's one of the things he learned how to do back on Vulcan oh, yeah. instead of repairing his relationships. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, tearing and cloth. philosophical discipline. Yeah, yeah, all he was doing was reading Hamlet and tearing cloth for three months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that tracks, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, Kirk calls late 20th century culture extremely primitive and paranoid, which is extremely correct. And nothing's changed. Yep. <laughs> Chekhov is to issue everyone a phaser and communicator, but the crew is to maintain radio silence except in emergencies. And anyone in uniform should remove their rank insignia. Then Kirk tells everyone that they should do their job and get out of there uh, as their own world is waiting for them to save it. It's funny, like, uh, Chekhov doesn't listen to that. <laughs> Keeps his ID no, on him. No, he does not. I mean, yeah, there's several, <laughs> there's a lot of fuck-ups here. We'll get to them, though. Yeah, yeah, and then fucking uh, Chekhov leaves his phaser behind. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. So we go to the very first fuck-up they have on Earth. Uh, there's two trash men at Golden Gate Park talking about fighting with women as yeah. the bounty lands still as close. Do, as one does. Accidentally one crushing does. a trash can as well as leaving huge indentations on the surrounding ground in the middle of a play field where lots of people in the middle of a fucking park, a very busy park, uh, under it's invisible landing gear. And then the hatch opens, but the hatch is visible and it scares the two workers who drive out of the area, leaving the trash behind and apparently never speaking of it to anybody ever again or going to investigate it again. ever. They probably thought they were being like spiritually punished for talking about beating their wives. 
they probably so. thought like the, tr- the trash was like <laughs> this fentanyl like <laughs> cops are doing these days they, they, they like went home and the guy's shaking and he's like hugs his wife and he's like i love you i'll i'll, I'll change i swear to god i'll change <laughs> i will uh, never one day put you to the moon <laughs> I'll bang yeah, so, pow you into my heart instead. <laughs> <laughs> like I uh I actually visited Golden Gate Park a few weeks ago and that park is insanely busy. Yeah. Like I drove by there on a Saturday and there were literally just like I couldn't see fully into the park. I could only see the outside of the park, people like going into it. And I saw maybe several hundred people streaming oh, wow. in and out of the park. Like it it's crazy. San Francisco is the second densest city in North America, mm-hmm. right underneath New York. Uh, so it's like, dude, you, I don't know. They couldn't <laughs> have gotten away with this. No, <laughs> is no. what I'm so oblivious to the trash men, the enterprise crew, or sorry, the bounty crew continues. Uh, Ahura gives the coordinates of the whales to Kirk, who quips, everybody remember where we parked, which I, <laughs> shut up, dad. I, I, I like that. I, shut up, I, dad. Yeah. Uh, like in San Francisco, the crew has trouble adjusting from watching out for traffic uh, to which Kirk famously says, well, double, double dumbass on you, <laughs> which is such a great line. Uh, Dude, Kirk's... so good. It is. I love that it happens like right when they get into San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's like the first thing that happens. The guy's like, get out of the way, dumbass. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, what dumbass to you? Kirk, Kirk also realizes okay. that they're going to need some money as people still use money back mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. and now. Uh, he tells everybody to split up because they look like a cadet briefing. Kirk and Spock go to an antique shop and sell the glasses McCoy earlier gave Kirk on his last birthday in the yes. previous film, which as you pointed out, Pat, would, like, create time a, issues. A temporal so loop. So apparently, apparently they're antiques. Like, apparently that yeah. is established that they're antiques. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I looked into this. Yes. But, but there is a paradox, so you are correct. Mm-hmm. There is a paradox at play because apparently, like, McCoy bought them from the shop to gave mm-hmm. them to Kirk, and then Kirk sold them to the shop. So it's like a big, weird Ouroboros thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So um, so where... Where did the shop get them in the first place? Is the question, right? Or where it's like, yeah, it's it is it is a temporal loop, yeah. and it's, so it creates a loop to where Kirk has to keep delivering the glasses yeah. and going and, back in time right. over and, and over. And the c- glasses constantly get older, so mm-hmm. every time, so like it was originally three hundred years old when it was given to Bones. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, Shatner. Well, and Bones and then Shatner. Bones and then Shatner, and so then they go back in time. That 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 scenario has to play out again. So, so the, when Bones gets them the second time, they're six hundred years old. Yep. This time with a broken glasses. Yeah. And so just the right. other the other uh, fucking lens break. Like what happens there? And so, and so then it happens again. It goes back in time. Nine hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Twelve hundred years old. And constantly the scenario keeps playing out. So then I'm wondering if eventually they get so old and decrepit that they fall apart. And then that's that that. And then they have to find another way for money. And we talked about yeah. this. And my idea was uh, they pimp out Chekhov. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah right. Chekhov. There's lots of like, <laughs> like lots of guys who will pay good money for your – I mean, and this is the Cold War. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, they're going to want the Russian twink dude. And they're going to want to fucking top that hard <laughs> and be like, oh, you fucking little rusky piece of shit. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it, motherfucker. And uh, uh, so, you know, they probably pimp him out in a back alley. And, yeah. you know, it's like – 
have him bent over a trash can or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> oh, it hurts so much, Kirk. How many more? He's like, oh, oh, I thought you were enjoying it. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to go charging next, here. But, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know what a good price is. I said $5. And so uh, who knows how that then affects the rest of their mission. <clears throat> you, know, right? you know, so like those like, glass. Those glasses stuck in that temporal loop where they're constantly just getting older and older and older. So it's like called that. an ontological paradox, oh. uh, according to Wikipedia. And, and also uh, Chekhov's sore butthole caught in a time paradox. <laughs> because each time he goes back to the past, uh-huh. he has to give up his butthole now. To, to more right? dicks. So yeah, like, to, yeah, yeah. The, the dicks. And so each, each time, like up. the glasses, yeah. it gets more worn out. <laughs> Uh-huh. until like uh-huh. it's just like a, a fucking floppy pink sock hanging out like the uh-huh. exterior of his butthole and then uh-huh. kirk is like oh we're gonna have to pimp another one of you out and then they have to execute Chekhov to put him out of his misery right. <laughs> no no, no. Bones I, bet, is like, I, I can't repair this kind of damage god damn it i'm a doctor sure? not a miracle worker you sure he doesn't have a pill for that? He can regrow oh, yeah. a lady a kidney. He can probably that... regrow a butthole. <laughs> yeah, there's Here's pills a pill. That. You can regrow both of your <laughs> anal sphincters. It just goes like... <laughs> <laughs> it just sucks and back it in. It goes right back in. They just, they, they just film it in reverse. Or they film it and they reverse the footage. <laughs> <laughs> oh god let's have a video, <laughs> a video. just it's a video of someone taking off a pink sock and they just put it in reverse like with a benny hill theme song on it there you go all right. <laughs> Solved it. that's that's the nc-17 version of the movie uh ncc-1701 <laughs> version there you the go ncc-17 version um beautiful mm-hmm. um so kirk receives $100 for the glasses and then divides <laughs> it among lot? the team. Yeah, he's like, is, is that a lot? And the guy's like, yeah. Yeah, sure. I don't I, know I when this film takes scene. place. I don't know if it is or not. It's so funny. Money. The guy's just like... Eh. <laughs> so, good. so uh, he and Spock walk down the streets of San Francisco and Kirk wonders how they're going to find the whales. Spock finds a city map and starts to work out the coordinates on the map. Kirk sees an ad... For the Cetacean Institute, a Cetacean, Cetacean Institute, and the two attempt to get on a bus, only to be tossed back off because they don't have exact change and don't know what the term exact change means either. How is that so confusing to somebody? I don't know. But then one of my favorite things in the entire movie happens, and one of my favorite things in, ty- in any movie happens the bus has a literal awooga horn, and it goes awooga. <laughs> and I like the first time that happened, I was just taking notes, and I like had to pause because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I had just taken a bong, and I was like, "Was that a fucking awooga horn?" <laughs> and I like rewinded it and like listened to it like five times. It's so fucking good, dude. I gotta say, like this movie actually does have like so many like legitimately funny lines in it. Like it does. I actually it- found myself laughing out loud, like honestly and genuinely, mm-hmm. at a lot of the scenes and in this straight movie. Up- like I'm going to say it. I think this is the strongest script for a Star Trek oh, film. Oh, yeah, dude, totally. Like, mm-hmm. totally. Like, the, the the every character has these great little character moments. Like, the dialogue's really funny and, like, entertaining. And like, for a movie that's, like, pretty much solely based around, like, situations with people talking, mm-hmm. like, it, it manages to stay, like, really entertaining. Yeah, and another thing, too, is, like, I noticed is, like, they give everyone in this movie, except for Kirk, they give him equal screen time, but they give everyone more screen time than two and right. three. 
probably combined. Yeah, like for sure. everyone actually has like their own story mm-hmm. and shit going on. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like um, the only one who gets short shrift here is shrift. Uhura. Like uh-huh. be, yeah. because like she does have she a story has, and she but, yeah. but like she, I feel like she takes a backseat to like Chekhov's thing and like she Chekhov definitely has his own, like mm-hmm. separate I mean, plot after that and stuff, you know. And I feel like they always kind of give her a backseat, though, too. Because, like, you know, search for Spock, she transports them out and then doesn't see him until the end of the film. Yeah. And, and uh, she's at least in this one for more of the film. But, like, she's, she has more lines. She, have a lot she has that do. great line, I am receiving whale song. <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. Um, so in another part of town, <laughs> uh, Bones, Scotty, and Sulu are walking the streets looking for trouble and maybe some dick. <laughs> Uh, oh, McCoy yeah. wonders how they'll make the whale tank. Scott says he'd manually do it with transparent aluminum. Sorry? Oh. Uh, with transparent aluminum, but he and Sulu both realize he's well too early for that feat uh, mm-hmm. in history, so they'll have to make with 20th century equivalent. Just then, they notice an ad on the wall for... The Yellow Pages, which <laughs> is the thing, the one thing that dates this movie the most, I think, is yeah. the ad for the Yellow Pages, and then the very next scene uh, elsewhere, Chekhov and Ahura are looking through a phone book at a phone booth, which is yeah, like two things rad. that haven't existed in a long this time. This movie fact, brought to you by the Yellow Pages. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, uh, but and Michelob. And Michelob. Um, um, uh-huh. So it's um, the last... Uh, public telephone in New York City was removed last year, finally. Mm. Yeah. Which is crazy, dude. It's probably like, just used as a masturbatorium or something. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> what I use it for. Yeah. No, probably no, probably no. just used, honestly, for, like, mostly just for, like, movies. So people can use a uh, payphone in, like, a 80s scene or something. We need, yeah, there, there's that, you know, phone booth, too. Oh, yeah. Colin Farrell's waiting for that call. And... Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right, He's right. Just... I remember, <laughs> so... It wasn't... Yeah. Phone Booth was one of those movies that, like, for, I don't know why, but I was, like, I was like looking forward to watching that movie. I remember, like, <laughs> yeah. seeing well, the trailer that's, that's and being, like, like... right when Colin Farrell's star was, like, rising really fast. Right. And, and it, was it, a, it was a, it was a Joel film. Schumacher joint. And I was a big oh, fan of Batman Forever. Okay. So I was, like, well, Joel Schumacher made my favorite film, Batman Forever. So surely <laughs> Bone, uh, Bone Footh uh, <laughs> is going to be fucking bone, tight. Bone, it's, bo- it's Bones got, Footh. God yeah. damn it, he's trying to shoot me. <laughs> so, like, I, I was stoked to watch that movie, and then I watched it, and I was like, man, this movie sucks. Like, he's just in the phone booth the whole time. Like, yeah. Did you ever get what that I from expected? the preview? That was, like, the pitch of the film. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was the elevator pitch. That was the phone booth pitch of the phone yeah. booth. Is It's a guy in the phone booth the entire movie, yeah. and he has he's to in stay the in the booth. phone booth or he's going to get uh-huh. shot. It's yeah. a terrible premise. A terrible premise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like really, they should have named Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure phone booth. Oh, that would have been right. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. there you go. There you go. The phone booth had way more to do. Like you know, the phone <laughs> booth is its own character, man. So right, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how dated is that movie, man? I mean, like that movie that came mo- out in the early. So, like, phone booth specifically, like, it came out in like, the early two thousand, early to mid two thousands. And like it was that very, wasn't very early two thousands long looked. ago. Like, I don't know, maybe, like, almost 20 years ago, but, like, yeah, I think, like, 2002, 2003, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I, Colin Farrell did have, like, a goatee in that, and that was, like, true, and, true. like, a very, kind oh, of a loud shirt, so he kind of looked like he was, like, 
the guitarist of Linkin Park or something. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Like he was going to start rapping in the phone. Booth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One yeah. thing. I don't know why. <laughs> why? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Mike Shinoda, shout out. So, so Chekhov and Ahura are uh, looking in the fucking phone book uh, for the address to Almeida Naval Base to find the nuclear reactor. What? Unfortunately, the their luck weapon. in getting those directions isn't entirely successful with people including one San Francisco police department officer who just like stares at them, just completely ignoring them. And then a lady <laughs> telling them that the ships are in Al- Alameda, which yeah. is, they already asked, like, where are the ships in Alameda? And she's like, I think they're in Alameda. And they're like, that's, that, that's yeah. what I said. I do remember so, one. <clears throat> Oops, sorry. Apparently that, uh, that line where she's like, I guess they're in Alameda probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, so she was an extra who yeah. was working that day on set because her car was towed mm-hmm. to make room for the production. And so in order to get her car out of impound, she offered to work as an extra to like get some money to get her car back. And she wasn't supposed to say anything. She was just supposed to be like, uh. But then uh, Nimoy told her to, quote, act natural. So when... <laughs> Chekhov is like, where are the nuclear vessels in Alameda? <laughs> She's like, I don't know, probably Alameda. And then Nimoy thought it was hilarious, so he kept it in the movie. That's awesome. And, and that woman's name, Susan Sarandon. <laughs> it it kind of sucks yeah. that they made her work to get her her uh, her car out of impound, and they they should have just done that for her. Yeah, I like, know, they... right? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so fucking Herb Bennett's like, it's not in the production money. We're fucking reusing costumes over here, goddammit. Yeah, you can work it off. You can work off your debt. <laughs> it's like, you towed my car. I needed to get to my children. They're at home with no supervision. <laughs> she gets there and there's a skeleton. <laughs> my children were in that hot car. <laughs> and my dog. <laughs> now it's their tomb. <laughs> Uh, Kirk and Spock finally find a bus and a punk refuses to turn his music down. So Spock renders him unconscious with a nerve pinch and, uh, everyone and then everybody cheers. fucking claps in the most reddit <laughs> moment of all time. Yeah, dude. It's so wild. Oh man. There's so much to this scene. I mean, I love this scene. It's great, but also it's insane. It and, but- uh, so the guy that played the punk is a, an associate producer on the film named Kirk mm-hmm. Thatcher. And he's um, a he's a director now and producer of a lot of stuff. Yeah, and he for makes sure. music too. Well, yeah, he does. And so, like, apparently, like, he wanted to play the part because he thought it was funny and he wanted to be a punk. So they had him do it. And when they shot the 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 scene, the music that they had playing on set, he thought was like really stupid. He's like, "You can't use this for the final scene. You should let me make a punk rock song." It was to, the Sex Pistols used in the in the. Uh, <laughs> so, was it the Sex Pistols? Yeah. Because they sound like shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so Kirk Thatcher and then the, uh, I think the, the sound director for the film made a mm-hmm. punk rock song together. And that's the song. It's mm-hmm. called I Hate You. I think and his it, name that's is the one that was used in the, in the final Mark, film. Mark Mangini, I want to think. Yep. I think, I, I think, think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember that. I didn't write it down, but I remember. I wonder if he's related to Mike Mangini, the drummer from Annihilator. Dude, that <laughs> would be Dream fucking Theater, nuts. I yeah, mean, it would make awesome. sense. There's a lineage. Yeah, it would there, actually. Yeah, yeah, like the lineage so. from fucking Star Star Trek sound effects guy to fucking prog rock drummer. That is a direct pipeline. Like <laughs> that, that like yeah, I, that yeah. that family tree like goes directly straight down. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yep. So uh, 
then fucking Kirk tells Spock that uh, nobody in this century notices you unless you swear and say things like double dumbass. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Spock takes this to heart and he's like, hmm. And he considers it. So, oh my god! And that comes into play. It's so good. I love what soon. happens here. So, it's so good. They arrive at the Cetacean Institute and join in with a tour, which is being led by Doctor Gillian Taylor, an assistant director. They give a pretty thoughtful save the whales, or sorry, she gives a pretty thoughtful save the whales talk about how humans are fucking shit up <laughs> before taking them to see all uh, see the both of the whales, a pair named. George and Gracie. Oh, before Yo, that, you're... she shows them like the gruesome whale. Yeah, the whale video. gore, dude. There's yeah, yeah. so I much said, whale said, gore in this I, movie. I covered that with the save the whale talk. Yeah, it's it's, it's all very ham fisted and like it's this is fun. so brutal. Like <laughs> it's holy very ham fisted. It's very like yeah, it's it's very like blackfish or what was the other one where they killed the, the cove? It was mm. very the uh... cove. Yeah, that yeah, was fucked like up. Like super picking, fucked up. Like just, just like families being like, "Let's take this whale tour. It sounds so cute." And then like, there's like, "These are the whales getting fucked up and killed." And this is the whale holocaust museum, <laughs> motherfuckers. Buckle up. Just cannibal corpse playing over the footage. <laughs> <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> this one's called "I Come Whales." <laughs> Just like, oh my god, this is what's happening to the whales right now. <laughs> no, I, don't you think that butchered at sea would be a better Ooh, bu- butchered at sea? <laughs> Hammer smashed whale. <laughs> Hammer smashed whale. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's good. Make whales suffer. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, lots of whale gore. Hell yeah, we love that. Um, so. I don't know. Did either of you catch? Uh, do you know what George and Gracie is a reference to? A I comedy did duo. Read that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no. It is a homage to the comedy duo of George Burns and Gracie Allen, hmm. which was a comedy duo from like the nineteen forties, fifties, and sixties. I've never heard of these. Which people. at yeah. this point was already a completely outdated reference. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I love how they just put that in there. Like. Like a Laurel and Hardy would have worked, although that wouldn't have made sense because one of them's a female. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, one of them was the bottom. Well, we know that. <laughs> we but, know, you know Gracie's pregnant. Like, well, yeah. you know, uh, no matter how hard he tried, Laurel could never get Hardy <laughs> pregnant. Doesn't even matter how hard you try. <laughs> <laughs> Take it, Colin Farrell. What's he doing in the phone booth there? <laughs> Impregnating a whale. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's oh, why I had to get. There's too many layers here, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is getting too, too many layers. So, so this meta. is getting like a fucking onion or a parfait Shrek style. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> this ain't the sh- search for Shrek, everybody. <laughs> I'd watch that. That should be the. Na- that should be a sequel. Like they, they should have like, made the third Shrek film called The Search for Shrek. Like what? What a rock, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, like it should be the fourth one because I feel like all like horror franchises eventually end up in space by the fourth film like critters oh. um leprechaun leprechaun not um, not friday the 13th not friday that was the 13th film that was the 10th film but yeah but they all eventually end up in space but yeah by the fourth Ooh, film they take alien or <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry alien uh, resurrection was the fourth one yeah so, yep. yeah space <laughs> in open space eventually uh-huh uh-huh um, yeah i actually watched jason x recently it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's oh, yeah. so I, I, acci- I tried to, but I accidentally watched uh, Jason Triple X. Very <laughs> nice. different film, I'll tell nice. you. Nice. 
Hey, that I don't think, yeah, yeah. Jason X is pretty forgettable. But I mean, there's the, a lot of gashes in that film, but it's a different kind than you're thinking of. <laughs> the, the part where they put him in the, like the holo, uh, Jason in the holodeck, and then like the two like girls appear, and then like they just take off their tops. And oh, yeah, like, <laughs> and then he just rips them apart. Yeah. And then like has such good comic comedic timing because then like it cuts back, and then he has them both in a sleeping bag and just hitting that's them right, against, that's... <laughs> hitting them against the I, wall I feel tree. Like he, didn't so he do good. the sleeping bag thing in another film? I feel like maybe, did. yeah. But I, yeah, that, but one, just, that was but a just, great kill. I just the that. girls were like, took off their tops and so they're like, "Hey, hey, Mr. Jason!" And he's like, <laughs> "Dude, yeah, that's so sick." The best kill in uh, Jason X is where he like grabs this girl's head, dunks her face in some liquid nitrogen, and then <laughs> yeah. smashes her head against the mm-hmm. table, and it shatters. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. That movie's terrible, but that, yeah. that scene is awesome. <laughs> that movie rocks. I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, it's it's great. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's the Star Trek five of Jason f- films. Um <laughs> sure. Uh when they go below for a uh, wait, sorry. Kirk comments on the amazing stroke of luck in finding a male and female humpback in a contained space together. And they can beam them up together and be on their way home. When they go for a uh below the tank view Kirk notices Spock isn't there then notices Spock in the tank trying to mind meld with one of the whales this scene is incredible yeah Mm -hmm. he's just like there swimming with the whale and just like everyone's like huh but then an old lady notices too and points it out to Dr. Taylor uh, because she's a fucking narc bitch well no so like the, the scene is she's like these whales, they make a whale song, and we don't know who they're singing to or why. And the old lady's and like, like, maybe they're, maybe singing they're to talking that guy. to that man right there. <laughs> she couldn't just, like, she didn't point out that the whales are there. Why would she point out that the man's there, you fucking bitch? I do. You narc I, bitch. It is funny, like, like no, none of the, the bizarre cast of characters that are on this whale tour, like the, the pilot... Yeah, the, the pilot the and the nun. Yeah, <laughs> like, everyone is for, has, like, a very specific job. Yeah. Like, like the fucking, the, like, uh, all of the village people are there. Mm-hmm. There's a, a construction worker, an Indian, yeah. a fucking <laughs> Navy man. But none of them have oh, yeah. any reaction to, like, the guy swimming in the tank with the whale. Like, they all just watch passively until that woman just like, wow, they're singing to that man right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Also, great, great <clears throat> idea to just, like, do shit like that when you're trying to hide the fact that you're Vulcan from people. Yeah, like they're just—they just don't give a fuck. They're just no. going wild. They don't care. He's like, you know, this might fuck up the future, but I gotta talk to the whale. All right, um, everybody, just be very nondescript. <laughs> very, just like don't, don't draw attention to yourself. And they do, except except every scene. Do just really funny things. <laughs> um, Spock tries to explain to Taylor that he was trying to communicate with the whale. Kirk attempts to act is if he's there to help Taylor. And he's like, yeah, why were you talking to the whale bully? Whatever. But uh, Spock tells him that if they think the whales are theirs to do with as they please, then they'll be guilty as guilty as those who caused the whales extinction. Damn. At that point, Taylor throws both of them out, threatening to call the police as Spock was messing with her tanks and whales. Spock says the whales like her very much, but they are not. The hell your whales, which is like <laughs> Spock starts cursing in the scene and starts saying the hell a lot, which is great. Mm. Dude, it's so um, good. And then she asks if they told him that the whales told him that. And he says, the hell they did. Which I'm like, That's really <laughs> so fun, good. actually. So good. Um, walking in front of the Golden Gate Bridge, Kirk suggests that maybe Spock shouldn't curse. And as he doesn't 
always have to tell the truth, contrary to his prior advice on the bus. Kirk then asks about Spock's mind meld with the whale. Spock says the whales are not happy with how humans have treated their species, which Kirk finds understandable, and asks if they will help. Spock says he believes he was successful in communicating the Enterprise crew's mission. Or, I guess, the Bounty crew's mission. Mm-hmm. Dr. Taylor is outraged by their actions, but later tries to relax with the whales and tells them the intruders didn't mean any harm. Just then, her boss, Bob Briggs, <laughs> steps up and asks Gillian uh, how Gillian is doing, and she admits she's very upset. Bob Briggs sympathizes, but points out again that they endanger the whales' lives by keeping them in the Institute, and also they take the same risk letting them go. They're also in, like, this tiniest little pond. <laughs> they yeah, possibly... for yeah, sure. They can't move, like, at all. And the funny thing is, like, the outdoor tank at that actual aquarium is much smaller. Really? Yeah, they, they well, digitally edit in a much bigger, like, whale pen. Wow. Well, interestingly, so th- that was filmed at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, a place uh-huh. I visited two weeks ago. So I like, it was crazy. Cool. Like, when they pulled up there, I was like, this is the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I've been there. Well, so where they, they go and where they, like, show the whale tank to be there actually is no tank there like it oh, is yeah. actually 100%. literally and just like a like little cove like it's not yeah there's no actual like tank of water there. Mm. and so uh also uh digitally edited is behind them uh, it usually shows some other city i forget which but so they had to digitally add um san francisco in the background of all of those scenes as well <laughs> because it doesn't right. actually exist in the background of there so. hmm. for sure yeah, yeah. monterey is like uh it's like two hours south of san francisco so, so far uh, two hours by car, 20 minutes by foot, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like, so like in the very next the scene, <laughs> in the very next scene, they're walking in front of the Golden Gate Bridge, in front of that, that fort that's there, that old fort, which is another place I visited <laughs> a few weeks ago, uh, which was crazy. I was like, oh, man, this is weird. Like, I was just at all of these places. Um, but yeah, those those two places are like two and a half hours apart by Google. <laughs> and you took a real uh, Star Trek foreskin tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Cool. I absolutely did. <laughs> um, so, um, Bob Briggs tries to calm the doctor down by reminding her that they've never, uh, whales have never been proven to be as intelligent as humans, but Taylor doesn't buy it, angrily saying she doesn't limit her compassion for someone based on an intelligence estimate, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like you know, we're all we're all Earthlings, man. Hell yeah, man! All the animals, very like, zen, man. Yeah, why is why is the whale not considered an Earthling? Why you know? Hell yeah, man! Love that man. You want some LDS? <laughs> uh, Chekhov and Uhura <laughs> finally find the location of a nuclear vessel. Uh, Chekhov begins attempting to make contact with Kirk as Uhura locates the exact coordinates of the reactor. Once Kirk is reached, Chekhov reports they found the ship with which pleases Kirk, and then Chekhov tells Kirk, an admiral, it is the Enterprise. <laughs> uh, because the actual real-life USS Enterprise, they filmed the outside of it for this scene. The actual interiors, though, uh, because the USS Enterprise is actually a nuclear ship, and they're not allowed on there, they filmed it aboard the USS Ranger, hmm. which is non-nuclear, but around the same size, I guess. I, so on the Wikipedia page, it says that they didn't use the Enterprise because the Enterprise was actually out at sea at the time. 
and oh, that they used the the other ship, the Rankin, or the, I think it was the Rankin, the Ranger, uh, Ranger. the Ranger. Ranger. Yeah, uh, oh. they used that ship because that was the only one available. Um, oh. But I, I guess who knows, right? But uh, yeah, what what I what I read said that they were just not allowed on nuclear vessels. Which I, I, makes I believe that a lot as well. of sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just that, just have like the actors just playing around on there, and <laughs> what's this button do? <laughs> <laughs> Nuclear meltdown imminent. Uh, just then, Taylor approaches in her truck and has some very coy banter with Kirk. Mm. Uh, he says Spock was from Berkeley in the 60s from their social movement and did too much LDS. <laughs> Latter-day yeah. Saints. He did too Latter-day much Mormonism Saints. back in Berkeley, baby. Hell yeah, baby. Which is, which is pretty funny. Um, just... She offers to give Kirk and Spock a ride back to San Francisco which makes no sense. No. Like she just uh, she just yeah. told these people she was going to call the cops on them if they didn't leave and she's like, "Hey, you want to get in my car with me alone, <laughs> a single woman?" "Hey, you two weirdos, hop on in." Yeah. <laughs> Ask gas or grass, no rides for free. Yeah, hey, like, weird military dressed man <laughs> and weird karate kid motherfucker who swam with no, my Ber- whales. Berkeley, Berkeley social <laughs> movement motherfucker. Yeah, remember. Wh- Women LDS, are, man. yeah. W- there's yeah. always like a threat of danger with like uh, single women with like weird men, and you know, everywhere. The, and so, of course, she would yeah. go and pick the two weirdest fucking guys, absolutely, that she could fucking find. <laughs> so Taylor asks Spock if he is from Berkeley as soon as he gets in, and he goes, "I am not." And Kirk says he has memory problems too, which was a pretty funny exchange. I yeah. really like that. Um, she asks Kirk where he's from, and he says Iowa. Uh, like Slipknot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he actually says like Slipknot. And she's like, what are they? <laughs> oh, she's like, oh, oh, you kids may not get this now. But, or, or you may not get this now, but your kids will. Kids are going to love it. Yeah, I don't know. The Back to the Future line. Here's, uh, here's Wait and Bleed. I think you might like it. <laughs> it's pretty tight. <laughs> pretty tight. All the words you're saying make no sense to me. Uh, Oh, you like whales? Well, how about this one? Humans equal shit. Um, so uh, she then asked Spock, uh, what Spock meant about the whale's extinction. And Kirk says he meant if things go as they are, the humpbacks will disappear forever. But Taylor recounts what Spock said exactly, including referring to the whales as already extinct. Kirk promises that they have nothing to do with the military teaching whales to retrieve torpedoes or, quote, dipshit stuff like that. And Kirk says, no, ma'am, no dipshit, which is a great line. I really mm-hmm. love that. Um, dude, all the there's so every line, dude, every scene. Has yeah, this is a tight script. Like, it's, like, it's so a very good. tight script. Like I was like writing down lines that I liked in the film and it just got to a point where like. Every scene has a great line in it. At yeah. least one. You just wrote the entire <laughs> Yeah, you script. just have the script and you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. This is copywritten. Um, <laughs> Spock then blurts out the fact that Gracie, the whale, is pregnant, which causes Taylor to slam on her brakes, stopping the truck in amazement because this is something nobody outside the Institute knows. She demands to know how Spock knows this. And he says, well, doctor... I impregnated her myself. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, what do you think I was doing in the tank? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he just wiggled on in. Mm-hmm. Just a little body. <laughs> it's a big pussy. I just fucking stuck my whole thing in there. Um, Kirk says he can't say, but if she gives them a chance, 
he'll promise they're not in the military and have no harmful intentions towards the whales. All right, guys, I just met. I believe you. <laughs> and she's like, all right. Uh, he, he then says that they may be able to help them in ways that she can't even imagine. Dr. Taylor figures she probably won't believe it either. Kirk and Spock manage to agree that she's not catching them at their best. Kirk then suggests that they all go out to dinner and discuss this further. Taylor asks if they like Italian food, and Kirk says yes, right as Spock says no, in a very, um, what's that episode of fucking Voyager with the hologram right. and fucking Harry Kim and Tuvok? Oh, or, yeah. Are you, like, two, are you two, two friends? Yeah. Yes, no. Uh, I think they do the yes, no thing a whole yeah. bunch where, like, Kirk is like, yes, we like Italian food, and Spock is like, no, Italians are not logical. Yeah, I mean, Italians don't exist in the future. I hope. I mean, have you, has there ever <laughs> been an Italian member of Starfleet? No. Uh, Italians don't exist. Italian stuff. Yeah. We put the dilithium in the <laughs> reactor core. Like, that's, prob- that, that, that's probably what unified the world is like right. someone eradicated <laughs> Italy. Italians. Uh-huh. Italians. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and that's what brought around world peace. Uh, right. A replicator, make one pizza hot. <laughs> Food not allowed. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, I'll take spaghetti. <laughs> Command not recognized. Uh, yeah, so that scene um, where they say yes and no at the same time—that was apparently that was a mistake. It was improvised. Oh. They were apparently both supposed to give the same answer, uh, but mm. then when they didn't give the the same answer, and then they did their little thing where they both kind of go back and forth on it. Uh, they ended up really liking that take because it, so it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. It's very funny. Oh, no, it's it great. Natural. Perfect. Like it's better yeah. than I'm sure whatever they had written. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so in the meantime, uh, Scotty and his team have managed to find a manufacturer of large plexiglass walls. Plexicorp, the greatest name for it. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, in- they filmed this scene in an actual like plexiglass factory in like I think Santa Ana, California, and the mm. the plexiglass factory that they filmed in actually provides plexiglass for aquarium tanks to the monterey bay aquarium so that's how they they found those people so it's all connected oh wow cool i hope osha came down on them though i i do because uh he Mm -hmm. and mccoy masquerade as scientists from edinburgh uh, to take a plan of the tour unbeknown to the plan's head dr nichols who like all of them arrive on a fucking forklift Mm -hmm. and they're transported around the factory on the tour by a forklift which is like as a certified forklift operator mm-hmm. that is against the rules that is unsafe behavior mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh whoever was driving that forklift should have their license revoked yeah Thanks you know it, it this out, movie Dad. concentrates on whales out. in the ocean but it should be concentrated on osha you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. scott scotty makes a scene but is given a tour of the plant by nichols uh and scotty playing the role asks if McCoy, his assistant, can accompany. Nichols says he can, and as he commandeers a forklift for them to ride on, tisk tisk. McCoy tells Scott, "Don't bury yourself in the part," which must it's have been very t- confusing to the the plant manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says and, it really and, loudly. Like mm-hmm. that, yeah. dude definitely like, heard that. Don't let know? the guy know you're faking who you are, Scotty. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we're you're already Scottish piece of shit. We're already dressed like freaks, and uh, we just like somehow talked our way into meeting the head of this company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't fuck it up, and then. <laughs> so suddenly, in a scene that like doesn't really i mean it pays off but we don't know how in any way sulu approaches a helicopter pilot and begins speaking to him 
about the old Huey 204 helicopter on which the pilot is working. The pilot asks Sulu if he's flown any, and Sulu says he's flown a few <laughs> here and there. Uh, <laughs> Sulu then tells the pilot that he flew something similar during his academy days, and the pilot recognizes that the helicopter must be old to him, which Sulu admits, but <laughs> says it's still interesting. Yeah. He then asks if he can ask a few questions, and the pilot agrees to answer them. End of scene, I guess. Well, so this was originally not the end of the scene. <clears throat> the scene was, oh, was okay. supposed to be uh, that as soon as the pilot turned around and walked away, Sulu was supposed to jump in the helicopter and fly away with it. Oh, that's, but, that's right. You told me that. Mm-hmm. But Sulu, or uh, George Takei, had run the San Francisco Marathon the day before and was too um, sore to jump in the into the... the actually... So, clarification there. He didn't actually run the San Francisco Marathon. The San Francisco Marathon is just a phrase for when you take 26 dicks in a row. <laughs> um, yes. The marathon was on him. Yeah. 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 And so, so they, instead of running a train, they ran a, a San Francisco Marathon sure, on him. He's like, sure. oh, my ass is much too sore <laughs> to sit in that seat. And so, like, Harv Bennett's like, all right, so just, like, lean on the helicopter, no, no, I guess, and no. ask so, a question. Wait, it's actually funnier. So what happened was he was too sore to jump into the helicopter, so they had a PA throw him into the helicopter, <laughs> but apparently, like, it looked really fake and stupid, and they filmed it, like, they tried to film it a bunch of times, but couldn't get it to look right, so Nimoy got pissed, and they, they cut the scene. They're like, well, and fucking Takei kept on getting horny. He's like... Stop using the big bear one to throw me in. It's turning me on. That'd be funny if they just threw like a very obvious dummy into it. So it's just like a dummy just like dead falling inside. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Shatner is on set. He's a fucking dummy. They yeah. threw him in there. <laughs> it just shows him go in and then suddenly shows the plane just take off and he's behind the controls. There you go. Uh, so or it's a helicopter. But also, uh, like, I think it's funny how they get like, they instantly get access to all of these very like, uh, things that are have very limited access, <laughs> right? Like it's it's a plexiglass company. Like they're not they don't have military secrets. I know, but they're on the they're on the floor, not any. They're on the production floor, not the waiting room. And also, they're all white people in the eighties. Like no one's questioning them. That's true. <laughs> they're like all Sulu, old white yes. men in the eighties. Did you get, my did you get your daily white dose man of- in the eighties? I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about the guys in the factory here. All right. Okay. Like, all right. All right. Like also, Sulu. Sulu doesn't actually have access. He steals the thing. Yeah. So. But uh, but I mean, he is able to just walk up to a helicopter and like how did like they just don't have helicopters just like yeah. But it's, hanging it's, out it's in and, San Francisco. He knows the code. Oh, he knows the code. That's oh, right. He knows the right, code. He right. he's wearing like a, a handkerchief in his back pocket. <laughs> oh, so this guy the, knows helicopters. The pilot. <laughs> yeah. And this guy like getting blowjobs in <laughs> helicopters. There you go. <laughs> Like it was a very specific hanky. Yes, it's the Blue Lives Matter hanky. Ah, <laughs> uh, the helicopter and blowjob and helicopters hanky. Got you. All right, you're go on in. <laughs> Need the keys to one. <laughs> you must have just done a San Francisco marathon by the look of you. <laughs> so back inside Plexicorp after the tour, uh, Scott tells Nichols that they have a very fine plant here. And Nichols compliments Scotty's impressive knowledge of engineering. Scotty then says he sees Nichols still working with polymers. Tisk tisk polymers. Mm-hmm. Nichols asks what else he'd be using. Scotty asks how big a piece of the plexiglass he would need to be at the measurements he gives. 
that they'll need for the Bounty's cargo bay, holding the pressure of the water, which will be inside. Nichols says immediately a six-inch piece would do it, which was, like, way too immediate. Yeah, the guy's but, an expert. No, not not <laughs> that much of an expert. Um, Scott then supposes, and also another thing here, why do they need it to be clear? I guess to, like, you know, see the whales, make sure they're there. Yeah, they got to make sure they're there. They have dude. sensors. They Check have so many sensors. They can tell if the whales are there or not, if they're alive. They can do their vitals. They don't need to see them at any point. You know, that's fair because, like, you know, they're only going to, they're, it's a very temporary yeah. situation. They could have just, like, yeah, put up metal walls. They could have just probably used the metal walls that were probably in Cargo Bay. Cargo Bay can probably be sealed. Like it's oh yeah, yeah, because it's the, like meant for space travel. So exactly. So yeah, mm-hmm. it could be. It could have just been sealed. Yeah. Oh man, good point. No, they're not seals. They're whales. Hey, oh, hey, hey. gotcha. Ah! Marine biologist, <laughs> fucked, bitch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna have to write a strongly worded letter too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you done fucked up. <laughs> this movie sucks now. I hope somebody gets fired. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the only person left working at Paramount from this film fucking gets the can. <laughs> Punished for a movie that came out over 40 years, <laughs> nearly 40 years ago. Um, wow, you're making me feel old. Yeah, you're making this, me this feel really fucking old, year before I was born, Pat, dog. Come on. <laughs> two years, I guess, before I was born, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're okay. two years till 40, buddy. Uh, uh, I feel good about that. So, although Scotty <laughs> mistakes the old computer... Oh, sorry, uh... So, oh, I love the Scott, computer. Scene yeah. So, so Scott, Scott then asks Nichols, uh, he asks if he can suppose a way he can make that wall with the exact same strength, but only one inch thick. And Nichols knows a thing or two about one inch. Let me mm-hmm. tell you. Uh, micro penis. At first, <laughs> Nichols thinks Scotty is joking, but McCoy suggests Scott make use of Nichols' computer, and he obliges. The computer is. Do you know what specific computer it is, Spencer? So it is, it is a Macintosh Plus. It is a Macintosh. Oh, it's just a Plus. Okay. Well, so okay, so there, I think that's, that's from eighty four, eighty five. Well, so there's actually a lot of context to this scene that you need to know about. Okay, so no, there's there uh, really isn't. There is. So apparently, they wanted they originally wanted to use a Commodore um, for this scene, but Atari would not, or uh, not Atari, whatever. Uh, they they wanted to use a Commodore, but they couldn't get one for free. Apple offered mm. to give them a computer for free or to loan them a computer for free to use in the film. So they gave them a, a Macintosh Plus. But they couldn't use the actual Macintosh Plus for the scene because they couldn't change the refresh rate on the display to match the filming. Oh, uh, they kept to, on going to match doing the cameras. Thing? So what they did is they actually gutted the Macintosh uh, the Mac Macintosh Plus, and they put an IBM CRT in there that they could control ah! the actual refresh rate on, and then the sequence of like Scott creating the like formula for uh, aluminum, you know, uh, transparent aluminum, that was actually created on another IM, uh, IBM PC, and then played back over the uh, the CRT to for filming. So, uh, despite the fact that it is a Macintosh Plus, it is not a Macintosh Plus. It's a his, history's first known dual boot computer, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, which is a fun... Dude, the whole sequence is so funny. Like, Scotty is mm-hmm. amazing in this scene. He's hilarious. Oh, yeah, he's like... 
Oh, a keyboard. How quaint. I've never used one of these. Perfect typing proficiency. <laughs> yeah. Click, 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 enter the end. Yeah, uh, it's so yeah, crazy. It's, it's and then, like, uh, so they did actually invent transparent aluminum finally in 2009. So that is a thing. I'll do the name. Um, cool. It's a real thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that him saying, uh, hello, computer, used to yeah. be my dad's uh, computer startup. Oh, that's so good. I love <laughs> it when he, like, picks up the mouse. He's like, Hello, computer. <laughs> so good. My God. Oh, my God. I, I, like, I watched this movie so much as a kid, and I, this was a scene mm-hmm. I always really liked. I always really liked Scotty as a kid because he was just so... He, oh, Scotty's so awesome. He's Everyone so likable in this, and he's not used mm-hmm. that much in the previous three films. Like This mm-hmm. film, he's mm-hmm. like in so much of it, and he's so fun. Like mm-hmm. His performance is just incredible. In my money, I think best performance in the whole movie. But... There's a lot of great performances in it, but he's just mm-hmm. amazing. So Nichols says it would take years to work out the dynamics of the matrix of transparent aluminum. But McCoy tells him he'll be richer than he can dream. Um, but then, uh, you know, Scotty pulls McCoy aside and says this is a clear, clear violation of uh, their principles. And moreover, yeah. the prime directive. Mm-hmm. Huge fucking violation. He's like, you realize director. you're going to change the timeline, right? And then uh, Scotty's just like, well, have you heard that song? Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> keep your damn, wow. keep your damn mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. for you. Um, so Scott then asks, how do they know that Nichols didn't invent transparent aluminum by himself? Hey, I don't know, man. That's part of the history. You could probably look that up yourself. And... Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I just entered it onto the Wikipedia, so yeah. fuck it. <laughs> um, so Kirk, uh, yeah, it's it's like McCoy agrees to Scotty's logic here, and they go off and make the deal with Nichols, which is just like, wow, like bad, a bad idea. Like... And, and this also creates another time loop, right? For transparent aluminum. Yeah, that's right. where another like, ontological to... paradox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like there's two completely separate time loops, and and in this one, uh, you know, they go back and like the fucking formula keeps on getting older and older until they get <laughs> into a reality where they've already invented it, and so he needs to make another deal with Nichols, and he's like. Mm-hmm. All right, check off, pull down your pants, <laughs> let Nichols do his thing. <laughs> I'm so tired, god damn it, it's so sore. And then Bones is just like, here, here, just take another pill, you'll be fine. <laughs> Grow another asshole, you fucking rooski piece of shit. He <laughs> uh, probably called him the other ha- R word. He, we'll he, he just has one of those like weak pill things and he just has a whole whole week of pills <laughs> like the or of the sphincter sphincter regrow pills just like oh. just monday through friday yeah monday he's through got friday. a timer on it <laughs> 7 p.m every day i grow the new asshole <laughs> um, huh? mm-hmm. so what you gotta do so, what you gotta do kirk and taylor bring spock back to golden gate park in her truck she asks if spock won't change his mind about dinner and spock wonders if there's a problem with uh the mind he has, which is a fun little joke. <laughs> and Kirk did, says, that's a little joke. This and, whole scene uh, where, they, where they're like, he's like, you could just leave him here. And she's like, here in the park? <laughs> in the park? <laughs> and no, she says, she says, like, in the park, in the bushes, 
And Kirk says, it's his way, which is like (laughs) just pretty much saying that Spock is cruising for dick in the park. Like, come on. It's San Francisco. It's a public park. Uh They're obviously cruising. And also he's wearing robes. He's wearing robes. robes. (laughs) Like there's like this big part section of the park that apparently nobody ever goes into because the fucking Klingon bird of prey is still physical in this park. It has the indentations on the ground and people can run into it. So like, like. Fucking in in like there's a, an area under here too because there's big landing gear that like people can go under and like explore and whatever but you can't see them under there and there's so there's like so much you can do with that space mm-hmm. and like how has no one run into it or like encountered it in any way like it's a public park in San Francisco mm-hmm. you know some like cruising dude would find that in five minutes mm-hmm. and like set up a temporary sex dungeon like <laughs> right underneath the landing gear you yeah. know yeah, probably. that no one could see but you could still fuck dudes in the park whenever you want mm-hmm. and see the scenery yeah the the public restrooms keep getting raided but not this invisible plane right <laughs> George Michael's like oh my <laughs> um yeah gonna wham oh yeah he's gonna wham all right uh wham bam thank you yeah so uh, sulu so they Uh, inadvertently make the the hottest anonymous sex spot in the park in san francisco they inadvertently spread aids far (laughs) far and wide throughout the 80s and 90s Uh um yeah taylor asked spock uh how spock knew that gracie is pregnant when nobody else knows that spock says that gracie knows she's pregnant and he'll be here in the park, cruising for dudes, sucking mm. dick in the bushes. Taylor asks Kirk if Spock is going to just hang around the bushes, and Kirk shrugs and says, it's his way. Uh, as Gillian and Kirk drive away, Spock is beamed back aboard the bounty, but he's like, send me back. I want some dick in the bushes. Uh, also, that if they could, if they just beam everybody in and out in the first place, why did they need to open the doors uh, in the beginning? And why, why did didn't they, they need to beam ride? from space? Yeah, why did they need to Why didn't to they ride? beam from space? There's so yeah. many questions there. Um, yeah, they always beam down from uh, from orbit. Yeah. Unless the fucking, like, atmosphere is ionized or something. Maybe there's too much pollution. Yeah. Maybe to save power because of the, of the, uh, the um, dilithium problem. But they didn't, didn't they not know that the dilithium was draining until they were on Earth? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's so, murky. To, to put Kirk it and Doctor Taylor are at a pizza restaurant, which apparently the uh, producers of the film mm-hmm. uh, there was not a, p- a pizza oven at mm-hmm. this restaurant, mm-hmm. and so the producers of the film specifically bought this restaurant a pizza oven so they would have <laughs> and a pizza installed oven it, for, and like, then it's on the it's on screen for five seconds, uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. then the restaurant That's... got to keep the pizza oven. And they, they yeah, yeah so apparently awesome. the yeah they made pizza after that because they got a free pizza oven. <laughs> I wonder if they're still around. I don't know. I'll have to look it up because I'm, I'm by San Francisco. If it, if it is still around, I will go there. Uh, yeah, you should see if they have like a Star Trek related pizza. Oh, that know. rules. Oh, awesome. uh, the Star Trek then, fourth uh, meal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Star Trek fourth meal. It's just like Taco Bell on top of a pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> 
you should see if they also still have those like dry ass breadsticks on the table. Oh, dude, yeah. It, What's was, up? With was that before stick? or after the Taco Bell riots? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, the the the, uh, the the fast food wars. Oh, that, yeah. oh is that right, what the yeah. bell riots were? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the Taco Bell riots in the fast food wars mm-hmm. are the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. just what kicked them off. That was World War Three. It was the fast food wars. Also, like, yeah. what kind of pizza restaurant has? Like you said, dry ass fucking breadsticks on the table. Who wants to eat dry ass bread and then eat like regular bread that's on the pizza? But no, like, yeah. what are I mean, doing? This, this to be fair, this is the eighties. They All had right. those breadsticks everywhere, everywhere, and I hated them. Mm. Like up until like I'd say like the late nineties, those breadsticks were at like every Italian restaurant yeah. everywhere. Okay, All I right. fucking I hated did, them. I did, have and they like sometimes they'd give you like. A cup of Caesar to dip them in. Eh. Not much better. Not much better. Yeah. Still sucked. Still dry as a as a Bones McCoy. Mm. Um, as, as McCoy's bones. But yeah. they ate the sh- also ate the shit out of them on Enterprise. That's yeah. Like that's true. like uh, Archer usually has them at his as his officer dinners. Like he just has those dry ass breadsticks and like Tapal eats them with a knife and fork. What? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Enterprise is crazy. Because <laughs> Vulcans don't eat with their hands. Okay, so this scene do. also includes, I think, my favorite little character moment of the entire entire movie, which is where <laughs> Kirk orders a Michelob, takes a sip, <laughs> and then gives this like look where he's like, "Oh my!" Like it's just like this look that he gives. Right, right after he <laughs> like, takes a yeah, sip, it's like, like, "What's beer?" He's like, "Yeah." So- he's like, "It's like he can't believe how good it is," and it's it's his it is William Shatner's single best performance I have ever seen. It's like- I I, th- I found it to be the opposite. Yeah. I, I think I thought he was surprised and like this is kind of repulsive. Yeah, like, like they he drink this. Looks like he tastes it and goes. Mm. Yeah, like really? He just has <laughs> this. this like, doesn't taste like Andorian ale or Orion pussy. <laughs> like, not, not any of the things I like. Um, uh, he's just so, so he he just has such a look about it, such a look. So about Kirk it. Mm-hmm. Kirk asks how a nice girl like Taylor ended up as a cetacean biologist. She says all the she, bad girls become cetacean. Oh, yeah, all the sluts <laughs> in high school are marine biologists. Also, he's all right, so I know you nasty. He's got to be like sixty five, and she is like. 30 at most like yeah but he, yeah. he excuse me he's 65 heavily airbrushed in a girdle yeah which is you know in the 80s that's like 58 that's brother. That, that's, that's like, every woman's dream yeah like a guy wearing heels and a pink shirt and a wig <laughs> you know what he, he's he's wearing he's wearing black heels and a corset i think i think we can confirm captain kirk is goth Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Except for, yeah. Except for, I mean, he's wearing very pink clothes. Shut up. He's pastel. <laughs> yeah. Goth. Pastel. Goth, <laughs> okay. For sure. For sure. Um, not just, not just to mention Doctor Taylor's haircut. Very hip haircut these days. Like Super it's hip. funny yeah. how hip she very looks. Permed. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She looked really. Yeah. She's cool. So yeah. uh, she says she is just lucky. Uh, to take care of the whales and is a sucker for hard luck cases, mentioning that while she'll <clears> never <throat> see the whales again after they're flown by special 747s and released in Alaska, they'll be tagged with radio transmitters so they can keep track of them. I uh, I looked this up. This is impossible. Yeah, this bothers me a lot. It is not possible. <laughs> so they would take them I, by I boat. actually like, kind of did the math, looked up transporting whales. They have transported whales by plane before, but the biggest ones they have done are two beluga whales, one of them about uh, 8,000 pounds, and one of them 7,000 pounds, uh, and then the water required. So uh, to do this, and they say in here, it would require, uh, you'd have to be able to haul over 400,000 pounds, which is 
a super <coughs> low estimate. Like yeah. for yeah. humpback whales and the water, mm-hmm. yeah. it's probably going to be more like a million pounds, which a <laughs> no no seven forty seven can hold. No, like the space shuttle can't hold that kind of weight. Also, like <laughs> like the the amount of like engineering and like specialty equipment necessary to do this would be just astronomical. Like, why would they just take mm-hmm. a boat? You're on or, the bay. No, 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 or just no. release them into the sea where yeah, they release are. Release them into the sea. Fucking yeah, where they are. They don't. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're fine in that water because they're. Guess what? They're in that water. Mm-hmm. Why did? Why do they have to take them to Alaska? I don't understand. Do they? We just need to get them closer to the Japanese whalers. What are you <laughs> fucking doing? The whalers are like, actually Finnish in this film, which makes extra no sense. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, we'll get to that. But yeah, in in real life, the Japanese whalers, but the right, actual right, reality. Right, right. Obviously, they should have taken a page from D- Operation Dumbo Drop and used a helicopter instead. True, right? And just like had fly them really fast so they don't. So they, you know, and then dip Ooh, and dip them every once no, no, in a no, while, no, like need, a tea bag. They there need to go. do the free willy <laughs> and just put them on back of a big truck and spray them down the whole time. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Or like, like they in do Moe's Tavern between the shots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They just pour like a Michelob on him, and he just like rehydrates for another forty-five seconds where they can shoot the scene. Daddy's thirsty again. <laughs> Water me like a plant, goddammit. Um, Did I see my cum is getting dry again? It's gonna come out like powder. <laughs> it's like, oh, why is talcum powder in the air? I just jerked off. <laughs> Hey, Bones, I was going to do a line. You want to do one with me? That's my fucking cum. (laughs) Don't do that, Bill. That's insane. You're going to get nose aids. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I mean, all the cocaine he does. Bones jokes aside, like, he is actually, like, more likable in this film than he has been in the previous three films combined. I I mean, Bones jokes aside... I probably love Bones more than any other character in the original Star Trek. He's pretty yeah. great. Like Bones, like, Bones is the the comic relief. He's the funny guy. He's like also kind of sad. You yeah. know, he's not like a, a fucking buckshot like fucking Kirk over. He's not a space cowboy. Mm-hmm. He's just a goddamn doctor, and he just wants to not do his job. <laughs> yeah. And living which is just brings which is living brings him pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's weird too that he's like kind of still on board to do missions because. Um, in was it the motion picture? He's like, they fucking drafted me. I don't want to goddamn work. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And th- now he's like, oh, the fourth mission. Yeah, all right, whales. <laughs> fuck it, let's do it. At this point, it does seem like elder abuse to just like, <laughs> like bring them on these things. It's yeah. just like, damn, just let him fucking sleep. Yeah, let him fucking wake up. You know, it's, it's like make what, coffee in the morning. It's like yeah. what Alex Kurtzman is doing to fucking uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, right. Patrick Stewart's like. Please, no more. I can't play this anymore. And Alex Kurtzman's like, one more season, old man. Um, yep. Gotta keep milking you. Uh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kirk says he can take the whales someplace safe. She then asks why Kirk hangs around with that ditzy guy who knows that Gracie's pregnant and calls you Admiral. She starts. It's to, a sex thing. Yeah, that's what obviously. He said. Yeah. Well, I met him in the park. See, um, she starts to it break. Gets him off to call me admiral. <laughs> she starts to break down uh, about the whales, uh, much like um, Jordan Peterson and Killing God. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Kirk's Klingon communicator starts to beep in his jacket, 
she's like, what's that? And he's like, what's what? Mm-hmm. Like trying to fucking like just gaslight get. her right there. Like, and then he's like talking oh, to, uh, to, he's just talking to him. He's like, I told you not to call me. He's like, me. oh, I was just, I'm talking to my sleeve. My sleeve is uh, it's a very special uh, jacket I have here that uh, takes, uh, takes notes. I'm taking, uh, it's got a note recorder in the sleeve of the jacket. Uh, <laughs> she's like, do you have a pager? <laughs> Are you a doctor? Um, yeah. So, Kirk finally answers the phone and feigns irritation, saying he said not to call me. I said not to call me, goddammit. Scotty is the one calling. He apologizes for the interruption, but he thought Kirk would want to know he's beaming Chekhov in a hurry now. Um, Kirk says to tell them to set their phasers on stun and wishes them good luck. Because, you know, if you're going to encounter the the U.S. military in the past, might as well, you know, injure them. Uh, Yeah. With your laser uh, guns. Hangs up the phone. Mm-hmm. Dr. Taylor asks for an explanation. That was my wife. <laughs> so, yeah, that was one of my wives. Um, mm. I took a little bit of LDS, if you know what I mean. I don't, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I am an elderly man with responsibilities. <laughs> I've got a fucking family. Uh, Kirk asks when the whales are leaving for Alaska. Gillian asks who Kirk is, and he asks who she thinks he is. Taylor then speculates he's from outer space. Great guess. Um, uh, one of my favorite lines here, he goes, uh, I'm actually from Iowa. I just work in outer space. Great, mm-hmm. great Incredible line. line. Uh, I, actually, I think the line is, I'm from Iowa, like Slipknot, <laughs> but I work in outer space like Leprechaun 4. <laughs> exactly, exactly, uh, yeah. But also, if you think about it, like, this is the most insane conversation, most, like, that a woman's ever had with a man, uh-huh. and it's, she's totally into it. Yeah. Right? And she's not, like, being like, okay, well, uh, I gotta go, you know, I gotta go to the bathroom and just, like, escaping out the back. She's just, like, totally enamored. Mm-hmm. And hanging on every word of this psychotic well, old man. <laughs> well, that's that's because he slipped something into her Michelob. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> he, he did a Cosby on her, and she's like, like "Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but it feels like I'm growing more kidneys." <laughs> <laughs> my asshole like, oh, shit. is that was supposed to grow into a second my bubble. body. No, I yeah. thought that was the checkoff pill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were gonna have double the fun later. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, it was the 80s, right? Like she didn't have a lot going on in her life. Like some yeah, weird old man bored, wants yeah. to like, eat, have her pay for his pizza. So she's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I don't have any money, so buy this food for me. Right. And then he takes uh, so, the pizza later. That's my favorite thing. Like, he, he makes her pay for box. the pizza, and he takes it. <laughs> so Taylor said she was sure outer space would play a role sooner or later. Kirk then decides to tell her the truth to try and gain Taylor's cooperation in getting the whales. Kirk does a stupid laugh and reveals who he is by her calendar from the late 23rd century. And he's come back in time to bring two humpback whales with him so they can repopulate the species in his century. Taylor is enthusiastic about getting the details while not believing a word of it. Kirk asks again when the whales are leaving. Taylor decides to go ahead and she says, oh, what the heck? Uh, They're leaving tomorrow. Uh, and tells that uh, Kirk that Gracie is not just pregnant, but very pregnant, mm. and that at noon the next day, the whales will be shipped out. <laughs> at that point, Kirk jumps up and tells Taylor they have to leave, just as the fucking pizza arrives. Right. Uh, Gillian asks if they can have it to go. 
And uh, the waiter says, my least favorite line in the film, something a waiter should never say, who wants the bad news or who gets the bad news, Mm -hmm. which is asking who gets the check, which is like. I hate that turn of phrase. I hate that, that so much. That seems I've heard like a it very like eighties thing. Like right, yeah. it's so eighties yeah. and it's so dumb. And it's like you couldn't split the check back then, I guess. So, and Kirk is like, I don't have any money. I'm a fucking bum. <laughs> yeah. She's like, God damn it. Yeah. No, she okay. she makes oh. like a line. She's like, she's like, I bet they don't have any money in that future where you're from. And he's like, Yeah, actually, they I'm don't. Like, nope, they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have the Chekhov's asshole money or glasses money, depend on which uh, temporal loop we're in. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know, oh. I don't want to spend that on fucking pizza. So it only shows right. them you... acquire the one pizza to go, not the two pizzas that mm-hmm. they ordered. Yeah, because he ordered oh, the yeah. same pizza as her. Although, he, like, he ate his in the car out of him, <laughs> <laughs> and then took the second one. He's yeah. like. I'm so fucking hungry. What's this? What's this? You have cheese? Yeah, we don't have that in the future. Fucking everyone's allergic. God damn, I'm gonna shit my pants off. This girdle starts breaking against. <laughs> Yo, I bet those I bet those Klingon toilets can handle it though, to be honest. Yeah. It's like once you've had a gawk shit, you, oh, you yeah. until you've had a gawk shit, you don't know what it's like to shit. <laughs> like the bowl is twice the size. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. Like, it has it has dampeners on the side. Uh, there's, inertial there's like dampeners braces. in the toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> inertial. <laughs> Scotty has to make a deal to get the special materials to make the toilet to reinforce it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. but again, um, this is like more like okay. He 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 he's wearing heels. He's talking like a psychotic person, and he doesn't pay for the food we ordered. Yeah, he rocks. Dude. I'm really oh, also, rock. he is I, more than twice rock. my age. But <laughs> yes, I am still into this. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm gonna see where this goes. All, All right. right. Seems like a so. catch, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna pursue it. So, uh, Chekhov and Ahura are beamed aboard the Enterprise, the Navy ship, not the one that blew up in the last film, mm-hmm. and hide briefly from a guard and his dog. Why do they have dogs patrolling the ship? I don't, I, I don't weird. think they have I don't, dogs. I don't think that happens, yeah. right? That's yeah. super weird. Even if it's docked, I'm not sure if they have dogs. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, also, if but, they're doing something with docking, why didn't they send Sulu? <laughs> 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 um... So but, they, yep. oh, I was gonna say like, but yeah, having the dog there is like you know threatening. So. Oh, you know why? It's because they have white women on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they finish their way to the nuclear reactor, and Chekhov attaches the collector to the reactor. When Ahura asks how long this is going to take, Chekhov says it will depend on how much shielding there is between them and the actual reactor, which uh, apparently is not much. We'll get into that later. Uh, back at Golden Gate Park, Taylor tells Kirk that uh, was the briefest dinner she's ever had and makes it clear she doesn't believe Kirk's story at all. Kirk asks what the whale's radio transmitter frequency is, but Taylor refuses to tell him, citing that's classified cla- classified information, which is like, what can he do with it? Like, what is he actually going to do with the whale's radio frequency? Uh, track them when they're out and see. I know, I know, but like, what's the worst he could do with that? Why, oh, why does yeah. she not trust him with it? Like, does she think he's gonna like kill the whales? Also, that is again with like the insane conversation that they're having. Like, 
then it ends the night with like i want the whales radio frequency yeah it's like <laughs> i don't want your number i want the whales number yeah give it to mm-hmm. me it's like this is this is just like a normal normal date that totally i'm totally normal <laughs> older man mm-hmm. um so kirk then tells dr taylor that he is here to take two humpbacks to the 23rd century and if he has to do so he will go to the open sea to get them but he'd much rather have hers as it would be better for him, for her, and for the whales, which he's not wrong. He's not wrong. One's in captivity, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gillian, once again, implores Kirk to tell her who he really is, but he ignores the question and asks her to think about this, but not to take too much time. And if Gillian changes her mind about helping them, he'd be right there in the park. And she's like, right here in the park? And he's like, well... You see that man in the bushes over there? <laughs> there in the park. Um, as Taylor drives off, Kirk walks towards where the bounty is parked, and Taylor hears the transporter beam taking Kirk aboard and sees the light in her the periphery of her vision from the corner of her eye. She looks back and sees Kirk gone and drives on bepuzzled. <laughs> aboard the bounty, Kirk asks for an update. Spock says the tank will be finished by morning. And there has been no word yet from Chekhov and Hura since Beeman. Kirk grows frustrated that they are so close with two whales that will work great for them if they don't let them slip through their grasp. Spock says there is a possibility then their mission will fail. Kirk reminds Spock he is talking about the future of everyone on Earth. And as he walks away angrily, asks Spock that as he's half human... Does he not have any feelings about that? Mm -hmm. McCoy and Scott look at Spock, but he does not answer and simply stands there contemplating Kirk's words. Still haven't, I mean, he's still like, um, Spock's still adjusting. You know, he only learned the bar trivia Mm -hmm. and didn't think about like, you know, rational thought and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. He's not thinking things through here. It's really, really weird to me. It's weird that he didn't have any like emotional problems controlling his emotions, you know. Yeah, because right. he, he always did like when he was growing up before, but mm-hmm. this time he like mastered that shit in three months. Yeah, it's super weird. It's super weird. Well, I but mean, hey, it's because it's he, had the, he, he had the pond fart. It's a pussy. Well, for sure. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the difference is in that reality, he actually had the pawn far early, mm-hmm. whereas uh, apparently in TOS, it said he didn't have pawn far until like much later. Mm. And so, uh, which makes me wonder, is there now a time loop with uh, Savick's pussy? Uh, Not really. No. I didn't go back <laughs> to that. But, um, <laughs> I mean, we, we, can, we can hope. We can hope. Yeah, but the closest yeah, that, we that can Vulcan get is Chekhov's asshole. So you know, <laughs> you know what? It's gonna have to work. It's gonna have Open to, up, Chekhov. Make it, make do. Oh, please, not again, Captain! <laughs> Shut up and take your pill. <laughs> put a, put on your little boy outfit. <laughs> Shut up! Or I'm gonna make you take a third pill. Have a third ass pipe. <laughs> uh, so McCoy and Scott look at Sp- uh, no. So Chekhov and Ahura, back on the Enterprise, the Navy vessel, continue to collect the photons. Um, On the Enterprise bridge, um, their crew attempt, uh, their attempts have been noticed in the form of a power drain evidently coming from somewhere on board, and the Enterprise crew begin investigating. 
Meanwhile, in the reactor area, Chekhov and Ahura have gained enough protons, and Ahura calls for transport, but the signal is very weak due to the radiation. Because apparently this radiation is not very well contained. No. Well, I think um, it's in that weird device that they created, right? Like, it's just not well contained mm, in that device. Maybe. As I said, it's not well contained. So everyone here should be dying of radiation poisoning. <laughs> the 80s. You know, that's just yeah, how they had it was extra back radiation then. resilience back then. Yeah. You know, Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, yeah. fucking you know, Chekhov, Chernobyl. Right. You get yeah, it. Exactly. Not Ukraine exactly close enough. close enough. Russia and Ukraine are the same in the future if Russia has their way. We'll see. Uh, that was very political, guys. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, the Enterprise crew confirm the power drain, and the deputy officer calls the commanding officer and reports intruders on board. Uhura finally makes contact with Scott, but as power is down to minimum, he'll have to transport them out one at a time. Chekhov sends Uhura first with the Collector. Uhura transports out safely with a Collector, but due to the radiation, Chekhov's beam-out fails. And as soldiers converge on the reactor area, Chekhov continues to try to contact Scotty, but his signal fails, and he is discovered and taken prisoner. Uh, and I want to say this is like more screen time here than Chekhov has gotten in all of the previous films combined. Yeah. And he's, he's killing it. I thought he was great. Uh, in this yeah. Film. Really like, yeah, pretty good. Um, I mean, I'm sure he didn't want to do the back alley scenes, but you know, uh, you, do, you gotta do what you gotta do. It's for the future. Yeah, it's for it's, all of humanity. It's just, a, it's just a shame. They didn't make it to the movie. Yeah. All that work um, on the cutting room floor. Yeah, all those right? pills. All, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> those pills used for naught. Yeah. Oh, I mean, bo- both the butthole pills and the prep. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chekhov is held for investigation. Uh, Chekhov kept his Starfleet ID with him, which is discovered by the investigator, even though Kirk is like, hey, don't do that. He yeah. did that because he's a fucking idiot. But I mean, like, also, like, those novelty, um, you know, novelty fake IDs. You know, it could have just been like, oh, I got to that joke store. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, I am, my, my name is McLovin. Yes, <laughs> uh, Chekhov, uh, why he's on the Enterprise and what the communicator and phaser are for. Chekhov simply reiterates the truth about being a commander in Starfleet and gives his rank and serial number. Which, why? Yeah, right? right. What's like, that going to do? Um, <laughs> like, right. like, oh, this guy's going to be hard to break. Here's all my information. <laughs> we think he's a Russian, but he's saying he's from space, and he might be right. Like, what? No. No one's mm. going to believe you. Um, the investigator and his aide see that he's obviously Russian, but the main investigator says about Chekhov in what is absolutely my favorite line <laughs> in any Star Trek film, of course he's a Rusky, but he's a retard or something. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, I was like, I could not believe that line was in here. I was laughing so hard. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had to that. pause and jerk yeah. off every time that line played. Uh, Pat was not comfortable when I did it. Again, you locked me in the room and wouldn't let me leave. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Close the windows. Okay. I'm like, you're trapped in here with me <laughs> and my cum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, so while they're distracted, Chekhov picks up the phaser and tries to hold the investigator's uh, at it, saying if they don't lie on the floor, he'll have to stun them. The investigator tells him to, oh, oh, you're fucking phaser? Fucking do it. Do it, Rusky. Chekhov apologizes for what he's about to do and tries to fire, but the, radi- the radiation has disabled his phaser. There's so much radiation! Like, 
this this would kill them. Like <laughs> the radiation from a warp core does absolutely nothing to a phaser, but a fucking regular nuclear reactor on a fucking navy ship is like doing. I don't understand. Also powerful enough, like a weapon from the future mm-hmm. is disabled. Mm-hmm. A, like a. A, a weapon that is a disruptor phaser that works mm-hmm. on a molecular level that one would consider is probably a nuclear weapon. Yeah, right. In fact, I don't see any way it could be a non-nuclear <laughs> weapon, really. So, what the fuck? I don't, yeah. I don't know. And even still, like, uh, in watching footage of, like, them uh, clearing the rubble off, like, they originally tried using um, uh, robots, and, like, there's footage of them using the robots to remove the rubble, and they do work for a little bit before they die. So and that was like lots of radiation, like insane amounts. And like, so supposedly like that little thing that they used to drain was able to kill all of their electronics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I either, I don't buy it or like what the fuck is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just, there, just, are, just, are all their uniforms like, like made out of lead and like everyone like else in the ship like goes home and like has birth defects. Well, shit. I think it's, it was just the radiation from the collector that did so, like, it. Yeah, exactly. What they but should like, have done. Well, I guess Ahura like left with the collector, but mm-hmm. any, but anything that's radioactive leaves oh, trace yeah. radiation. So mm-hmm. that yeah. room would be fucking full of radiation, the room where they found Chekhov. Mm-hmm. So they would have come in and they would have all died. <laughs> so right. I just, I, I, whatever. What they should have done just, is when Chekhov, Oh, okay, never mind. Actually, I got that confused. That happens later. I was going to say, like, when he falls, he, like, damages his phaser. But, like, that's after this. So. Yeah, that that would have made sense. But, yeah, that is after this. So, yeah. uh, he's so ir- irritated that he falls and just explodes mm-hmm. into a million pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like the dude in RoboCop. Right. That would be <laughs> right. rocking. Exactly. So, uh, Chekhov attempts to escape captivity by just running. Uh, but just before he can get off the Enterprise, he falls off a ledge, landing in the ship's elevator shaft, and is critically injured. And you know what? Mm-hmm. That's a great place to take a fucking intermission. Yeah, it is. Hell yeah. And I think this is a great place for the Klingon <coughs> word of the day. word of the day is tuch which means shame to put that in context <laughs> i experience great tuch when i try to tell people that i am on a star trek podcast <laughs> you tell people you're on this podcast <laughs> i know that's my mistake right like yikes <laughs> big yikes buddy tremendous Woo. yikes this is between us three and God. Right? <laughs> right, right. And you know what? I think Kirk kills God in the next film. So I've, uh, yeah, just us three now. Also Reddit mods. <laughs> Don't forget Reddit mods. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We will get into that eventually. So I'm, I'm going to do a separate episode entirely about Reddit. Oh. Okay. It's going to be yeah. maybe a bonus episode, maybe a full episode. But literally, <laughs> I've had the Reddit for a week, and I can fill like two hours with shit I've seen on there. It's nuts. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love to see it. Yeah. Love to see it. All right. Uh, Tuch mach. Speaking well, of shame, are, are, let's... Uh, yeah, are we ready to uh, go back to the Tuch review? <laughs> let's mm-hmm. do it. 
Yeah, I have a lot of Catholic Duma. <laughs> Tramp right there. Love that. Star <laughs> Tramp. Star, Star Tramp. Tramp. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, so we're back on the bounty. Um, and uh, it, we might remember Chekhov has just been taken prisoner by the, uh, again, after taking a, a big fall yeah. and mm-hmm. critically injuring himself. So on the bounty, Ahura is desperately trying uh, to find any sign of Chekhov. Kirk comes onto the bridge and asks if she's found anything, and Ahura says she should never have left Chekhov behind. But Kirk tells her to keep looking and that she did what was necessary. He then contacts Scott and asks for a progress report on the recrystallization. Scotty says it'll uh, it'll be well into the next day, but Kirk says that's not going to be good enough and he needs to speed it up. But as we remember, I think from the last film, Scotty gives like eight times the estimate of right. what it's actually going to take, mm-hmm. uh, just just to like make himself look good. So <laughs> we know it's actually going to take like an hour, right? Uh, and he's he's just fucking around. He wants he to say he takes a nap. Yeah, he, yeah. take a nap. It's, it's, it's actually already done. He did it before they yeah, left. Eat some gach. <laughs> take a huge shit. Uh, you know, it, actually, the recrystallization was never a problem. He just <laughs> made it up to make himself yeah. look good. <laughs> He yeah. just, he's just excited to have everyone out of the ship and just be there and just be like, uh. Yeah, he just wanted to get uh, Chekhov injured. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> the fucking Rusky. <laughs> you know what else he is that starts with R? <laughs> Recrystallization expert. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Recrystallized. Yeah. Uh, so... Scotty says it'll... Uh, no. Uh, so Scotty acknowledges and mutters to Spock how Kirk is... In a wee bit of a snit, which I have never heard great. that phrase before. That's so Scottish. That's so Scotty. Yeah. Um, Spock agrees and offers that Kirk is a man of deep feelings. And Scott wonders what else is new. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Taylor arrives at the Cetacean Institute uh, and lets herself in. She then heads back to the aquarium where she is shocked to see no whales. Yeah. Uh, I love it when she gets back. pissed at the, the dude, like her boss. She's like, yeah. you son of a yeah. bitch. She says it so yeah. convincingly. So, it's fucking rad. So, yeah, she runs back inside horrified, only to be intercepted by her boss, Bob Briggs, <laughs> who tells her uh, that to avoid a mob scene and the press that the whales were taken away during the night before uh, – and he felt it would be easier on you on her. Sorry. Mm. Uh, in tears and anger, Taylor slaps Bob Briggs 
across the face and goes, you son of a bitch! Dude, it's awesome. <laughs> Which is like the most capital A acting in this entire mm-hmm. Dude, fucking movie. her performance, great. Like, she's great in this. Yeah. I, I really like her. Yeah, she is great yeah. in this movie. Honestly, I feel like this was a little overacted, but I liked it nonetheless. The intensity of yeah, it. I can understand. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I liked this scene quite a bit. Um, she, yeah. She's just like... She plays a very impassioned person about whales. She loves whales. She fucking mm. loves whales. And I believe it, 100%. She, she loves whales in my, like, old man dick. We she don't might know. like them saggy balls. My, like, old man. She wants them saggy balls on her, on her head. <laughs> and she, she loves them so much that she, go, that she goes and follows them into the future. Yeah. And, you know, and she probably's like, I don't have any friends or family. And then, like, her husband and children like where's mom <laughs> she, she's she's still uh working at work honey i don't know she just disappeared yep yep <laughs> last thing the whale yeah last mysteriously thing she did was slap her boss in the face and call him the son of a bitch and just disappeared oh yeah he's, he goes to prison <laughs> he's playing for her murder yeah, yeah that's a good point because people yeah. notice her gone right yeah oh we'll get into that we'll get into there uh so <laughs> So she storms out of the Institute, um, <coughs> getting back in her truck, and then speeds off to the park in hopes of finding Kirk in the bushes. Sulu, meanwhile, somehow just has a helicopter. Uh, well, he the was, one he was speaking yeah. to the pilot about earlier. And mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't cover like how he got this. He just like talked to the guy, and then yeah. suddenly Sulu has a fucking so helicopter. Said, so like, we can assume we can assume he sucked his dick. Probably. Right? Probably. Yeah, like I was actually going to say something pretty similar, which is that like no. we know it is established Sulu is a capable person who can get things mm-hmm. done. We saw the establishing shot of him in the helicopter talking to the dude. So when he showed up with the helicopter, I was just like, yeah, he got the helicopter. I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. it, well, it's no, fun. actually, uh. The the guy was actually uh, one of the guys in the San Francisco Marathon. So uh, he was like, yeah. I okay. guess I owe you one. Yeah. <laughs> Because I gave you one, actually, too. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a and C, the hepatitis. <laughs> like, I, I feel like uh, this scene would have been better if we did get that scene of, of Sulu stealing the helicopter. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. this, this would have been better. But that's, like, really, I think, my only real criticism of this movie. Like, I, I yeah. yeah, everything else is mostly fine. Yeah, and they could have, like, you know, it, it, they didn't have to have him, like, leaping into it. Like, they could have, like... Yeah, he could have just stole it, like walked to the helicopter and stolen it. Yeah, right? like he like he could have been like, "Oh, can you hand me that?" And then the guy like turns his back for a second or walks somewhere, and he just like gives oh, yeah. like, gives a look, and then like next thing you know, he's like flying away. With or it. he like steals <laughs> a uniform or something. You know, they could yeah. have done something with it. But or he ruins the guard. Take a break. I'm gonna take over. <laughs> At the same time, the the movie is a very tight two hours. Yeah. And so it, yeah. Yeah, it's I, I'll I'll forgive it uh, just because you know it it works out fine. Yeah. And did we need more Sulu? Stealing I, I would if they kind it would have been if they gave him like a one liner like it could have been a fun scene yeah like because because like Takei mm. is fun in these movies like he's good in them yeah he is and definitely so like <laughs> I don't know I think it could have like because you know in the in the previous scene he gets that scene where he's like don't call me tiny you know like yeah. I feel like if he got mm. another scene kind of like that and stole a helicopter that would be pretty tight but you know it's fun. yeah like how'd you get it and then. It- there's a quick cut to like the, that guy like just tied up in a closet, <laughs> like oh, with his pants yeah, down. His pants down. <laughs> I have my ways. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so Taylor arrives in the park and begins yelling for Kirk. When she sees the helicopter lower itself down, 
And then she sees a man <laughs> who Scotty seemingly appear waist up out of thin air. I would just shoot myself. I'd yeah, be like, I'd, I'm losing I my mind. I would walk into the ocean, yeah, but, then, yeah. but then I'd run into the fucking bird of prey yeah, and be yeah. like, what? And then look under it, and it's a fucking sex dungeon, and be like, all right. Yeah, I'm literally losing my mind right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's actually, it's funny, that's what I thought when I was watching this scene. I was like... I see. If I was in this position, I'd be like, cl- clearly, like fucking, I'm lo- I, I'm, I'm insane now. Like mm-hmm. I'm an insane person. Like, what is happening? The, the whales were the only <laughs> thing keeping me sane. Like, it's over now. All bets are off. Not my, not my husband and children. <laughs> <laughs> Just the whales. So yeah. after being stunned for a very brief moment, Taylor begins running towards uh, that spot where she's kind of seeing the helicopter. Uh, still screaming for Kirk when she bumps into something invisible with a giant indentation on the ground, like where it is. Okay, so I got to say something really quick. As a person yeah. who has run into a thing that they did not realize was there, like while walking quickly, it is. She would have gotten. It hurt. is incredibly fucking painful. Like, dude, yeah, that shit yeah. sucks. I was walking really. She would have so, broken her nose or something. Did you break I, her I nose? I almost broke my nose. I, I was. I was yeah. walking really fast uh, down a street in the dark, and there was a light pole that I did not see, and I walked right into it. I smashed my face into it. I broke my glasses, scratched up my face. Like, my whole face was all, like, puffy and bloody for, like, three days. Jesus. Like, it was insane. It was, like, fucking crazy. Uh, so, yeah, walking into shit sucks, and it is incredibly mm-hmm. painful. Uh, <laughs> dude, she would not have been as chill as she was. It looked like she smacked yeah, me like boobs first, too. Like. <laughs> yeah she was like she just like like acted like it was just like made out of rubber and yeah. it's not like that it's made out of like god knows what kind of metals <laughs> it's just like <laughs> she just dies <laughs> it absorbs her <laughs> so scotty notices uh taylor and yells down at kirk that they have a problem Kirk sees Taylor screaming for him on a monitor and then transports her aboard. And I, I can't stress enough how cheap and shitty and old this monitor is now. Like it is CRT. I is love the funniest CRTs fuck to see. It's, they're it's so, so aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know? They are. They are. It's like the Klingons like never got LED technology. That's the one <laughs> that thing. They rules, got warp dude. drive somehow. It's no canon. LEDs. It's canon. Oh, yeah. We love that. Um, <laughs> so... When Kirk sees Taylor screaming uh, and then transports her aboard, um, when Taylor materializes in the transporter, Kirk tells her, hello, Alice, welcome to Wonderland, which is like the worst line in the fucking movie. I hated it. And also, why would they transport her when they've been taking everybody up and down on the fucking stairs? Except for Spock. It's her first time transporting. It's going to freak the shit out of her. Yeah. Like, I would shit my fucking pants. Yeah, I mean, she sees, like, a Scotsman hanging out of an invisible thing, and then she gets teleported. <laughs> and we all we all know that fucking Klingons, they don't have the biomatter filter either, which is why they smell like fucking shit, <laughs> right? And so, like, you know, it's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, she, she would have been, like, yeah, just, like, smashing her face against anything, just, like, just trying to end her life. And she She's probably getting so many, like, eradicated diseases all over that Starfleet, or not Starfleet vessel, but that fucking Klingon vessel. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm guessing Starfleet. polio and fucking. <laughs> yeah, Klingon polio. She gets, gets Klingon polio. <laughs> she's like, oh, God. So, um. Taylor is amazed then at what Kirk has told her before was true. Great. 
Uh, Kirk shows her the whale tank, and she tells him that the whales were taken that night before without her knowledge. She says that while they're in Alaska by this point, they're tagged, as she said before, and they can track them. Uh, but Kirk says that they can't go anywhere just yet. When Taylor wonders what kind of ship this is that she's on, Kirk says it's a ship with a missing man. Just then, Spock appears to tell Kirk full power has been restored. He then greets Gillian and welcomes her aboard, and Taylor can only nod back at Spock, seeing him without the headband for the first time and his ears and eyebrows exposed. Just then, an upset Ahura calls Kirk and says she's found Chekhov in Mercy Hospital. Chekhov is going to undergo emergency surgery, and he is not expected to survive. McCoy comes up and tells Kirk he's got to be able to go to the hospital and begs Kirk not to leave Chekhov in the hands of 20th century medicine. Uh, Spock comes up and tells Kirk he believes McCoy to be correct, and they must help Chekhov. Upon questioning from Kirk, Spock concedes that it is not the logical thing to do, but it is the human thing to do, which is weird because Kirk's like trying to goad him into not helping Chekhov, mm-hmm. which is like not good captain shit to do. Right, but whatever. right. At the same time, maybe he's like, I don't want Chekhov in the sequel. And, and again, like, he would also be like a medical anomaly because I'm sure he's vaccinated against a lot of different alien things. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like all sorts of weird stuff they'll find. He's got his, two buttholes. Got two buttholes, yeah, yeah, yeah. as we've been talking about. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they'll find like, like strange, odd, th- anomalous things in his body, but and leaving him behind. Even leaving his body behind would be detrimental to like Probably. preserving the timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Kirk asks if Taylor can help them. She asks how, and McCoy says they'll have to look like physicians. So, next, we go to the hospital. Uh, Bones, Kirk, and Dr. Taylor arrive, dress as doctors, and begin their search for Chekhov. This is such a While fun McCoy- sequence. Sorry. It is, mm-hmm. and they have the funniest music yeah, playing here, great. too. Yeah. It's like farce music. It's almost like Benny Hill music. And mm-hmm. we finally get, it's, we get it's, to see like a Bones just be like goofy and fun, mm-hmm. and he's really enjoyable in all of his yeah. interactions. So while McCoy walks down a hall, he passes by an elderly woman so who is in serious pain. <laughs> so good. He stops and asks what's wrong with her, and she says it's kidney dialysis. <laughs> dialysis? McCoy mutters, it's like dialysis is this a goddamn dark ages Uh, he then reaches into his bag and gives a woman a pill and tells her to swallow it and he says if there's any problem just give me a call and then gives her a little (laughs) pat on the face she takes the pill and he walks away Uh, Kirk and Taylor finally locate Chekhov and after meeting up with McCoy the three grab a stretcher put Gillian on it and cover her up and run for the elevator um, in the elevator, the, they're just saying a bunch of doctor names and talking doctor stuff. And the uh, fucking Bones is like, "This sounds like the goddamn Spanish Inquisition." <laughs> and uh, he's just surly, and it's yeah. really funny how much he hates 20th century <laughs> medicine. I do think it's funny, like they're just have like the doctors are just like having like a discussion of these like methods that they're using like and like like they would have like normal human conversation also like every doctor that they mention in their conversation has like a jewish last name and i'm like hmm Hmm." uh they reach the next (laughs) floor and when they try to go into the operating room or check office in they're stopped by hospital security uh taylor screams as if in pain because she's on the stretcher and 
McCoy tells the police guards that the woman has immediate postprandial upper abdominal distension. And the guards let them in. Kirk asked McCoy what he said, and he said that she had cramps, <laughs> which is pretty funny. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, McCoy steps he up. He, he, he he be doing a new boof goot. New boof goot. New boof goof. He's in that? his element because not too many not too many move, like movies or uh, take place in hospitals, and here he's just like freewheeling. He's just like this is this. I'm home now. Mm-hmm. Like I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I would love, I would have loved a uh, Star Trek medical drama starring Bones McCoy. <laughs> oh my God. That would have been so good. That would have been like House, but like actually Dude, good. Especially if through. he was dressed how he was dressed in the beginning of the motion oh, picture, yeah. where he just looks like the inventor of Disco cocaine. Stew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to quote that, that fucking Letterbox review. Yeah. Dude, that, uh, yeah. With his massive medallion. His fucking beard like, and the medallions. <laughs> and he's just walking around. He's just like, yeah, fucking take some pills. Yeah. If <laughs> you <laughs> feel bad, call me and I'll give you some fentanyl. Also, uh, this, do- this hospital ain't for the likes of your type. Green-blooded <laughs> bastards. Green-blooded piece of shit. <laughs> Green-blooded. Uh, don't you see the sign? No Vulcans. Beep. Beep. Uh, yeah. McCoy steps up to the operating table before the attending surgeon can start drilling into Chekhov's head. And you said that this doctor might have been played by Harv Bennett. Was that right? Yeah, Spencer, did you read anything I about didn't read that? Anything about like, that. Like, like, I guess this people do say that's supposed to be Harv Bennett in a in a um, small role or something, huh. but I'm not sure. Like, it was like it was kind of vague on whether or not it really was him or not. Yeah. yeah. So the surgeon demands to know who they are and then uh, what sort of device McCoy is using. McCoy diagnoses Chekhov's problem as tearing of the middle meningeal artery. The surgeon asks if McCoy's degree is in dentistry, <laughs> which is a great fucking insult to dentists. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's an anti-dentite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read the uh, protocols of the elders of dentistry? <laughs> That's the name of the episode. <laughs> that right there yep that's, that's it that's, that's too it. deep man um <laughs> mccoy gets angry and asks how the surgeon would explain a slow respiratory rate and pulse with coma and the surgeon says fundoscopic examination will be useless in this case oh actually bone says that uh, mm-hmm. the surgeon says the pressure can be relieved by a simple evacuation of the expanding epidermal hematoma McCoy passionately tells the surgeon that the artery must be repaired, and you can't do that by drilling holes into the patient's head. He then says the surgeon asks the surgeon to let him. Uh, sorry, he then asks the surgeon to put away his butcher's knives. But they were really more of butcher's drills. <laughs> mm-hmm. You think about it, and save the man before it's too late. And plus, like it's shown, like McCoy has his own set of like bone saws and everything else, and and his. Mm-hmm. True. But I mean, but they're they're high tech. Right? Oh yeah. They're not they're not butchers, they're surgeons tools. Mm-hmm. Um so the surgeon threatens to have the new arrivals removed, but Kirk takes out his phaser and says, Everybody, into the back room. And moves <laughs> them all into the back room and Is like, that a gun? 
Yeah, and then he like uses the phaser to melt the locks yeah. to lock them in there, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> There's no air in here, and definitely <laughs> not something that would like affect the future in any way. No, I mean, um, being held at gunpoint by the, with a uh, future by weapon. Phaser point, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then go. and then watching a bunch of random people help a, p- a potential Russian spy <laughs> by, <laughs> by by putting a weird plastic thing on his forehead. But you know? don't worry, because a woman just grew a new kidney. So. <laughs> yeah. um, that would have been funny if she just kept growing kidneys. It <laughs> <laughs> just like backfired. It's all kidneys. She's being she's being wheeled down the, down the corridor instead of being like, I'm better. She's just like throwing up kidneys and they're all just pouring out of her mouth. <laughs> I gave her one too many. <laughs> Oops, all kidneys. <laughs> Oops, all kidneys. Oops, that was the one for Klingons. <laughs> Makes you grow dumb. Uh, <laughs> Here, oh, Chekhov, shit. try this. I'm losing, my, I'm losing my medical license for this one. So, uh... I've been practicing medicine he, for 80 years. You think you can take that shit away from me? I don't think so. You're gonna have to try and you'll stop You'll pry it out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> you know, Bones is a little bit of a Charlton Heston type, or I think he sees himself that way. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they wheel Chekhov out of the room after uh, putting a thing on his head and apparently fucking peeling him. A uh, cortical stimulator. Is what they call this it. was a piece of a model that they had built for something else. I forget. What yeah, it looks like yeah. They like, yeah. tooled it into um, this prop. So uh, <laughs> when Chekhov comes to, Kirk asks him his name is Rank. Uh, Chekhov recites his name and gives his rank after looking at Kirk as Admiral. This is a great Maybe moment. teasing him, but may, but also maybe because Chekhov is like, you know, the R word now. <laughs> like, you know, they, they, fi- they, they fixed him, yeah. He's but he still has, you know, some brain stuff. Yeah, some oxygen didn't get to his brain uh-huh. time. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like to imagine that he was like, he's he's a little bit Russian, yeah. uh, you know. A little bit recrystallized. Give, Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> The real R word here. (laughs) When they bring him back to the ship, instead of putting him at his normal helm, they just give him, like, one of those, like, um, child preschool toys with, like, the color, (laughs) like, little shapes that, like, you can... Yeah, they just set it on top, and, like, like, they won't notice the difference. (laughs) Just putting the... Matching the shapes through the holes. Uh He's like, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. (laughs) That's my line. (laughs) That's my line. Um, so McCoy, Kirk, and Taylor come out uh, with Chekhov on the stretcher now. The guards ask how the patient is doing, and Kirk says he'll make it. One of the guards realizes that they came in with a woman and is like, hey, you came in with a woman. And uh, Kirk simply mutters, uh, one little mistake. Uh, the guards run in, see this surgeon and the others trapped in the little back room, and ask the guards to get some help as a patient has been kidnapped. Well, also, this is the <laughs> only phaser fire in the film is when Kirk uses his phaser yeah, to right. melt the yeah. lock on the door where he puts mm. the doctor. And that was, that was actually something um, both Nimoy and Harve Bennett agreed on right. early in the film's production is they didn't want any big villain and they didn't want any violence or phaser fire, really. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they just wanted, like, a really good sci-fi tale told cleanly which they did oh 100 I mean, like they, the intentionality so, of this cannot be you know yeah 
cannot be. Him. So realizing their cover has been blown, the three start running are running the gurney down the hospital corridors with the police guards after them. They run around several corners and pass the elder woman who McCoy gave the pill to, and she's happily telling everyone that a doctor gave her a pill and she's growing a new kidney, which has all the hospital doctors and nurses stunned and going, fully functional? Fully <laughs> functional. Um, yeah, like, again, messing m- messing with the timeline right? really bad. I mean, that, maybe that lady was fucking Lady Hitler. Maybe <laughs> like, she was. Maybe she needed to die. Yeah. And now yep. she comes to power and, like, creates a new fascist government. <laughs> yep. Bell riots never happen. Mm-hmm. Everything goes to shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's unstoppable with her super kidney. Yeah. <laughs> Jack in the box but, like, wins the fast food wars. <laughs> <laughs> no! Uh, so uh, they continue running uh, down the hallway, and when Chekhov tries to look up, Kirk puts his head back down on the gurney. A comical musical fanfare plays. It's mm-hmm. really funny. Um, it's really fun. So they run into an elevator, and the police officers run down the stairs, intending to catch them at the next level. But the four have disappeared from the hospital and have been beamed to safety while the elevator was in motion. Um, <laughs> and this is weird because they beam them to like right outside the ship. Yeah. Which is why would they do that? Why wouldn't they beam them onto the ship? To have the scene where they try to tell Gillian that she's not allowed to go into the ship. I, why, why wouldn't they like <laughs> go into the ship and be like, Gillian, get the fuck off the ship like, or beam, beam her, her or ship. not beam her onto yeah. the ship. Beam them onto the ship and not Gillian. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many things you can do here besides beam people into public in the middle of a park. Right. They could have beamed her back to her house and put her on her sofa or something. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> there was trash men there at night who witnessed them. It's yeah. the daytime in a busy park. And I think that's that's the one thing that really... Though they never show anybody in the park. No one's ever in the fucking park! <laughs> it's, I mean, like, was Golden Gate Park, did no one go there in the 80s? Is it some? Is it only a big park the 90s and later? Because I went there, like, I think, oh, I guess the early 2000s. No, everyone was watching them Star Wars instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. They weren't, they weren't enjoying the natural splendor of the uh, public parks of San Francisco. Watching them Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> they were just in the Star Wars and watching them porn theaters, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, watching them Debbie Does Dallas and the Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Hells yeah. They're they're testing out the early holodecks, the, the little wink, wink rooms. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hall of sweet. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a holodeck is what I call the strip club, and that's why I'm not allowed back in any strip club. No. Um, they got your picture plastered everywhere. Yeah, yeah they do. In the bathroom. All especially. along the West Coast, you're known. You're uh, known entity. Uh, so they... Um, Taylor wants to go with them, but Kirk says their next stop is the 23rd century. But Taylor, saying she has no one there, insists on helping the whales... <laughs> But Kirk won't hear it. He asks her again for the radio frequency of the whales, and ta- uh, Taylor tells Kirk it's 401 megahertz. Kirk thanks her for everything and then orders himself beamed up, but Taylor dr- jumps into his arms at the last minute as they're being beamed aboard. Mm-hmm. How did she know this was safe in any way? Like, straight up. <laughs> mm-hmm. They could have been like, it could have been like the fly situation. Oh, a yeah. Tuvix situation. Yeah, yeah or a Tuvix. Oh yeah. We don't need a Tuvix. Yeah. We and never need could have murked him, too. Yeah, it would have been a, um, uh, you know, you, Turk? you know that Turk? Bones would have been okay with killing that weird oh, yeah. creature. He'd be really oh. all right with it. He would have been like, so you're saying you got a dick and a pussy? <laughs> Can I, I mean, I can't relate, 
but can I suck it? <laughs> Just all of it? <laughs> well, I think he would have like definitely been excited about killing uh Jalian uh-huh. <laughs> Turk. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Turk. Yeah, Turk. Like Turk. That, yeah. yeah. Um, so on the bounty, Kirk and Taylor come onto the bridge just as Scott calls Spock to tell him that he's ready. Sulu is taking a few moments to readjust to the bounty's helm console, uh, as he got used to the Huey helicopter for like riding it for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Uh, Kirk accuses Taylor of tricking him, but Taylor says Kirk will need her. Tells Taylor to sit down and orders Sulu and Chekhov to take off. Get out of here. The bounty, still cloaked, lifts off from Golden Gate Park just as a couple of joggers are running by, and they get blown over by dust and wind. What, again, what the fuck is happening? Right, right. <laughs> like, they're just taking so many liberties. They could have, like, beamed in and out of upper atmosphere or anywhere else. Like, uh, I just don't get it. It's silly. It's silly. It's silly, but... Yeah, I feel like there's there could have potentially been abandoned building somewhere yeah. around San Francisco yeah. that they could have been around like a, a abandoned like lot or park or something that just like doesn't get a lot of traffic not like one of the most populous popular parks in all of the it, city it could have worked <laughs> if they had done like con like I mean, not constant but they had done like a couple cuts to like the the park and people like having weird experiences with the invisible ship in mm. the park you know what I mean like yeah. that could have been like a funny recurring gag, and it, I think it would have made it or, a bit or, better. I, I think I think we wrote it best. Sex right, dungeon right, under right. the fucking bird of prey. <laughs> fucking, uh, actually, yeah. I'm sorry. We're gonna call it from now on the bird of gay. Ah, oh, that's good. Uh, or, <laughs> or that would have also been fun. Yeah, like like um, uh, Scotty. He poses as a like uh, as a maintenance worker or something, and puts like caution tape all around it. Mm-hmm. And like says like oh this park part of the park is broken is uh shut down for a while or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could have been funny actually. And but then like there's like kids playing frisbee and a frisbee lands on top of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> and then like they're just like huh. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> someone throws like a ball and like their dog goes off. under and just like fucking disappears forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids are trying to throw balls over like the re- restricted area and it just goes. Uh, it would be right funny if, like, yeah, the like, some... like you said, like a, a kid throws a frisbee and it gets stuck up there, and they just see it sitting up there, and then like it keeps coming <laughs> yeah. back to more kids throwing different st- stuff up there, and then finally at the end <laughs> yeah. of the movie, Scotty pops out and he's like, "You got to knock it off, <laughs> you dang kids!" And then they run away. <laughs> you damn, yeah, kid. right. Like that would have been hilarious. I, w- I it would have fit yeah. with the tone it, of the movie, yeah. honestly. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, great. And it brings out a whole news crew, and the news crew is just like, we're trying to explain this bizarre phenomenon. That's I think it's, in the park. Some guy thinks it's like a UFO, the frisbee, like <laughs> yeah. the first night. Um, yeah, that would have been, yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, so the bounty lifts off into the skies above San Francisco and heads towards Alaska. <laughs> My home. Our home. His power settles in mm. and stabilizes. Kirk orders Ahura to start scanning for the whales on the frequency Gillian gave them. Couldn't they have just, like, scanned for whales? I don't know. Uh, when they reach the proper altitude, Kirk orders full impulse power, which Sulu estimates should get them to the Bering Sea in 12 minutes. Which makes me think, like, impulse power is a lot slower than I thought. Yeah, impulse Maybe. power is way 12 faster minutes. than that, bro. Like, that mm-hmm. I, I not, think it is, yeah. That doesn't... Yeah. 
12 minutes is like, it should be like a, a minute. Maybe like most, that's the fastest like. they can travel in the atmosphere without becoming noticeable. Mm. I, I was thinking, like, yeah, I mentioned that when watching it. with Which with, with would have been a there. better um, line there. So mm-hmm. Scotty reports the whale tanks are secured, but this will be the first time he's ever beamed up 400 tons before. Once again, it has to be way more than that. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely beamed up his mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Motherfucker. Um, so Shots fired, bitch. When Kirk asks why it's that much, Scotty reminds Kirk they're having to beam aboard not just the whales, but the water around them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk then checks with Ahura, but the whales haven't been located yet at the same time mccoy checks on spock who appears to be concerned spock that says that he has tried to use the calculations he used to get them from the 20th century as a reference when calculating the return to the exact moment they left the 23rd century but unfortunately there are some issues with the calculations that just aren't working out mccoy says spock will have to take his best guess Spock says, guessing isn't in his nature. And McCoy says, no one is perfect. Yep, Bobody's yep. nerfect. Indeed. Uh, Taylor recognizes the whale signal, and Ahura confirms it. Just then, she detects another signal, which is determined to be a whaling ship. Kirk orders the bounty into full power descent, and they arrive over the whales just in time to prevent a whaler's harpoon from hitting the whales. Uh, the harpoon bounces off of seemingly nothing, and the whalers are very confused. Mm-hmm. Also, um, they're speaking just then the bounty. They're speaking Finnish. They are speaking Finnish, mm-hmm. but, like, Finnish whalers don't exist. Yes, they do. They don't? Do they still here in, in, in real life? Do they exist? Yeah, yeah. So whaling is legal in Finland. Like, they actually... Oh, no, I'm, talk- I'm talking about off the coast of no, Alaska. No, no, I'm not off the coast of Alaska, <laughs> no. No, no, there's yeah. no way. There's absolutely no way this is a real-life thing. And, like, Alaska is far back as, I think, the, the 60s or 70s has had subsistence laws um, entirely about... Actually, yeah, that was part of the Native Act, which was in the late 70s. They've had subsistence laws to where the only people who are allowed to hunt whales in Alaska are natives mm-hmm. for subsistence. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's only some specific types of whale. I don't think uh, no, it's definitely it, not. I think it's sperm yeah, or something. No, no. Yeah, and isn't in Finland where they have that whole festival where they kill those smaller whales? Yeah. Is it? Did you guys yeah. see that thing? That pretty sounds pretty up. hot. Yeah, I'll probably masturbate to that later. <laughs> Check it out. But yeah, like they're just like they herd all the whale, those small whales, and just like kill them. It's oh, whole. Pretty fucked up. But yeah, it's part of their whole culture. Sounds sick. <laughs> um, just then, the bounty decloaks over the whaling ship, causing the whalers to panic and turn away from the whales in terror. Scotty asks for ten more seconds to redirect full power from all of the ship into the transporter. Scotty beams the whales and the surrounding water into the whale tank. The tank creaks but holds in the whales, uh, the water and the whales securely. Scotty tells Kirk they have full power, and as the bounty leaves Earth behind and enters warp kirk takes taylor to see the whales but first he stops and asks spock about his time calculations and because scotty couldn't give spock exact figures he says he'll have to make a guess this statement surprises kirk and he says a guess you spock extraordinary uh, in like yep. the dumbest delivery of any line yeah. of the film, and I, I gotta say, it this was it's a de- he makes some decisions when he's doing this line, and I really kind of liked it. I <laughs> I really uh, liked his performance 
overall, but this scene is no. it takes me out of it. This one, I guess you smart. It's so Shatner being Shatner. Um, yeah, and, like a uh, punctuation between every fucking word. It's so good, <laughs> and different punctuation. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, then he and Gillian leave immediately. Uh, Spock thinks Kirk is confused, but McCoy tells him that the expression means Kirk feels better about Spock's guesses than he would almost anyone else's facts. Uh, because, you know, uh, facts don't care about Spock's mm. feelings. And Spock's feelings don't care about facts. Mm. Oh, yeah. They just do it. They just do it dirty, baby. <laughs> Spock then understands it as a compliment and endeavors to make the best guess he can. As the whale tank, uh, at the whale tank, uh, with Scotty just kind of sitting there creeping on him, uh, Quirk, Kirk quotes a line from Whales Weep Not, which Taylor recognizes. And I'm like, how does anyone know this poem like 300 years from now? That's dumb as fuck. Uh, like only Spock would know that for bar trivia purposes. Well, he's, it's established <laughs> he's very then, good at bar trivia. So, you know. Very good. Yeah, very uh, good. Kirk then notes the irony of how in the past when men were killing the whales, they were destroying their own future. Scotty notes the whales seem happy to see Gillian and hopes she likes the tank. She calls it a miracle, but Scotty says that's still to come, like me. <laughs> and Kirk explains that their chances of getting home aren't great, and she might have been better off staying where she belonged, in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sounds like you are a little recrystallized yourself, my friend. <laughs> dude we're we're on hour three and a half here i am very recrystallized bro, at this point i am totally crystallized bro uh so taylor says she belongs with the whales and she is a whale biologist and suppose they do make it to the 23rd century who knows anything about humpback whales kirk says you got a point there uh just then the ship shutters and scotty reports a power fall off Kirk tells Gillian to stay with the whales and heads to the bridge. The ship is at high warp approaching the sun, and Scott reports the warp at 7.9, says it's the best he can do. Spock reports that not only can they not make breakaway speed, they might not even escape the sun's gravity, so he shall try to compensate by altering their trajectory. Mm -hmm. Spock then requests... Requests that requests mm -hmm. thruster control, which Kirk grants. At the right moment, Spock orders the thrusters fired, and the bounty again disappears behind the sun. We're back in the twenty third century. Hell yeah. yeah, we are. Everyone wakes up again, and Kirk asks if the thrusters fired. Spock reports they did, and Kirk wonders where they are. Just then, he hears the drone. Of the poopy pro as the bounty whoa. begins to lose power. As the ship's systems shut down, the bounty plunges through the Earth's atmosphere, and when McCoy wonders where they might be, Kirk can only tell him, out of control and blind as a band. Over at Starfleet Command, they fix the window. And the original transmission from Kirk to Starfleet fades. Cartwright calls for it to be restored just as the window shatters as it did before. Oh, I guess they didn't fix it. It was the same <laughs> window. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, revealing, We're not going to break another window. Because, yeah, that reveals no time has passed between... Actually, they went, oh, yeah. they went slightly back 
from before. So it's weird right. that they didn't encounter a second bounty because they yeah. should have. Mm-hmm. Because they went back to right before, I think, they went. Mm-hmm. Future. So that would have been a weird temporal thing that they sh- could have explored they in Star Trek V. themselves as they off. drive by. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, hi. And, and, and Scotty's like, God, I look like shit. <laughs> Lay off the guy. I aged that much in the last three fucking films. God damn. Um, so, um... At the same time, aboard the Enterprise, uh, oh, fuck. Shit, I went way back. What the fuck? Sorry. Finding our place <laughs> in the notes, 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 notes. <laughs> oh, man. I, Finding I don't, I don't our place in I'm, I'm notes. <laughs> All right, I, I'm recrystallized. <laughs> okay, yeah, you are. Uh, you so are. Oh, <laughs> so uh, Sarek, who's at Starfleet Command here, points at something which is revealed to be the bounty. And Cartwright notes it's headed right for the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, real quick, real quick. The uh, the, the light table mm-hmm. in the center of Starfleet Command later became mm-hmm. the the uh, uh, engineering light table in TNG. Mm-hmm. So like that's that. the, yeah, that's where that's from. Pretty cool. Hell yeah. Uh, the bounty sails down under the Golden Gate Bridge and crash lands in San Francisco Bay. Kirk orders the hatch blown. <laughs> And by the hatch, I mean his dick. <laughs> um, he looks outside, sees it's the right place, and now the task at hand is to get the whales out before the bounty sinks. Kirk orders everyone to abandon ship. Right. Uh, when he can't reach Scotty, Kirk runs towards engineering after telling Spock to ensure the safety of everybody else. Kirk runs down towards the whale tank and manages to force the door open and pull Scotty and Taylor out of the tank area, which is almost completely submerged at this point. Taylor notes the whales are trapped, and if they're not freed, they'll drown. Because guess what? They're fucking mammals, everybody. (laughs) They're not fish. Get it right. Did you double-check this information? (laughs) Hey, listen. Listen. (laughs) They're they're not Trianastasio, (laughs) so they're not fish. uh, That's all i got to say. Can't argue with that logic. George, there you go. They're not fish. They're not... They're not fish, they're not fans, because they don't do nitrous. Yeah, that's true, mm. that's true. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> Kirk sends them out through the bridge hatch, and he swims underwater to the explosive override and pulls it open. Why do they have a manual override on a fucking spaceship, It's a Klingon ship, bro. They got um, CRTs on that shit. Like, they don't know what the fuck. That's true, that's on. true. What, critical yeah. race theory? They have yeah. critical race theory. <laughs> they have, like, a hatch that you can just, like, blow open. <laughs> Fucking, th- that's the future liberals want. Yeah. It's, like, critical race theory, manual hatches. Uh-huh. <laughs> manual of the hatches. Imagine, like, someone just pulled that while they're in space. <laughs> That'd be great. Just a, a shot of, like, a Klingon fully staffed bridge. Just, this is the future that liberals <laughs> want. What? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Dude, we are like, exactly. we are falling apart. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm dematerializing oh like my bones. God. Here. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm fucking getting dusty, dude. I'm crumbling. No, I'm I'm, t- I'm turning fully ruski here, yeah, brother. We're gonna need to get find you one of those pills. <laughs> get to get his pill bag. <laughs> grew me another. You grew, here. grew another brain too. We're at it. <laughs> Yeah, this this fucking this this podcast is turning into a San Francisco marathon. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, so, um, uh, so Kirk sends them through the bridge hatch and swims underwater to the explosive override hatch and pulls it open, knocking the hole of the bounty open and allowing Kirk and the whales to swim out of the ship. 
Kirk reaches the surface just in time and is pulled up to safety by Spock and Dr. Taylor. After a few moments, the whales are seen swimming. Meanwhile, the probe keeps calling for the whales, and everyone at Starfleet just watches and waits as the power completely fails. Having oriented himself, pointed straight downward, George, the whale, begins to sing to the probe, to which it also orients itself downward in a vertical position before replying. Like, they're ori- uh, I think they're orienting their genitals so they can mm. buck. Well, so... No, I think they were praying to this Allah. Is, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, you're, it's it's all to yeah, Mecca. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're playing to the Mecca. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, <laughs> is, it, is it is it okay if the probe doesn't use a prayer rug? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, the whales aren't either. And so. They shall save yeah. the whales in Shalah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so this is what whales actually do. Apparently, that's that's how they sing. They go they go inverted like that. That's a real thing. Oh, yeah. wow. And if you don't get enough fiber in your diet, uh, your turds turn upside down uh, like that. So, what? you know, good to know. Okay. All that stuff. It has a small pa- blue ball that comes out and gets sucked back in. Oh, yeah. Uh, volleyball. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, did, do you know that that uh, little ball on the end of the probe is actually the volleyball that they used in Top Gun? Most people don't know that. Is it? I, what? <laughs> After a few minutes of communication <laughs> with the whales... <laughs> The probe deactivates. Yeah, bro. No, I'm recrystallized. I don't even know. <laughs> like, you don't know what are jokes anymore, no. and what are like actual no. things I read on Wikipedia yeah, like, earlier. And you're like, that's the same volleyball that later went on to cast yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Wilson. yeah that's Wilson. Yeah. Wilson's <laughs> first Wilson role, in an yeah. early role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he was a young, young, up and coming volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> After a few minutes of communication with the whales, the probe deactivates its scanner and the weather on Earth begins to calm. Power begins to be restored all around the planet, and as the probe leaves the way it came, it passes space dock and power is restored aboard the station. As the skies clear over Earth, the Enterprise crew, the, not the Enterprise Navy crew, the Enterprise actual crew here, mm-hmm. And Gillian celebrate the bounties, uh, celebrate at the bounties crash site in the water. They're just mm-hmm. splishing and a splashing and enjoying the salt water. And rare smile from Spock. And and Bones McCoy is like turning into beef jerky at this point because of the <laughs> exactly. salt water. Like it would, you uh, would definitely have a jerkification effect, right? It's like if you soak jerk. if you soak beef jerky in the fucking four loco you got from the gas station, like <laughs> that is texture now. <laughs> He's just, he's just becoming pickled meat and just like <laughs> good sucking up the, the brine. Yeah, throw a Michelob and a little cocaine on me. It'll be, I'll be okay. <laughs> um, so Kirk pulls Taylor in the water and everyone except Spock. Okay, so in. Kirk gets so up. hold on. The temperature yep. of the water in San Francisco Bay is 53 degrees currently. It is cold as ass. Like you do not want to get in that water. You don't want to, but if you're celebrating, you know, the whales. That is do what you gotta so, do. But keep in mind. Dude, water. Spencer, Spencer, people in Alaska do the polar plunge in which the water is literally thirty two degrees. That's true. They get they get like out it's, of it it's, pretty it's, quick it's, though. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but still, you know, the we don't see how long they're in the water here. They could only be in here for a while. But also, they're getting in the water when it's the future, and those seas are right. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's and the so, future. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> and so <laughs> and so we were talking about this. Like, yeah, the seas are boiling. 
like, <laughs> and all the fauna is completely different. Like, obviously, the whales have died, yeah. and so the seas are probably fucked up in a lot of ways in the future. These humpback whales are going to die, like, immediately. <laughs> well, just, it's like when you put, like... I'm assuming uh, that they fixed those problems, right? Or, like, they fixed most yeah. of them, right? No, because, like, I mean, well, the whales are dead, and so... Obviously, a bunch of the biome is dead, and probably what the whales were eating is also oh, yeah, dead. Yeah. Good point. And so, mm. like, and also the fucking, you know, the temperature can't be the same. Climate change happens no matter what, and, like, we're already on a bad course. Like, Oh, uh, the, some might know. say the worst. And so I was just like, it'd, it'd be amazing if, like, yeah, the, the whales just, like, immediately floated <laughs> up to the water. <laughs> Like, right after the fucking probe leaves, like, they go, <laughs> it's a Louisiana boil. <laughs> we gotta have ourselves a crawdad boil. Throw, throw some corn in there. Throw some corn. If fucking Benjamin Sisko's oh, dad no, comes out, he's yeah. like, I got an idea for a restaurant. <laughs> this is gonna be a real good combo. <laughs> this, this, this movie was originally called Jambalaya Origins. <laughs> Star Trek Jambalaya. <laughs> Star Trek Fourth Meal Jambalaya. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you, got t- you got a taste of that whale jambalaya, and it's just like, ooh. God damn! <laughs> like, Scotty's just, like, dumping, like, Louisiana spice into the sea. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like, what's <laughs> cooking, uh-huh. the, cooking, the, cooking the whale? <laughs> cooking the whale meat? Throw that Morton's in there. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the crew celebrates the end of the crisis in the waters. Starfleet shuttle heads towards them to pick them up. Having saved the earth, George and Gracie head towards the golden gate bridge for open water to explore the new world they've entered. And that will not keep them alive free from the threat of humans and hunters, but not free from the threat of starvation and rising open temperatures. Ocean temperatures. <laughs> um, however, Kirk and the crew still have to face their fucking court martial from earlier in the film that they definitely deserve. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the Federation Council chambers, the president calls the trial to order. Why is the president in charge of, like, why is he the magistrate over uh, the judicial branch of government? That seems wrong. It does seem Yeah, wrong, and yeah. also, like, the Klingons are nowhere to be seen. Yeah, they well, they were just like, yeah, we're not going to extradite them. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 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 I, I agree. They, I mean, they were right. Um, yeah. I mean, they, we watch Star Trek. Through, they watch Star Trek through. They have the VHS. Yeah, they, they, do, they, do, yeah. they do. They might well, only have the beta, um, so, beta Max. I don't know. Mm, true. They have uh, laser discs. It's yeah. giant. <laughs> it's not until the next generation that they get the data Max. Oh. Yeah. Almost hey. a joke. Uh, Kirk, McCoy, Scott, Chekhov, Sulu, and Ahura are brought in from where they are held, only to be joined by Spock, who is sitting in council with his father. The president reminds Spock that he is not one of the accused, but Spock intends to stand with his shipmates, and the president accepts. Somehow, Sav- Savick is uh, absent from this trial, even though we all know what she did. Right. Yeah, she's she's serving her own yeah, jail she's, time. She's Hopefully on Vulcan. Vulcan, man. Oh, you mean rehabilitation. They have the rehabilitation clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you really rehabilitate that kind of predation? I don't no, think so. I doubt it. No. Uh, he then lists the charges and specifications against the Enterprise crew. Conspiracy, assault on Federation officers, theft of Federation property, the Starship Enterprise, mm-hmm. Sabotage of the USS Excelsior, Scotty definitely did. did. Yeah. Uh, willful destruction of Federation property, 
again, the USS Enterprise. And Excelsior. Uh, and Excelsior. And disobeying direct orders of the Starfleet commander. The president asks Kirk for his plea. In behalf on all of the officers, Kirk announces that he is authorized to plead guilty. The president then says that because of certain mitigating circumstances, all charges are dropped except for one. And that charge? Disobeying a superior officer. And it's directed solely and none other than Admiral motherfucking Kirk. The president asks Kirk if he recognizes the need for keeping discipline in any chain of command, and Kirk says he does. The president announces that Kirk's punishment is that he will be reduced in rank to captain, and as a consequence of that rank, he's to be given the duty for which he demonstrates unswerving ability. The command of a fucking starship. <laughs> Again! Oh, Homie just, like, can't lose. He always fit. Like, <laughs> I like how, like, every movie they're like, you should take the command before you get too old. And then mm-hmm. the next film, he is too old. And they're like, you should take We're going to force you to take the command as a punishment. <laughs> Literally, it's a demotion into the command. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just keeps failing upward. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> So the council chamber begins to cheer until the president silences them. And he tells Kirk that he and his crew have saved earth from its own short sightedness. And the people of earth are forever in his debt. At that point, the council chambers breaks into cheering and applause with people coming down to congratulate the enterprise crew. Mm -hmm. Just like on the bus earlier. And the cantina bands playing. Yeah. Uh, Kirk sees Dr. Taylor and she says how happy she is for him and thanks Kirk before starting to leave. Kirk stops her and asks where she's going. Taylor says since she's got 300 years of catch-up learning to do, what about she's going learning? on board a silence vessel. <laughs> what about uh, yeah, I was going to say, her catch-up learning is going to be spent entirely at Heinz <laughs> University. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got my degree in condiments. Uh-huh. <laughs> Riker's like, condoms? <laughs> like, oh, calm, calm down, Riker. <laughs> uh, I'm 143 years old by the time you beat me. <laughs> Uh, Kirk asks if this means goodbye, especially as one might say back in the 20th century. He doesn't even have Gillian's telephone number and asks how he'll find her. And she says, 401 megahertz, and then jumps inside the whale. Uh, Whoa. She bumps the gas on the the whale. (laughs) Right, Bye, suckers. Just flipping double birds as she goes off from the sunset. And then it immediately crashes. <laughs> the whale explodes. Uh, Taylor says she'll find him and kisses him goodbye, which means I'm n- we're yeah, never going to see Yeah, you're yeah. 65 years old. I'm hot. and Yeah, uh, which I'm going to get some space dick. I'm going to find out what double Klingon dick tastes go. like later, yeah. old man. No, I, I kind of like, fucking... like the resolution to their thing because it, try, it tries to position them as like, maybe they're going to be a romantic thing. But at the end, yeah, it's, it's just a, like, it's a maybe quasi-romantic. It's like, nah, like she's, she's just walking away from this because he's an old man and now she lives in space. And like, <laughs> yeah, she's going to go get that space dick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She just she basically just uh-huh. used him. It's cool. Oh, and even uh, though he was being very forthright with her, even though it sounded insane yeah. at the time, mm. he's still a fucking yeah, creep. Yeah, still a creep. Still <laughs> yeah. Creep. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Spock 
has caught up with Sarek. And as his father is planning to return to Vulcan, he wanted him to take his leave. Uh, he wanted to take his leave of Spock and say goodbye. Spock thanks Sarek for his effort to... Uh, that he put out for them. And Sarek says there was no effort as Spock is his son. And in any case, he was very impressed with Spock's performance during the crisis. Sarek then recalls how he initially opposed Spock's entrance into Starfleet, saying that judgment, his judgment may have been incorrect. Sarek says that Spock's associates are people of good character. Spock tells Sarek that they are his friends. Sarek accepts that, and then asks if Spock has a message for his mother. Spock says he does, and to tell Amanda that he feels fine. <laughs> he raises his hand in the Vulcan salute and tells his father, live long and prosper. And Sarek does the same. Then Spock turns from Sarek, who starts to leave council chambers en route to Vulcan, and Spock rejoins Kirk, and they walk out of the chambers themselves. Flying through space dock in a travel pod, following an orbit shuttle leading them, the crew heads towards their new assignment. McCoy, saying the bureaucratic mentality is the only constant in the universe, expects they will get some kind of freighter, while Sulu hopes for the Excelsior with trans warp drive. Mm -hmm. While Scott asks why Sulu would want... That bucket of bolts. Yeah. Uh, Kirk simply tells uh, Scott Scotty is that anti-trans. Anti-trans warp. He, yeah, we... Yeah. yeah. Aren't there... I mean, if you got a penis, you're a man, right? That's what I always thought. That's what I learned. The, I, uh, that's what I learned in elementary school biology. Don't you... I'm just gender critical. I'm asking questions. <laughs> Um, Have you seen this new Matt Walsh documentary? <laughs> Have you ever heard of this Dr. Jordan Peterson? He just became Russian. Yeah. Now, so. Yeah. Uh, so we're recrystallized. We can't do that proper accent. Yeah, I'm turning into a Ruski here. It's <laughs> oh, so <God>. bad. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, the R oh, word. Yeah. The, the worst R word. The second oh, worst yeah. R word behind recrystallized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Um, he wonders why uh, he would want that ship, and Kirk simply tells Scott that a ship is a ship, to which Scott begrudgingly agrees. From the forward window, the crew notes the Excelsior come into view, but rather than docking with it, a travel pod continues over it, revealing their true destination, a refit Constitution-class starship with the primary hole proudly displaying its Starfleet registry, USS Enterprise A. Yeah. And this is actually a great reveal. I yeah. love this. I honestly totally forgot that A didn't come in until yeah. four. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was, I thought that was the B. Mm. I thought that A was the one that they used on like the original series and shit. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that was just, you know, uh, NCC 17. Yeah, they get that mm -hmm. sick looking just, white yeah. bridge. It's so tight. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The disco yeah, bridge, dog. <laughs> uh, the crew beams. Uh, up as Kirk joyfully announces, my friends, we've come home. As the new Enterprise departs the space dock, the crew take up their familiar positions on the bridge. Uh, for Sulu, it's doggy style. <laughs> uh, with eager anticipation, Sulu informs the captain that the helm is ready, as is his asshole. Of course. As Kirk takes the center seat, he gives the order, let's see what she's got. Mm. Talking about Ahura. 
<laughs> Everyone then with whoa, 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 that's some recrystallized shit, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> so, with, with, with a flash, the Enterprise engages the warp drive, ready to once again boldly go where no man has gone before. The wow. end. What a fucking movie. We made it through. Yeah, Holy oh, shit. Uh, what do you guys think of Star Trek Dude, 4? It's it's fucking Great. fantastic. It's such a joy. It's so much fun. Every scene is filled with yeah. joy and fun and happiness, and it's beautiful, and I love it, and it was amazing watching it after so long, and like I remember why I loved mm-hmm. it as a kid, and I still love it now. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different movie than the previous two. It's not an action-adventure film yeah. really at all. It is a it's a totally different movie than anything. Totally. Trek has been it is before. a, it is a situational mm-hmm. comedy and like character mm-hmm. drama, basically like, and it's fucking yeah. fantastic. And I love it. It's, it's a comedy and it's great. And I don't know why I said drama. It, it, it's, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's great. How about you, Pat? What do you think? No, I like it. I think it, uh, it takes a better direction because like the previous films are, you know, more action mm-hmm. films. And uh, I mean, not Star Trek, the motion picture. There yeah. was no action. No, no action. <laughs> There's no action. Yeah, it was a no action film. But like, but also, but you know, we love our, we love our morality folks. You know, we love our, we love our the messages. Slow motion we love picture. like hope for the future. Uh, excuse me. Are you a uh, woke moralist? Uh, I guess I, I'm one of those woke moralists. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what cancels. <laughs> well, yeah, like, uh, you know, this has a positive message about the future, you know, conservation, okay. you know, uh, uh, saving okay. the whales. Yeah, I mean, it's not the only thing positive in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot of like, it's got a lot of really, it's got a really nice message. And it like, okay, the thing about this movie that I like the most is that it feels so intentional. Like there's a quote from uh, Leonard mm-hmm. Nimoy that you alluded to earlier where he's like, yeah, we didn't want to make a movie with like phaser fights and people dying. You know, we just wanted to have like a fun story that's lighthearted and if i can leave people out i want to give people a good time but i also i want to leave them with like a really important message and like it just Mm -hmm. he hits all of those points so perfectly it's so fun and the message is like Mm -hmm. right there the whole time and it just works and really this is what happens when you get a lot of very people who are very good at their job and also really care about something doing mm-hmm. a project together. And also the studio really kind of backing off because they gave them apparently a ton more right. freedom mm-hmm. to make this film than they did the previous films because they were like, well, yeah, this is a, a tried and true method. Like the last film, Nimoy did great. Let's yeah. Yeah. that explains what, also the more, what you ex- want to do more exper- experimental stuff. Like, you know, the, the back in time hallucination that mm-hmm. they had, you know, that was, that was pretty wild <laughs> to include. Also, so the initial budget for this film was also the greatest of the budgets. So the first one, the initial budget was like $12 million, but a balloon to 45. Mm. So that's technically the biggest budget so far still. But this one had a budget of $22 uh, 26 million, million actually. versus 26 million. Sorry. Oh, 26 yeah. million. Sorry. 26 million uh, compared to the previous film, 16 right. million, I think. Mm. And then 12 million before that. And so like, you know, this has, like, an exponential amount of money from either of the other films. So they were really, like, given a lot to work with here. And they did so fucking well with it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, special effects look amazing. Like, special effects are good. I, I wouldn't say that they're as good as, like, the first one or Search for Spock. But they're good. I mean, they're just not – they're not as prominent, I mm-hmm. think. 
And so when they're good, they're good. But like, there's not any big long shots except for like Enterprise A at the very yeah, end, which right. is great. The yeah. special like, effects are pretty minimal in this one. Um, they are, but like they, really they, they make up um, for that. I feel like with by like shooting on location because like all the places where they shoot mm-hmm. it looks yeah. so good because it looks so real and that's something that i feel like was missing from a lot of uh, search for spock i love search for spock and the sets are great well, but it's all on sets you know well yeah mm-hmm. so there was uh for search for spock there was one day of yeah it's the vulcan shooting, ritual whereas yeah. over 80 percent of this production was all around san yeah, francisco and for LA. Sure. it looks great oh. and um yeah so like it cost 26 million to make 25 26 million and then it ended up grossing worldwide 133 million which like so it did it was, it was a huge hit like it was great and like yeah. this is still one that's really and and with tape sales oh, probably, probably a lot, lot more than that. That. yeah and this is still one that you know mm-hmm. it's remembered really well and for good reason because it's so much fun it, even though mm-hmm. it's it's very unique in the series it being like it's the only real like yeah. comedy in the in the series like it is like <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a more a comedy than anything else uh, but it's like it's so good it's so good yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a more so, of a crowd pleaser because. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, and it is very outside of the norm for Star Trek films because there's no, you don't get the Enterprise until the mm-hmm. very end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. it takes place in the past. They're not wearing uh, standard uniforms. First and foremost, the primary mission of this film, unlike the previous three films, is not fucking Bill Shatner getting control of the Enterprise. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's what it right. always is. Yeah. That's a, what the first half an hour to an hour of the previous three fucking films are right. about. Yeah. And this just boil this just keeps that until the very five, last five minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's not, <laughs> and he doesn't have to fight for it. They're just like, you're demoted. Which now, is like great. It. Yeah. It's like, get out and get out. Great and leave. setup for yeah. the next films, right? Cause you don't have to do that, which is, mm-hmm. which is good. It is, which, which is unfortunate, unfortunate yeah. <laughs> that it's set it up yeah. so well and it knocked it. It was a foul ball, like right into someone's dick. <laughs> foul balls, like, like Bones's balls. I bet those shits are foul, man. Yeah. <laughs> foul balls, like Klingon oh, yeah, balls. All four yeah. of them. Yeah, nice. Do you think they have like a biofiltered like take out or or is there like inner balls and outer <laughs> balls? Yeah, I think they're like the balls that descend if they want them okay. to. Because mm-hmm. cool. it's been pretty much determined that um, they actually have uh, the penises are more on like a, a Z axis. They're stacked. Uh, Horizontally, mm. not um, um, vertically. Rather, not hor- they're not side what? by side. You, do do with have your you hand. Seen that one guy that does what have the penises two penises. Are doing what? What are they doing? <laughs> so like this, right? Like yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's so like, like it's like those. Yeah. So not not yeah, like yeah. this. No, yeah, like not, this, not, like this, like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. you know it's yeah. like it. Yeah, hot dog, not <laughs> yeah, hamburger hot style. Hot dog dicks. Yeah, it's like those dildos that have like a little nub on them or whatever. You know, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Probably. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before I watched this and like coming into watching the Star Trek movies with y'all, um, I hadn't seen this one in a year or two. But from what I remembered, I'm like, I think this is my favorite Trek film, like uh, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I really like First Contact. I really like 2009. But I'm like, I think four is my favorite from what I remember. It was my favorite yeah, as a yeah, kid. Yeah, my favorite as a kid too. And, uh, and like my, it's my it's dad's my mom's favorite, favorite too. So from yeah, my, like I watched it a lot. Yeah. As a result, yeah. And so I, yeah, I watched it a lot as a kid, and I, I remember like liking it a lot. And I watched it a couple of years ago, and I liked it a lot. And I'm like, I think this is my favorite one. And um, watching, watching it back uh, just uh, recrystallized yeah. that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
it's, yeah, recrystallized. It, I, I, okay, my, my, I think my favorite thing about it is that the whole movie feels like fan service, but they do it in such a good way. Like, they give every character their mm-hmm. own, like, perfect little moment, but then they give them even more, mm-hmm. and it just keeps building on itself, and there's all this, like, setup well, and payoff, and it's just, yeah. it's so good. And that's what I was saying, like, when it comes to, like, people who really care right. about a project. Because, like, Nimoy obviously cares about yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's, yeah, he, he's handling it with fucking grace, and he's not doing a Bill Shatner and, like, putting himself in every fucking scene, you know? It's it's yeah. really great. Mm-hmm. And like, his performance yeah, as Spock I, is Nimoy great, Nimoy is a too, great director. So, yeah. Great yeah, yeah. I wish Nimoy would have directed more uh, sci-fi, to be honest, because, like, most of the rest of his career is, like, fucking the three men and a lady and shit like that, which is... Or three men and a baby. Whoa, three men and a really? Lady. I forgot. Oh, he directed that he three did men and a baby. Both I them, actually, yeah. maybe I didn't even know he, that. He did both those films. That's crazy. Yeah, Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson, and uh, Tom right. Selleck. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I forgot about those movies. Wow, I haven't seen that movie. Anymore. Dude, imagine hanging out with those four guys. That would rule. Yeah, <laughs> it would rule so <laughs> those hard, dudes dude. Crushed but, brewskis oh should... together. Let me tell you. Oh, and, and pussy. pussy. Mm-hmm. Crushed pussy, baby. <laughs> They should remake that movie, but as a thruple, like it's a <laughs> like it's a gay. <laughs> Just three yeah. gay dads, three gay dads uh-huh. and a baby. I mean, that's what that movie <laughs> was, though, right? Version. They were all gay together. Yeah, <laughs> uh, more like Steve Gatenberg. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. Oh, um, take no, uh, Steve Gutenberg. All right, let's do some subspace uh, transmissions and get out of here. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Oh, hello. Here's the part of the show where we look at some reviews on the internet. I pulled a bunch of shit from uh, Letterboxd because there was some good stuff on there. Um, but we'll just uh, we'll oh, do yeah. a few and see what the people are talking about, thinking about, doing uh, out there and see what we think. Uh, let's start things off. Fran Hopner says... <laughs> Uh, gives the film four stars out of five and says, the only Star Trek movie about whales has got to get two <laughs> big thumbs up from me. <laughs> Could agree more. more. It's the only She's one like, about no. whales. I mean, is it is it too, uh, as long as it's not two big thumbs up Chekhov, I don't yeah, think he'd like yeah, that. Yeah. Pretty sore he needs to point. take another pill. This, 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 person's, um, this person's definitely someone who's like, they're, they have like a chosen animal that they really ex- yeah. obsess over, and I bet her whole house is nothing oh, but right, whales. Right, right. I bet she has like a fucking bad dragon <laughs> oh, whale dildo. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> bad dragon? You know, Dr. Taylor bad had dragon one too. make a whale pussy, oh, yeah. like a big whale pussy for you to <laughs> climb in. That you can yeah, just like yeah, climb exactly. inside and go. Right it's, inside. It's, called, it's called a sleeping bag, Spencer. <laughs> you just got to get it wet. You just got to oh, soak it with got... a hose and then climb in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's how Bones has to sleep. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm gonna go use my whale fleshlight. You mean you mean you're gonna go into your sleeping bag? Yeah, I'm gonna start calling it that when I go camping. <laughs> my, bo- my bones bag. Bones that's bag. Great. That's great. My whale. My whale. Bernie fleshlight. and Bust says or gives the film three and a half stars <laughs> out of five and says we need more movies about old people getting into hijinks. <laughs> Seems suspiciously like hijinks. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I mean, yeah, we got we got grumpy old men. We got space right. cowboys. Uh, what about yeah. like city got slickers? A... They're kind of old. Oh, city slickers. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, he's not Billy Crystal's not that old in that movie. He's like forty, but Curly is. Yeah, that's true. 
And then the legend of right. Curly's yeah, gold. Yeah, Curly's old as oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Beaumont Anderson. Yeah, the legend of Curly's old. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Beaumont Anderson gives the film four stars out of five and says, Can you imagine walking to work in San Francisco in 1986, sipping on your burnt coffee, basking in the blasted hellscape of Reagan's America, and seeing a bunch of <laughs> tight-panted hippies wandering around asking where the radioactive shit is? That's good shit. It'd be pretty yeah, be cool. cool. That'd be tight. Be I'd be cool. into it. Uh, be in, it's pretty, pretty yeah. good. And this, this user actually gave another review that I really like, so I'm going to read that one now, too. Um, and they said, they give, they give multiple reviews for this film, which is strange. Three, three and a half stars out of five. <laughs> the bus scene is deeply disturbing. A punk refuses to turn down his boombox. <laughs> Spock reaches over and performs a Vulcan nerve pinch. The punk immediately collapses. The entire bus applauds. None of these people know what a nerve pinch is. They've never seen a Vulcan. That man is dead for all they know. His bowels slowly leaking into the thin bus upholstery. The electric hum of his mind fading as every dream, pain, and regret slides into the void. To the sound of thunderous applause. That's bone chilling. <laughs> yeah. So we, we actually talked about this on the, uh, the watch along. Uh, like... <laughs> You could have just like stabbed him in the throat and he's like holding his neck bleeding out and just like <laughs> head down and everyone's like, Yay, hey, you did it. <laughs> well, as that other review pointed out, this is Reagan's yeah. America. Oh, so yeah. people are just dying for like pun like insane amounts yeah. of punishment for small yeah, things. It's like sure. you know, America's just like foaming at the mouth, wanting to see blood. So they probably did think he died. They're, like, They're just fuck like, yeah, fuck we're yes. so glad he's <laughs> Kill him. dead. Kill the lips. So fucking glad he's dead. <laughs> Uh, Dan Pendleton uh, gives the, the film... Oh, no, fuck this guy. I, I hate this review. Inventor of uh, Pendleton, uh, Oregon. Okay, so I, I hate this review. This guy sucks. I'm going to read it anyway, but I hate it. I'm just going to let you know. Uh, one and a yeah, half stars out of five. The crew of the Starship Enterprise travel back to the 1980s, parentheses, seriously, turning the franchise into an <laughs> awful fish-out-of-water comedy. The crew are clearly having a They're not whale fish. of a time causing havoc in the 20th century. <laughs> However, when Captain Kirk tries to flirt with Jillian Taylor at the end, it all got very, very orca-word. He'll need better flirtation skills if he plans to hump back at her place. It made me glad to be a homosexual. <laughs> Man, how, how do you hate this review? Fuck you, Spencer. This, this, this review rules. Yeah. Homosexual? That's the funniest shit I've heard all year. Those are seriously uh, the best puns I've ever heard. Unfortunately, I didn't enjoy this film. So good. It was all just a little too silly. They really jumped the shark with this one. <laughs> I like that he he's a self-identified yeah, fish and shark. Those are fuck yeah, fuck you for yeah, both yeah. those things. It's a yeah, goddamn mammal. Like it's a goddamn uh, mammal. Have some fucking self, respect. <clears throat> self-identified uh, homosexual for sure. <laughs> I really love that. Uh speaking of which, <clears throat> Kelebic on break says Five stars out of five. <laughs> so much fun and refreshingly optimistic. A big win for the gays. <laughs> there's what? a, a, there's a mean, lot of fair. reviews that mention uh, they, they think uh, Kirk and Spock are gay for each other. Uh, they oh, are. Yeah, they are, but it's like... I mean, he's wearing heels. <laughs> he's true, wearing a pink true. outfit, a wig. 
And a girdle. Don't, don't forget the girdle. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. a girdle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, uh, corset. corset. It's a corset. It's a corset. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he goth. He's goth. He's goth. He's wearing... Mm-hmm. He's wearing he's wearing stompers and a corset. He's definitely, yeah. definitely he's, not. He's, he's corset training. <laughs> he's getting that thin <laughs> waist and big old corset titties. training and anal training at the same time. Uh, <laughs> dude, we got to we got to hire some weirdo on deviant art to draw Kirk as a femboy. Uh, <laughs> use that as our podcast logo. Dude, that shit's already <laughs> out there. That shit is a hundred percent already out okay, there. Okay, somebody Spencer. type femboy mm-hmm. Kirk no in way. the fucking. Somewhere, report back. Uh, All right, let me get femboy, the... femboy Kirk cat's ears made outfit. Uh, maybe. maybe I don't know. Just yeah. saying. Just I don't know. Could be cool. I uh, guess I can d- delve into my private uh, collection. So, oh, I've already searched for that. That's a purple link. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dankwit. <laughs> it's all purple links on Google. That's weird. Dankwit uh, gives the film a heart and says, "This was on at the party yesterday. Well, a tallow disco played over it." Didn't want to watch much of it per se, but wanted to log it anyway, in part because all the dudes at the party were eventually compelled to gather around it in mutual adoration. <laughs> it sounds tight. I, I like the idea of watching this film with a tallow that's, disco. That's how a game of Limp Bizkit yeah, starts. That's true. True. You find it? You, you uh, find it? That's what I found. What, what did you try? Yeah, I got, I got Kirk and a Femboy Hooters. Uh, uh, I can't see that yeah, shit at all. See it on there. Uh, that's okay. Oh yeah, I do see that. That's okay. That's pretty good. That looks like that looks like Chris Pine Kirk. I I want, I want Shatner Kirk. Shatner Kirk. Unfortunately, lots of Charlie Kirk stuff oh, appeared with ew, Femboy. With what? Fe- no, no. no. <laughs> there's a there's a Charlie Kirk with a yeah. Femboy. Of oh, course. Wow. Yeah, dear liberals of video game companies aren't trying to make people gay. Why would they make Link so cute? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> curious. Uh, Rory. By Curious. Rory gives the film four, uh, five stars out of five. I don't remember what the plot of Free Willy, but I'm going to assume it's <laughs> just this without space and hot old gay people. You know, you know what they should have called this film is uh, Star Trek for uh, Free Willy Shatner. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. You could you could make a meme of that. That'd be all right. Uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's his it's his girdle. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> his girdle busting open, and there's like two whales. Yeah. Out. Hell yeah. Uh, okay, this is a good one. Daisy Faye gives the film three and a half stars out of five. I like how in the '80s they casted less attractive people in movies more often. Seems more cinematic somehow. They're, I mean, not they're, not they're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not wrong. Like, yeah, people were uglier. Definitely. In the 80s. <laughs> like objectively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that too. It's pretty good. Yeah. You should be casting people like there me you go. and Cast Pat. Hashtag cast Pat. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Cast me. I have I have a human face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is a truly unhinged review. Peter gives the film five stars out of five. Imagine waking up from a one hundred year coma and I don't know what if Sorry. Imagine waking up from a 100-year coma, and I don't know what I think. F, they did. You know I said 100-year coma. The entire original (laughs) series cast, Will Shatner, gay porn star. I don't know how I think I'll just become straight. The Twilight Zone diner monster on the airplane. Go with it. Wait, the what? I don't fucking know. I under-detanned. I already forgot. Yeah, I don't think his shirt gay glitter on it. Well, 
good tea bottom energy. Huh. I think you heard some. I mean, I who? So this is just uh, Will Shatner's Google history <laughs> displayed as one string. Yeah, I'm glad this person chose the uh, uh, Voyage Home uh, yeah. Letterbox uh, review to have a stroke. <laughs> it's, like, it's great. It's like, I smell toast. I should yeah, review yeah. a movie. Just like, yeah. These well, are just like all of the words that came into his brain like while he watched it. Um, it's just doing free yeah. association. Yeah, trying to dial 911, but actually just typing this review. <laughs> like, sat, da- sat down to type it. He's trying like, to email 911. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. <laughs> it's like, no, I was good. It's like, they're, like, they're about to leave a, leave the review and then try to work. Like, got a Gay glitter, Twilight instead. Zone. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Me too. I hope they're okay. Uh, Haddams. Derogatory, four stars out of five. Had a <laughs> whale of a time. Got him. Got him. Uh, Ryan Mayers, four and a half stars. Uh, in a movie, inventor of John. True, Mayer. inventor of John Mayer. Uh, in a movie where the space not military has to use their stolen spaceship powered by funky space crystals to go back in time to steal whales from San Francisco to appease an angry space log. The most implausible part is that everyone, <laughs> even Spock, could tear a piece of fabric so cleanly off a robe while um, wearing it. Yeah, that is. I mean, as I said, he practiced he that for doing. three yeah. months along That's with what he was working trip. on. Yeah. That and fucking yeah. Shakespeare. Also, he, you know, he is obviously a master That's mathematician. True. Like, That's he true. knows exactly where to tear it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how many much pressure to he's apply. Through, he knows and, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is why he's the best at eating yeah. pussy. Well. Uh, yeah. To- Hells yeah. He knows just how to tear it. <laughs> uh, uh, Ross, four stars out of five. A double dumbass on the and entire friends. 21st century TBH. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Truthfully. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the 21st century has to do with this. The movie takes place in the 23rd it's true. And But a double dumbass oh, on us, nonetheless. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Connor Wilson, four stars out of five. I finally got to see Star Trek four in a packed theater of Stroud uh, of strange, loud nerds who clapped and laughed at literally every single joke, and sometimes for no reason. A theater in Utah too. <laughs> so you bet the LDS joke kills. <laughs> Not doing that again. What? That I mean, it sounds amazing. Fun. Yeah. What? Yeah. I like if you get it. Uh, if you if you see if you see a movie that's re- being re-released uh-huh. after you know several decades and then like you're supposed to right. go and have fun there. Yeah, like, that's that's what we're. Uh, so when we saw Neil Breen. What? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Neil Breen. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, or, saw, we saw Neil Breen. Right. Yeah, we we or, saw uh, Twisted dude. Pair. Yeah. Twisted Pair. Yeah, the screening of that it. that was an awesome dude, view. <laughs> yeah, um, awesome. and also we're we're gonna go and uh, next month, early next month, we got tickets to go see the uh, director's cut. Remastered version of uh, ah, that rocks. Yeah. So that rocks. Nice. I'm jealous. Yeah, uh, I just love fun. the idea of uh, the whole crowd laughing at LDS because it specifically references the Mormons in Utah. That's hilarious to me. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty good. Uh, That's very. Uh, you very know what? We're just going to end this with one last one. Riley Morgan sums things up in a way that I think all of us can appreciate. Four stars out of five. Giant space dildo comes to Earth, asks for whales, refuses to elaborate, leaves. (laughs) 
That's true. Although it was bi- a big log of poo more than anything. Yeah, you yeah. could you could, you could use poo for a dildo. You know, it's known. Alaskan pipeline's mm-hmm. a thing. Oh, uh, what are they called? Yeah, Alaskan yeah, yeah. pipeline. No one's ever done that. <laughs> Speak ever. for yourself. That's never Speak happened yourself, in the history of anything. You know. Yeah, yeah, I will. No <laughs> one's ever done that, and I, Spencer, you know, I've done all the weirdest things. Brit, like we've discussed are, this on one of our podcasts. You are you do, you do weird stuff. It is on you. It is your responsibility to make the Alaskan pipeline a reality. Do it. It's just there's so many better things you can put in there yeah. than poo poo. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. already in there. <laughs> it's all- I already pooped in the condom. What am I supposed to do? Isn't that what they're for? (laughs) What? I thought that's what butt sex was for. You just put it in, uh, take it off, and then they take the poo, you know? Makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. Well. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's a subspace transmission. I think pay our respects to a fallen crew member. Indeed, it is. Will the awaiting pinch? And somebody had to die. But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. Today, we remember Lieutenant Arlene Galloway, a science or maybe medical officer. It's never really mentioned. Or something like that. Uh, who served aboard the USS Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. Lieutenant Galloway passed from natural causes from an infection on Gamma Hydra 4 that initiated a rapid aging process whose effects Galloway succumbed to. Mm. It should be noted that out of the three women who have died so far on Star Trek up to this point, all three of them have been blue shirts. Curious. So rest in peace among the stars, Lieutenant Arlene Galloway, and thanks for your contribution to the greater good, I guess. <laughs> and that's, that's the, the show. show! We fucking did it! This is definitely <laughs> our longest We're... episode ever. This is insane. Uh, this is like twice as long as our longest episode of yeah. our other podcast. Yeah. Which maybe you should listen to, and maybe you should check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. Hey, where can we find you on the internet, Pat? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Atomic Bomb. Where can I find you, uh, Spencer.Zone Spencer? or at New Metal uh, Cult on most socials. Also, hey, you can give us a call if you wanted to do that. Like, I don't know. I still think that would be fun if somebody gave us a call. So you can do that if you want. Mm-hmm. That's 425-310-2416. Just call that number. Or text that number. I don't know. Whatever you want. What? Yeah, if yeah. If you're nasty. If you're nasty. Text, text uh, what about you, Britt? Where? <laughs> where are you? Um, I'm, you can you can find the Star Trek brand online on any of the socials: uh, Facebook, the Star um, Trek brand? Twitter, uh, Instagram. Yeah, you can find the Star Trek brand for sure. So but what about yeah, your... yeah Star Trek brand? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're Star Trek we're now, all right? Over? We're taking over, fellas. <laughs> we recrystallized the okay. brand, okay? <laughs> um, so, so you can find the there Soy Trek brand online um, at Soy Trek pretty much anywhere. Uh, we have a Facebook. We have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. And guess what? Our newest addition to the pile, right. Reddit. There's That's right, Reddit. folks. <laughs> We've all got fedoras. Uh, okay. um, mm, speak for yourself, Spencer. <laughs> you true. have a fedora. Uh, so, Miss Spencer, 
Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, like our our Reddit is like blowing up. We've got uh, as of now almost four hundred twenty followers. Hells yeah. Uh, and I set that up like five days ago. So mm. that's going super well. So join us on Reddit. That'd be fun. I'm not uh, even on Reddit. I need well, to join Reddit. I, Reddit. I actually <laughs> remembered there was a subreddit while we were doing the episode and subscribed to it a, a half an hour ago. <laughs> so Cool. Awesome. Neat. Well, I'm going to make Fantastic. you a mod. You're gonna have to I, tell oh, uh-oh. I better make an alt account. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Spencer. I've uh, seen your public likes on Twitter. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Too. Um, <laughs> you uh, see that uh, Bob Odenkirk with likes uh, a foot. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, fetish. Right. fetish and, yeah, that rules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he had well, he only followed it though, like after he had a near death experience and like wrote about it on his Twitter. Which I'm like, you know what? You live your life, brother. Yeah, you know, you live he, your life he, to the fullest. He almost, he, almost, he almost died, and he came back and was just like, you know what? I fucking love that feet. Rules, dude. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> fuck the metric system. It's feet I'm only from now on. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that ends our show. Hell yeah. Looks like that's all, and it's time for us to warp the fuck away. Be well, travel safe, and as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 125 says, you can't make a deal if you're dead. <laughs> All right. Thanks for trekking with us, soy boys. Hang Hang dong. And shocker. Soy, 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 so